So, Scooter, what, why don't you tell us about that Facebook group next? Well, thanks, Medulla. It's uh, Sleep With Me Podcast. Wow, I feel great. Dot com slash nods. That's the Facebook group. And it's a little group where you can talk to other listeners about sleep stuff and, and make some friends. And I want to thank uh, Jennifer B. Julie C., Rachel L. to the G., Lida S. and Laura uh, for moderating over there. How am I doing? Pretty damn good, man. This is Look At Me Podcast.com slash nods. I want to thank Chris Posty Posterson from Sounds Like an Earful. Who does our music? He's got a podcast, Sounds Like an Earful. Check it out. I want to thank Scotty and Jennifer on our, our work on my honor. Uh, you know, as a, a character, might not have said in, in StarCraft, but I just like to say that. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do as a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest and uh, what I'm going to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's got you up, whether you've, you've got your mind racing and you're tossing and turning from that, or your body is in some kind of pain or distress, or your emotions are turbulent or unsettled, whatever is going on with you. I'm going to try to distract you from that. I'm going to try to take your mind off of it. I'm going to reach my hand and my voice across the deep, dark night. And I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to tell you a story. But really, like, and I don't know which one's the metacommunication. I've been trying to figure out this metacommunication stuff. Well, you know, as I reach out my hand and my voice, the story in some sense is me saying, hey, come on. I'm going to take you across this threshold into dreamland. We're going to go for a walk. And the sensible thinking part of your brain that probably has you up at night or has you wondering about your ankle or your 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 ex or whatever it is, will say, wait, who the hell's this guy? Wait, wait, what the hell's this guy talking about? Thresholds and uh, safe places and dreams? I say, one, I didn't say anything about dreams. Did I? Maybe I did. I don't know. But I say, yeah, hey, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm your boyfriend. I came, I came by here uh, via podcast, ether, sublimation of uh, earwaves, they say. And then that part of your brain, I'll be like, this guy's talking nonsense. He said, these aren't even words. And I'll be like, yes, you're right. These are word-like noises, but I'm here to escort you on a walk. They'll be like, well, where are we going exactly? Well, I can't tell you. We're going on a, a walk. Just to walk? Yeah, but you can stay in bed. It's the best part of the walk I take you on. Well, how are you going to go for a walk? I say, my, you got a lot of questions there, little brain bot. And, and I can tell you're a real sharp, sharp, uh, sharp observant type. You, 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 you should sit almost to the front of the class, you know, and obviously not, you know, where you could, you know, give the most to the class when you were in school, I bet. But yeah, we're just going to go for a walk. You could, well, what do you want? Oh, what do I want? Why am I here? Well, you know, I, I could tell you that story for sure. Uh, yeah, why doesn't everybody sit down? We won't even go for a walk. All you little brain parts gather around. 
you know, feel free to interject any questions or criticisms of the way I'm handling things. That's fine. But why does your human just lie in the back and they can rest? I've got this magical forest floor where we've gathered here. I call it a safe place because it has, uh, you know, it's not only is it safe uh, physically and emotionally, but it's also a hell of comfortable we got we got every kind of pillow you can imagine. Total climate control. Total, you know, like one of those bed commercials. And it all adjusts by, uh, you know, what do you call that? Uh, the trans, the brain type, where your brain just tells it. You know, you don't even have to say hey or press any buttons. You say hey, I'd like this a little firmer, a little softer. So let your human handle that. You guys keep your focus on me because it's a legit question. Uh, legit uh, skepticism. Well, who the hell am I and what the hell am I doing here with this sleep? I'll be telling you I'm going to help you fall asleep, right? Well, I'll tell you the whys uh, real quick. One, I said, hey, uh, I like telling stories. I don't know. I, I, I've, I've done this in the past, made up stories for people to nap to. And I said, hey, this would make it pretty. I think I could test this out as a podcast. Uh, let me see if it works for anybody. It, it might work for some people. I used to do it for my brother. I've done it for my friends. And in some sense, I've been doing it my whole life for myself and, and mostly waking, making up stories, but yeah, at bedtime too. But that goes to the deeper reason why is that I, I've, you know, I know you guys got a tough job being, you know, in charge of this person's brain. And I was one of those people that you couldn't sleep at all too. And, and even when I was a kid. Just a fourth, fifth, sixth grader, I just couldn't sleep. And I know you guys, I can see you you got that skeptical look. Yeah, I probably did sleep. Maybe that's an over-exaggeration, but that's how I remember it. Is that there was nothing I could do to calm down my feelings at bedtime. And there was nothing anybody could really do, you know, advice-wise to help me. And maybe part of it was who I was and whatever male thingamajigs and the cultural thingamajigs to say, you know what, I'm on my own uh, to deal with this. And I don't know how, and it would, I really suffered, so it was really painful not being able to sleep, feeling all alone in the deep, dark night. And feeling like, geez, I didn't want to deal with the next day. And then I wanted to deal with it even less when I was up all night worrying about it. And I know on some level it's impossible to travel in time. You know, because I've tried. I made a flux capacitor one time out of straws. And, you know, and this was last weekend and hooked it up to a plug and then, you know, short-circuited the whole block. Uh, maybe, maybe that happened to lawyers. Maybe it didn't happen. Circumstantial evidence because the straws are melted. So, uh, and my dog saw nothing. But I know that I can't go back in time and help that boy, and I know that there's nothing I can do to change the past. But I say, geez, I still yearn to do it even though it's impossible. And so maybe this is acting out on some absurd uh, need to fix the past. But also one more thing, hear me out, brain parts, is that 
the one thing that would give me one breath of sanity, of escape, was on Sunday nights. There's a radio show called Dr. Demento. And it would be on for two hours, and it was this comedy radio show where they played songs by Weird Al Yankovic and Emo Phillips, and people like and comedians would come on. And I would listen to that show, and I would feel okay for an hour or two. I would feel safe. I would be distracted from my anxiety and my worries. And so all those things, none of it makes any sense. It all got mashed together into a podcast somehow. And somehow it works for some people. Now I see you guys raising some objections. Clearly, this isn't for everybody. But you see, your humans in the back. I just don't want them to have to think about whatever's got them up tossing and turning. So I'm going to tell a tale, a little bit of a story tonight. It's trending Twitter Tuesday, so I'm going to, you know, check the trends on Twitter and weave the story into that stuff. I'm going to use the lulling, soothing tones, pointless meanders, uh, strange metaphor-like uh, attempts at sensibility, and just like I just did. And, you know, maybe some personal interludes that, that revolve, you know, sometimes most won't pull on the heartstrings like that, so don't worry. But most of what I'm going to do is I'm going to be here. I'm going to be doing my best so if you can't sleep, just like Dr. Demento, there will be a little bit of uh, light humor or, you know, like, you know, humor-like something. There will be a little bit of a story. But it'll also be the kind of story where you're kind of listening and all of a sudden, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. And you'll, maybe you'll hear my voice fade away into the background, or maybe it'll, the words will stop making sense. And then you'll slowly sink, or you'll float, or you'll transition into sleep. Because I know for me, thinking about that's that that's a conundrum. Well, now that I'm thinking about falling asleep, how the hell am I going to fall asleep? And then you, you guys, you know, I know you're the brain protectors or whatever the hell it is. You say, well, you better get to sleep or you're going to screw tomorrow up. And you say, well, geez, I, well, I, if I got to, if I'm trying to, for, you know, I can't force myself to sleep. Well, you better figure out a way to do it. And you say, well, the harder I try to go to sleep, the more impossible it becomes. And then they say, well, geez, maybe I should get out of bed and walk. And then your other party be able, that's a stupid idea, because then you're not going to get any sleep. And they say, well, geez, wait a minute. And it becomes this whole exhausting rigmarole, like self-fulfilling prophecies, all that stuff. So I'm looking to short-circuit that. And you say, this is about as counterintuitive. I guess there's some intuition in here. But it is counterintuitive because me even doing this, I, I'm a, a terribly self-confident. Normally, I'm st- terribly self-conscious and a perfectionist. So just putting these stories out as as they come and being goofy and stuff, it's count, that's counterintuitive to me because my brain's just like you smart guys are like, hey, what the hell are you doing? You're going to look like a fool. And I think that's the part about it, the, the secret sauce, if you will, is, is keeping my brain bright. He's like, hey, guys, uh, we're just going to help these people fall asleep. It is okay to be silly here. It's a safe place for them. It's a safe place for us. You know, they appreciate it. And no one here is out to hurt us. And if someone is going to troll us, 
They're going to troll us. It's fine. So maybe we could have a little fun. See how the story always goes better when we're relaxed and we just see how it goes. Okay. And all they can do is my best. So, you know, and all that overthinking is, and right now I'm talking to myself. Excuse me. I'm sorry. If you guys are wondering, hey, I'll be right back. And, and uh, you know, all our overthinking and overperfecting didn't get us very far in trying to tell stories or make stuff up or follow through on stuff. But now we are following through on it. So can we can we keep following? Okay, sounds good. Great. And I would say the same to you, Brain Parts. Like, just, just let's give this a shot. You guys can relax. You can stand down. You can judge the hell out of me. You can you can stay on high alert or you can breathe easy. You know, let yourself sink in. I got all this fancy bed stuff here. And I got, you know, I'm going to try to do stuff. Sometimes I'll pause. A couple episodes ago, I did a bunch of sighs. Sometimes I'll say, you know, gosh, gosh, gosh. So why don't you you test them, test it out, see how it goes. It takes a couple episodes. This is totally, you know, weird stuff. I know it's asking a lot out of you, and I appreciate it. And you're worth it. I want you and your human to get a good night's sleep. So if this doesn't work, email me. You know, I have some other boring stuff that I don't do that I can point you towards, too. But the main thing I want you to know, as I say every week, is I'm glad you're here. And I really hope I help you fall asleep, okay? And thanks for coming by. And let's get on to the show. All right, so it's trending Twitter Tuesday. And it looks like the, I just got an email and my website's back up. So that's good. That I, I was talking about that in the intro. And so I'm going to fire Twitter up here. And take some screenshots. I'm going to go grab a pen, though. I'll be right back. Okay, so I just uh, wrote... uh, Okay, so I just wrote all the trending Twitter, the Twitter trends here on a piece of paper since uh, it's tough to get them, find a Twitter app. Well, actually, I'm trying to get Twitter apps, but on all the devices I have, it no longer shows in a list. It always shows it in the expanded list with all the details. Uh, just not a good, more of a quibble than a uh, Anyway, so it's Sunday, uh, a little bit after 5.30, the 27th. And if you recall, which you may or may not recall, last week we had left off with a story. And i give you a quick summary because it was, uh, it was, it was top-heavy with me and my dog just ha- hanging out another weekend night of broccoli races and uh, listening to Knox. And then there was a knock at my door. Turned out it was my piano teacher from my childhood who, uh, you know, if I, I owe many amends to. And she had a flying piano, or a piano, the piano itself wasn't flying. It was, the piano was like a stagecoach or something. Or the, the and I don't know, the, the part you sit on. And then it was giant eagles were hauling it. And she said, Judy Garland wants to see you. 
And I don't think she told me anything else other than Wattab or something, W-A-T-T-B-A. And then we went off to see Judy Garland. But, it, you know, obviously when you're in a flying piano, uh, you want to enjoy the ride, I guess. So I enjoyed the ride. Uh, you know, I, I was in the moment. I was, I guess that was part of me was worried about what did Julie Gar? I know, I knew I called her Julie Andrews. And then part of me is hoping that Julie Andrews is still alive because I think I insulted her last week. So if she's still alive, that's good because she won't be able to get me. If she's passed on, uh, then I'm probably fair game for her too. But it was more mysterious than ominous because she didn't say Judy Garland was mad. Uh, you know, that's just my assumption. You know, always bad news. That's like one of my mottos. You know, if I knew what that was in uh, Latin, I'd probably get it in my, you know, uh, in, in, as a tattoo. Always be, you know, carpe doomsday. Seize the doom. And I would say it's easier to seize if you assume it's coming, you know. Oh, you know, I don't know how many people are like that. I hope I hope zero. But uh, so went with the piano teacher you know, we kind of relived the old days, which wasn't good times for her, which, you know, involved a lot of crying. And, you know, made the light of it last week, but it really was was uh, weird when the first time I remember my piano teacher bawling. I, I just, uh, I guess, like, I guess because I've repeated, it's just like one of these experiences I repeat of giving people I mean, maybe this is part of the goal of this podcast is to undo some damage because I gave so many people, I broke the last straw many a time, you you could say. And there was one case where I came to piano class. And I don't want to be, again, negative narcissism here, but I don't, so I don't know what else was going on with my piano teacher. But about four minutes into my lesson, you know, at first she was very upset with me and, and, and sternly saying, you know, how come you don't care about piano? What's wrong? You know, why don't you? But then it just overwhelmed her with, uh, and she just spent the rest of the class crying. And I guess there is something sickly humorous about it. Uh, or maybe that's the way, I, maybe I was cracking jokes even then. I don't think I was. I think I did the old, uh, Frozen in terror, uh, light shoulder pat, play chopsticks, and offer tissues. Uh, then probably apologize profusely, sit uncomfortably again for a while. You know, one, you know, butt cheeks go numb. As you shift through the papers of the the book we had. And then probably, uh, you know, you take total blame and say, Jesus was, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just a bad boy. But at some point, you know, I I got to a house. I said, well, Jesus, it was just a perfect storm. I just wasn't cut, you know, it wasn't as as I saw it then. And then immediately, you know, turned numb. As soon as I left piano class, I forgot, you know, I'm sure my mom was like, how's piano? I said, well, nailed it, mom. You wouldn't believe I tickled those ivories. Like, I tickled them like they were one of my siblings I love so much and I'm so kind to. You know, you've heard, it was like I was tickling a funny bone, Mom. You should have, see, you should have seen a teacher cried. She cried and cried at the sounds. It was almost like there was no sound. The, the notes I was hitting 
Okay, anyway, I got to go pick up your other brother. And then I probably believe that narrative. But this change, so, but this, so I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that it's, I guess I just made light of something. But there is a part of me that is intrigued by what's going on with this young boy that, uh, and I guess part of it is, so this came up, I said, well, geez, it's time for me to deal with this. But I ended up, I guess it was weird because, I mean, maybe because my piano teacher is not famous. She was just like a messenger because then she dropped me on a cloud. So I guess she didn't even get her amends or her due. I, I kind of, I guess I apologized to her. But I don't know if how, that's how stuff works in this afterworld I was in because, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to make sense of it myself. Uh, but then I, next thing I know, I'm on a cloud and I said, well, okay, Judy Garland. I said, you know, Wizard of Oz. And then I further insulted Judy. I said, I'm just being myself. I said, okay, Judy Garland, Wizard of Oz. Okay. And then, but then I said, Lollipop Guild, I needed some Lollipop Guild because they were there when she first got there, when she first arrived. Well, I said, Jesus, they, they welcomed her at least. And I went, no, maybe not. Maybe they were just happy that she took that witch out. But they did sing Father Yellowbrick Road. I think that angel, the other Glenda or whatever came, though, and told her to, but anyway, at the time, last week, I was like, where the hell is the Lollipop Guild? I need some assistance. And no Lollipop Guild showed up. But then Drake, uh, the, the Drake, the famous Drake, I guess he's just Drake. Him and then a previous famous guy, Super Dave Osborne, uh, showed up. And they were like, I guess they were my Lollipop Guild in some sense, because they just said W-A-T-T-B-A. I'm trying to think, I don't know if they did anything else because then I was like, then I said, well, I need to sleep. The, I need to sleep for a while. And they had a dream about family feud because I know Drake's always feuding with people or people are feuding with him. I didn't, you know, I didn't really want to get into it. You know, I didn't want to create a feud by feud analysis, but, you know, I know there's a few, you know, there's a few history of feuds. And then Super Dave Osborne, he's kind of quiet guy anyway. Uh, he didn't say much, uh, but then him and Drake were on a dirt bike and then I drew, so, but that was in a dream of, uh, so I, I was asleep dreaming of the family feud with Drake and Judy Garland, I think showed up, but that was a dream part, not real. Like the rest of the stuff was real, you know, hundred percent happened, you know, you know, against all odds, clearly. Uh, but then there it was like, uh, this week, it was like after, like somebody after waking up from a coma or something, I was like, I, I said, I had no idea where I was. I was told, I said, what in the heck? And then I said, I just remember Rick, Richard, I think, and actually I think I started a feud between Richard Dawkins and Richard Dawson in Richard Dawkins. Cause there's, you know, and, and I said, and I said, man, I said, this is Richard Dawkins and Drake should feud because they seem like they're both feuders. And I was like, is that what feudalism is? No, that's feudalism. Feudal, feudal. And I said, there's a nice word, feudalism. But anyway, I woke up and uh, I didn't know where I was. There's no sign of Drake and no sign of Super Dave Osborne. And I said, W-A-T-T-B-A.
And then I said, well, geez, maybe that's like follow the yellow brick W-A-T-T-B-A. What the hell does it mean? What W-A-T-T-B-A. Whatever the words that were letters echo, what was you, I do not know. Anyway, where the hell should I go? <clears throat> and I was clearly in some sort of uh, unfamiliar place because I looked over and uh, I was still in a cloud, but it was like a, what do you call that, a cloud, uh, kind of a cloud plane. And a plain cloud at the same time. What are, what are, what are the odds? And I said, oh, geez. And I started looking and I said, okay. And then t- tell me if this is crazy. There was still the sun. And I said, well, I, I guess I'll head either. And the sun was coming up. That must have been what woke me. And I said, well, first of all, when's dawn in this cloud world? Is it like 10 in the afternoon? Because it must take a while for the sun, you know, it comes over. Or can you see at an angle so dawn's earlier? Or is it later? And I could have sw- I, I was talking out loud because I was by myself. I said, who, who cares? And then I heard, I said, you know, I said, something like that. And I said, what? And then I said, because because I was out and I was talking to myself, thinking out loud, just like this. I said, okay, well, I'm not going to head east or west because then I'll uh, get the sun in my eyes or my neck. And I said, well, I don't have any sunscreen. Oh boy. And I said, well, I'm going to head uh, whatever with the sun on my left, uh, north, I guess, or is that south? I don't know. Sun rises in the east, sets in the west. So maybe I'm heading south. I don't know. On a cloud, it really didn't matter. I just didn't want the sun in my eyes. Or I guess I should have walked with it on my back, but then eventually it would have been in my eyes, you know. But then I said, all right, I'm going to head this way. And I started walking. And, and, and that's what I heard. It was again, west and west. And, and I said, did someone just say Tina Wesson? And, and, and then I looked around, nothing. And I said, maybe there's some weird cloud echo up here. Said, what you was saying? And I said, okay, I'm hearing something. And then I said, well, geez, I haven't called out for Drake and uh, Super Dave Osborne. And he said, Drake's got a good good name to call it Drake. You know, if I was yelling, it'd be Drake, 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 which I was doing. And then I was like, but Super Dave Osborne. Uh, and I said, you can't say Dave because Drake, he might, uh, and Drake would come and, and say, did you call me? And I said, I, well, I stopped calling you. I, I was calling Dave now. And he said, well, why don't you call Super Dave? Because he's not going to know to come. And then I'm going to have to go get him. Then you're going to have to call. But that didn't really happen because Drake didn't come. But it's Super Dave, you know, that's exhausting. Super Dave. Super, I guess I could, I, I think I was doing that. But then I heard, and I said, okay. I said, is, is someone there? And there, and I said, and I said, oh boy, okay. I said, Garland, come out. And I said, what the heck? And I said to stop copying me. What's in my, in my, 
And I said, okay, maybe he's not copying me. And I said, Mumble Bear? And the next thing I know, Mumble Bear is there, who was imaginary. At least I thought he was imaginary. And next thing I know, was standing there, uh, five, four foot eleven. No, five foot eleven. Yeah, five foot eleven, probably. Maybe five, maybe six foot, maybe five ten, but somewhere around there is a, a, a bear. A, uh, not a, not an actual, like, uh, I don't know. It's tough to describe. But some, but saying there's like, and I don't, I hate to work in stereotypes, but this was the most stereotypical, uh, brown cartoon bear in real life, dark brown. Uh, so I said, like I've ever seen, like, uh, a bit like it, fur, like the snuggle bear from the snuggle fabric softener, but much darker color, dark brown, lighter tan chest, but clearly not an outfit. And it's, I said, Mumble Bear. I said, was he going send him? And I said, Is that, are you Mumble Bear? Then one and I said, Money Bear. And I said, oh, boy, it is Mumble Bear. I got that last one. And I said, Mumble Bear, I said, well, geez, there's no chance you're here to help me to find you. And Mumble Bear just looked at me because I I said, oh, boy, I'm mumbling to Mumble Bear. And Judy Garland's probably mad at me. And now we're late. Mumble Bear, you don't got a pocket watch, a magical pocket watch, do you? Is it it be? Well, my... And then Mumble Bear pulled, he had a little proper pocket. And I said, okay, we're in a, okay, we're close to, I got to go with some Wonderland type assumptions every once in a while. I don't know where that came from, but thank you. And I said, for Holy Louis Carroll. I said, was he going against me? And he popped open his little pocket watch. And then it looked like he, had, he forgot to wind it. So then he wound it and he put it back in his pocket. I said, would you forget to wind it? I had to do that. I, I said, I didn't realize I was dealing with Mumble Bear. I said, already. And I said, Mumble Bear, but you're so cute. And then Mumble Bear hugged me, and I forgot all about my fries. And I said, you're the best, Mumble Bear. And I said, listen, Mumble Bear, I guess I'm not going to take you to... I said, Mumble Bear, I'm trying to find Judy Garland because she's looking for me. And also, I was with Drake and Super Dave Osborne. I think they were supposed to help me, and they just took off, which would make three. And I said, we just need a, a yellow brick road because you, you're Mumble Bear. Maybe, do you need to speak more clearly? Is that, or is it, oh, it's going to be cloaked in irony? So me, Wilson, why not? Oh, okay. I don't know what Mumble Bear said, but I, I said, okay, maybe I'm off track. I said, okay, maybe I could get a little bit out of his tone. Hopefully he's not, you know, mumbled in tone. I said, Mumble Bear, do you, are you mumbling? Are you like, uh, you know what I'm saying? What is he saying? He gave me a thought. I said, okay, at least I... I said, he must be bifluent or whatever, because he can speak in English and hear my mumbles. 
And I said, I said, what's the X factor here? I said, there's no Drake, no, and no Yelbeck Rub. That's the X factor. I said, Mumble Bear, how do we find Julie, Judy? Oh boy. And he said, some, uh, and I said, something summer. And then he shrugged and I said, okay, not yet. I don't got the mumble, mumble, mumble translation. But I said, Judy, Judy Garland. I got to remember, it's Judy Garland. I said, I don't know. Okay, anyway, I said, do you, do you have any idea where Judy Garland is, Mumble Bear? Like, and could you just start walking? Or if you get a better idea, I was just like, how, uh, how we're not going to get sunburned. And then Mumble Bear's pocket watch started to ring. The, the alarm went off or something. Uh, and then Mumble Bear got a look at it. And they said, Mumble Bear, what's that alarm? Was And I said, did you say something about the supermoon? Okay, the supermoon and something else. Oh, wait, is that last thing we should run? And I said, okay. So we started running, and it just happened we were running in the right, or the same direction. And I said, I said, he said, I said, okay, Mumble Bear, while we're running, I said, you know, this is a recounting, so but it was kind of hard to communicate anyway. And I said, which is one thing, Mumble Bear can really run. Like, just like we were going pace for pace. And that gave me a better trust of Mumble Bear because the look at Mumble Bear's face was not comfortable. And I said, poor Mumble Bear. Who knows what Mumble Bear was doing? And I said, well, maybe Mumble Bear, you know, did something to Judy Garland too. Judy, Judy Garland, right? And Mumble Bear said, well, you miss me. I said, no, did I miss you? What? Yeah, I said, I, maybe. And then next thing you know, this giant moon, it comes through the clouds, and it hits the clouds and starts rolling after us. And I said, holy moly, this is not good. And I was like, this supermoon is like, this supermoon's out for blood or something. What do, what do we do to the supermoon? And I said, what, what do we do? What did you, I started to mumble there, did you do And I said, win-win. And I said, did you say win-win? And then Mumble Bear was like gassed or something because he, he picked up the speed, but he, you know he wasn't talking anymore. And they said, "Win, win." And I said, "Okay, maybe this, maybe the supermoon's uh, my yellow brick road, uh, but it's like reverse." I'm talking, you know. I said, "Okay, I gotta go with it." So we just kept running, and the supermoon just kept going behind us. And then at some point. Uh, uh, I said, it wasn't too long. I'm drawing it out, you know, but, but you know, when a moon's chasing you, it, it doesn't take very long, especially with a man and a, a mumbling bear who clearly, you know, the bear probably has, you know, obstructed nasal passage or something. Uh, we, we, uh, we, we, we started to tire and the moon was quickly gaining on us because the moon, I don't even know what the moon was traveling by. But the next thing you know, we get to the edge of, uh, of, of what looked like the edge of a cloud. And I said, well, Jesus, it's tough because we were looking at the horizon. But then it was just a, like a slide down. We slid down. And then we landed on grass and not earth grass. 
I think. And then we just kept running. The moon was still behind us. And then there's a straight-ahead crowd of soccer hooligans. And they're shouting, uh, like, this is England 90. And I said, oh, man, we, 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 1990. Was there, was there even a World Cup in 90? I thought it was in 92. It was in 96, 90, no, 92, 96. 2000, 2004, 2008, 2012, plus four. Oh, wait, it was last summer, 14, 10. And I said, never mind, Mumble Bear. And I think Mumble Bear, you know, me doing math was me. But they shouting. So I said, let's take a right-hand turn into this uh, sponsored spot, imaginary sponsored spot, Mumble Bear. This is my mumble name. And I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, as I talk to you, I'm saying, I'm going to the football. I'm going to the football. As I'm by today. As I'm by Hyundai. Thank you, Mumble Bear. As I'm in Thank you so much. Man, Mumble Bear, is, Mumble Bear, you're way clearer when you're doing commercials because I think you said just this crowd is scout shouting because football, this is England 90. And then the moon crashed into the soccer hooligans. And, but it was, you know, it was, it, this isn't cloud based area. So they, and I said, well, geez, these are about from the past, from maybe a World Cup or something. And I said, geez, when, who won? And I said, I don't even know if there was a World I said, well, maybe there's some other. They said, I don't know when they, you know, the, and, and then Mumble Bear said, what are you mumbling to? And I said, yep, I am mumbling too. I said, you, this is like figuring out what R2 saying. I'll get it. Don't worry. But we had taken a right path. And then I said, you know, we're on a, we, we had, we're on a path. And I said, well, geez, Mumble Bear, maybe you were right about this win-win situation, except for the moon and the uh, hooligans. I said, we'll just follow this path and see where it takes us. And as we took the path, we started going through these gardens, and then there was the, and I said, uh, I said, and then I said, I was tempted to make small talk with the mumble bear, but then I was like, that could be great. You know, I said, well, they could get old fast. And, but I said, I said, what do you think of these gardens of mumble bears? And once again, I'm on. And I said, did you say something about a reflecting pond? And Mumble Bear nodded. And I said, all right, okay. They said, you might, maybe you mumble less on the last couple syllables. Could you say something else? Over there. Over there. But I don't know, something. Bad. And okay, so we walked over these reflecting pools. And of course, I didn't think to think about it. Well, what are they reflecting at the time? I just was looking into the pool, and I was seeing things moving in there. And I said, "Oh, maybe these are some nice koi ponds." But they were the water was dark. Like I, I said, is this murky or is it just deep, or is the bottom painted black? But then uh, all of a sudden, a dolphin shot out of it. And jumped into the next reflecting pond. And I said, what in the heck? And Mumble Bear collapsed. And I said, oh boy, is Mumble Bear collapsing? And I said, Mumble Bear, do you know these dolphins? So it's me. It's thin. 
I said, did you say reflection weird and you mumbled it or did you say, I said, because it sounded like erection, but you didn't say that. Did you say the dolphin has an erection? And Mumbleberry just stared at me like he was judging me for thinking that this is what he said. And I said, just Mumbleberry, you know, you know, I'm a kidder. I was just kidding. Really, I didn't think that's what you said. And I said, that would be crazy, though, if that was what you, you said or that was the case. And and I, I, I said, and then Muller pointed at it and he looked up because I said, oh, wait, I don't know where the dolphin landed. And then I looked up above us and above us was this weird, uh, this giant neon sign. I mean, bigger than anything I've ever seen in the world in each reflecting pond i realized was a letter of the neon sign and it, it was huge and it was red and it even had the humming you know of an of a old-fashioned neon sign but it was like a it filled the air with a buzz of a billion bees and uh, it said uh thato t-h-a-t-o and uh, circling it were ravens, like because I noticed that it was flecking in and out, and, I, and then I said, "Oh, Jesus, there were ravens!" And then they started cawing, and I said, "Oh boy!" Uh, quote the raven. I wish I had a, a mumblebear quote. I almost said, "Boy, And he said, "Did you say we should jump in the pond?" Because that I, I said, "Where the hell did that dolphin go?" And then I noticed it was uh it was it was floating back to the earth doing flips and it had a starfish and some sort of star fish. Again, this is a weird world. I, I don't know what to tell you, but it was a fish that had been a star in the sky. A sky that also had a giant neon sign. And then the dolphin splat and I said, Let's follow that dolphin. And what was it? Mumblebear said, Benzmail. And I said, wait, did you call me Ishmael or should I grab it? And I grabbed the dolphin's tail. As it was going, I held my breast. Mumblebear wrapped his arms around my shoulders and we shot into the water. And right as we did, I realized that was a terrible idea because the dolphin, I said, well, I don't know what I was thinking. But then I said, well, the, dol- I said, well, the dolphin's got to, but you know, once you're underwater, you, 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 uh, if you try not to panic, which I did at the time, because uh, a couple of reasons. One, the water was really nice, perfect temperature. Uh, two, once we got into it, it was it was the red light of the neon. It was it just made it so? It felt like I was in the red light district underwater. I don't know what else to say. And I said, "Well, she's no wonder the dolphin had an erection." But that just briefly went into my mind and back out. I didn't seriously take that as a thought. Just so you know. But the dolphin dove and dove, and I said, well, it must know we're hanging on to it. So hopefully it's going somewhere. And then I noticed it it was going somewhere. And then I noticed it was going towards, uh, it looked like Big Ben. And and uh, and then I said, oh, no, no, that's just, uh, and I said, no, that candle does look like Big Ben. But instead of a clock face, it was a hole. And I said, hopefully that's where the, and then the dolphin swam through the hole and it was like some sort of tower. And then it shot, you know, went through the hole and then shot up. And then it was like air, you know, open air. And this was somewhere like deep in some sea. And I said, well, this is weird, man. This is weird, weird stuff. 
but we were open, we, you know, we both sucked in air. And then the dolphin shook its tail, and I, and luckily, you know, I'm good at, at floating, so I just started back floating. And Mobile Bear, I said, well, Mobile Bear might not be 100%, uh, you know, organic material. It might be some man-made because he was floating just fine. And it was a little bit darker in there. It wasn't red. It wasn't illuminated by it. It was kind of like a moonlight situation. And then I saw off to the left, uh, you know, a platform or like a place we could get out of the water. So me and uh, Mobile Bear swam over there. It was just concrete. We lifted ourselves out. And we kind of laid in the concrete floor. And then Mumble Bear got up, and Mumble Bear was like, you know, they said, you want to go? And Mumble Bear nodded. And then we walked in. There was a, right after we got up, I saw uh, that the room we were in was like kind of shaped like the top of Big Ben. So you went through the clock face, which we did. And then it was like a towering triangular. And I said, Mumble Bear, we're not in Atlantis, are we? I said, me. Well, at home. Wait, this is your home? He said, oh, in um, Bible Mom. And then I said, I don't understand that. It sounded like you either said Benita Applebaum or Papplebaum. But I, I, uh, and Mumble Bear just looked at me like, and I said, could you please explain that to me? And I said, and then Mumble Bear walked in and, uh, and the opposite side of the clock face, which is where we were, there was just like open archways, and we walked through that. But right, well, right, right as we were about to walk through the archway, Mumble Bear put, put his hand up, and then he pointed to a, a post on the wall, and there was these lockets on there. And he said, was he a Tyler locket? And I said, did you say put on a Tyler locket? I said, because I said, isn't that... Are these Tyler lockets? And then Mumble Bear shook his head. Oh, you want me to help you tie your locket? And then Mumble Bear said, of course. Uh, we kind of make that symbol. So, and I said, well, geez, well, can you just put it? And I said, oh, his head is so big. I had to untie the locket and tie it around his neck, which I said, okay, that makes sense. And I said, should I put on a locket? And he nodded, and I could fit it over my head because I didn't have like a, you know, a stuffed bear head or whatever the hell Mumble Bear had. And then as we walked out, uh, there was like water jets spraying everywhere. Except for the locket, must because these water jets they looked really powerful. But for some reason, the uh, Tyler locket—it's tough to say. Like almost like a wall of uh, high pressure water that I guess if you would have tried to walk through it, you'd be uh, obliterated or something. I don't know. Like some some sort of water based security me- measures or something. But we went with the locket. They, they just like uh, dissipated or something, and we walked through there. And then we were in this giant, giant chamber room or something. Ceilings so high I couldn't see. Pillars, uh, colonnades, whatever the hell you call them, going up into the heavens. Uh, giant banners and, and things. And I said, I said, uh, where are we, Mumble Bear? Mumble Zephyrzees. And I said, Zephyrzees? Sussefs for Aziz? They said, is that, a, is that a French or something? 
and then I said, follow me, something follow me, I'll follow you, Mumble Bear. And we walked, and then we got into uh, what looked like where the columns are forming an aisle. And then I saw in the distance a glowing, glowing throne. And, you know, the story part of me said, oh, boy, you know, smelling a story, you know. I said, Mumble Bear, is this, is this where the queen is? And I said, this is where the queen is. And I was like, I got 100%. And I said, Mumble Bear, please tell me. You're like, just like, I said, to, I said, is this where you get to learn how to speak correctly? And then uh, Mumble Bear didn't answer. And then as I walked down the aisle, I saw on the left side and the right side. On the left side was Drake. On the right side was Super Dave Osborne. And they were smiling and standing kind of like soldiers and looking at me and kind of laughing. And then they, they then as I got closer, they hugged Mumble Bear. And I said, Drake, it's good to see you smile and not feud. Because they said, I had a dr- terrible dream. You were feuding with uh, the Dawkins and the Dawsons of the world. And Drake spat, and then he hugged Mumble Bear again. And then Super Dave Osborne hugged Mumble Bear. And I said, you guys are all friends? And Mumble Bear was man. And I said, nope, I don't know. And then Super Dave said, the queen will see you now. And then I looked up at the throne, and it was empty. And I said, okay, is this some sort of... But then, like, behind the throne was, like, uh, tapestries. And then the tapestries parted, and there was Judy Garland, uh, hopefully, because I fell to my knees in... uh, uh, I don't know, like uh, automatic, like just like if you would see the Khaleesi, you say Judy Garland, you know, at the top of like the 30 or 40 stairs, you know, I fall to my knees in supplication. And then Mumble Air goes, and I said, you didn't, and it was, it up the stairs? And then I went up the stairs, and then she was so, she she smiled at me, and then she sighed, and she said, come and see me. And then she she had her beautiful, beautiful voice, which I won't even degrade by trying to do. But they have used a voice that's almost on the edge of a cry. I don't know if you know what I mean. Like, almost like she's always on the edge of tears. And I said, well, that's interesting. She sent my piano teacher, who was always on the edge of tears or in tears, you know, with me. But then she said, thank you for bringing him, Mumble Bear. And she just had such energy and caring. Like, I felt love just being in her presence. And I fell to my knees again. And I said, please don't let this be some weird cult I stumbled into. And I said, what can I do for you, my queen? And she said, apologize, of course. And I said, I said, I'm sorry, I called you Ju- 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 Julie Andrews. It was kind of a joke, but kind of not a joke. My brain, and she goes, oh, she laughed. And she said, I need your help. Uh, she said, you don't need to apologize for that anymore. And I said, does this involve Thado? And she said, it does. And she said, and I said, where are we? And she said, we don't have time for it, for that. And she she said she said I need your help and I need you know your special skills and I said which special skills just so we're clear like the ones that get me in trouble 
the ones that I think I have that I don't have, or the power to loan doll. And then she said, come closer. And then my heart started to beat. And I saw her face, and I saw her eyes and her smile even closer. And I was captivated, but not in a romantic way, but in a, like, a delighted childlike way. And just the melodiousness of her voice, I don't know. And then she tapped me on my forehead, and she said, You have quite a strange imagination in there, young man. And I said, How can I help you? And then she stood and she said, sit, and, and, and I, I, I sat in the, I went to go sit in the, the uh, her throne, and of course everybody, you know, grabbed, I didn't realize that we were surrounded by soldiers and stuff. And then she even did that, and I said, I'm just getting that, you know, I'm just being a goofball. But I said, there's no other chair, you want me to sit on the floor? And she said, she said, yeah. And I sat down, and then she went into a long exposition, uh, which was basically... You know, that this was, again, weird stuff happens. When, you know, people say, oh, this is clear cut, you know, life, death. You know, it happens this way or it happens this way. And then you get an astrophysicist or, you know, new, you know, somebody says, well, what about these bending of universes, string theory type stuff? And they'll tell you that all this is possible. And that's what you, she explained it to me in such simpler terms, but I didn't write, you know, I, I didn't record it. But she said that Theta was the villain in this world. And she said, yeah, this is like a weird version of Oz I found myself in as queen. You know, much different than Oz, but she said somehow strangely influenced by it. And she's, you know, she said, you understand this doesn't make any sense. But it does, and I said, exact, I say that all the time, Judy, Juju, Miss Garland. And she said, well, I need your help. She said, every year since Thado's taken over this part of the universe, she said, he has this blocked in. And she says, every year he has a giant Halloween ball. And all the systems underneath his rule. And I said, I had to raise, I said, are we in a space situation here? And then she, she said, don't think of it like that. She goes, you would know. And yes, but not like an outer space. And I said, inner space? Like, and she said, no. She said, don't try to figure it out. Just listen. And she said, it's, I said, okay. And I wondered if I, and I said, if I was her champion, would she sing to me? She said, every year, Sato holds a ball, a Halloween ball for all the servants. And Sato loves costume balls. And Sato says, you know, she's told me about the history of Sato as a dictator and, you know, villainous and, you know, not caring, you know, raven, you know, raven master, stuff like that. You know, so un like but it was, it was so much stuff. But she said every year he has this ball, and he says that if anyone can best him in the costume contest, you know, that he'll step down as ruler. And I said, of the universe? And she said, if that's the term you need to use to understand it. And she said, I need a costume so good, it will beat him. 
And then I, I went to go speak, and she said, no, no, no. And she said, also, whoever loses the costume contest loses it. And I said, whoever comes in last place, she goes, no, 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 this year. I said, whoever comes in last place, she goes, well, the bottom 20%. And I said, and that's it. For, and she said, yeah. And so she goes, I need you to come up with some other costumes, too. Or maybe you could, you know, come up with the greatest. And I said, well, I'm not really a costumer. And she goes, I, you know, whatever. And then Mobile Bear said, when was it man? Oh, when was it man? And when was it man? Uh, Santa, what? And I said, I don't know what he just said. Did he say you have the greatest costumers in the land here? And she said, that's not what he said, but I do. And she said, I just need you to come up with the ideas. But she goes, they go deeper than just the surface. You need, And I said, okay. And I said, so you need a costume. Who else are we costuming? And then she said, my friends, that you've mixed up in this tale. And I said, okay, so Julie Andrews, who might, and I said, and Joan Crawford, and my piano teacher. And she said, yes. And then she said, your eagle awaits. I need you to get started immediately. And she said, and your assistants await. And then she pointed to Drake, uh, Super Dave Osborne, and uh, Mumble Bear. And I said, uh, and I said, well, what happens if I fail? And she said, you can't fail us. You know, this we need to stop Theta, Theta or whatever. I don't even know. Theta, I think it was. And I said, I won't fail you, Miss Garland. I won't. I'll be like, uh, as, you know, I said, what do you, what do you think about dressing up as Toto? And she said, I expect more from you than that. And I said, of course, I was just kidding. And I said, boys to the Eagles. I said, maybe, you know, one thing, maybe we should get a good night's sleep first. And she said, even more brilliant. And she said, you'll bunk with Mumble Bear. And so then I, did, I said, well, geez, that's a great idea. And I said, maybe I need to get over myself, and if I have to bunk with Mumble, I said, Mumble Bear, you take a bath or something. I said, you should, can we send Mumble Bear to the dry cleaner in case he's not organic? And they they didn't realize I was serious. And Mumble Bear said, yeah, and I said, well, geez, I don't want to have my face pressed up against you, you know. And I said, well, this is gonna be a friendship made in heaven, Mumble Bear, wherever the heck we are. I said, we're not in hell, are we? The Muslim man was that. And then I said, she didn't give me any talismans or anything, because we headed off to... I said, well, are we going to eat breakfast with Judy Garland? The Muslim man was But then we got in bed, Mumble Bear and I. And it was one of those giant castle beds that, you know, with plenty of room. So I didn't have to worry about it if Mumble... And I said, well... And then I noticed Mumble Bear talked all night, so I just snuggled in and Mumble said, and I said, he's kind of like sing-talking, but he did it, and as I fell into a deep sleep,
Nice, fell deep sleeping. Good night. Good night. I wanted to thank the anonymous emailer. I literally just got a beautiful email from them. Then over on Twitter, it's Tuesday, so I mean, it's Sunday when I'm thanking people, but it's Tuesday when you're hearing this. So we're going to run through Twitter. I want to thank Paul. I want to thank the One You Feed podcast, which you guys should check out. I'm sure most of you listen to it. It's a huge, wonderful podcast. Incredibly nice people over there at the one you feed, so check that out. I want to thank C minus and congratulate her on her wedding. Sandy, Houston official, uh, Julie C, Shaughnessy, double C action. Uh, Billy, words are birds, uh, dystopian. I want to thank Emily for trying to introduce Jenny C to the podcast, and then Jenny C said, Hey, I already listened to it. And then Jenny C., you know, Emily's a, like, one of the best copywriters in the world. And then uh, and Jenny C.'s got a podcast about, uh, you know, I don't know. It's a, it's a podcast about, uh, I got to check it out. I don't know if it's for attorneys or for a bit of it. It's, you know, about being more whole, you know, whole. So thank you, Emily. And I want to thank Kyle, new, EV Man, Happy Mom, Andy V, Susan M, Babs, of course, Be Like Babs. Eante had a birthday, and she's hostile in it. Uh, so is Shauna. I don't know if they're friends and they're in the same hostel or not. Uh, Self, uh, a.k.a. Crimson X-Wings, Ju- Jessica... Uh, Jessica L. Blue T-shirt, supporting the podcast on two fronts. Uh, Dagmar, Clouded Slum, Graham, old Dr. Graham, Tara, Joe P., Punk Rockward. Punk Reward, I wanted to say, but it's Punk punk Rockward. Uh, The Bug, Robin L., and of course, Chris D., you know, our buddy Chris D. So, oh boy, we've been busy. I don't know if this is how we'll do it, you know, stacking different social stuff, but um, uh, but that was Twitter. Uh, But then we got uh, iTunes review, sleepinmepodcast.com slash iTunes. I don't know if the last person I think was the NM Ninja, because I remember making jokes about that, you know, Ninja Banjo Band. Uh, but I want to thank amazing high school student, maybe twice for uh, kind reviews. And yeah, high school students, you guys need a lot of rest, and you've got a lot on your minds. You're changing, and the future is in front of you. And I want you to get enough sleep and be able to enjoy being in high school because, geez, it was great. And I know it's a difficult time, and there's a lot going on, but I hope you can enjoy a little bit of it. I want to thank uh, Princess Nita. Princess Nita does a trick every time. Well, thank you, Princess. Uh, thank you so much. I've always wanted to say that. Uh, do you need me to uh, tell you these aren't the droids you're looking for? You say, well, that's, 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 that's the wrong part of Star Wars, dude. I'm sorry, Princess. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Yeah, see, I'm just keeping our blood pressure down, you know. Uh, speaking of blood pressure, we got a, a pretty tough review from B. Annie, who said, Lack of confidence. Couldn't get through the terrible rambling intros. <laughs> and the host is second-guessing himself and being really weird. 
Oh, God. I got, if anybody does any stitching, if you, I'm not kidding. If you could put this, stitch it up for me and, and put it, I'd put it up, I'd put it up in my house. I'd throw that on my arm, you know, right next to home sweet home, which I don't have. But, uh, uh, but I guess Aunt B. Annie didn't get that, uh, you know, this is like, what do they call that when you go to a small town? Uh, bu- this is a bucolic style podcast. You know, this is, bu- you know, I'm doing a, bu- my stuttering is, you know, a form of bu- bucolism. And you say, Scooter, those words aren't, you know, there's aren't, yeah, well, I'm some, just, just a bit, what, you know, air's just all here. Uh, but moving on, Rachel B., longtime supporter, Rachel B., Scooter's voice knocks her out in a few minutes. Then another longtime supporter, U.S. Rower 75. That's our buddy Marcus. I don't know if Marcus is back in the USA, but uh, Marcus is a great guy. He's done. He, he sent. He sent me a beautiful piece. I already did. I shared a while back. And then we have EV611, and I said, Jesus, is that one of the kids that Wally and Eva had? Because they said A plus. And they would have written a review, but they're asleep. EV, 11, Child, Wally, and Eva. Uh, then Swords XD says they can't sleep without it. That's a pretty sweet name, Swords XD. Uh, Mandy Joe Bo loves Scooter. Uh, and she she likes it when I don't get too boring. And I, I say, she's I'm sure I do my best not to. But thanks, Mandy. ADHD Among Friends, that's from Caddy Canary. Oh, Cat 8 Canary. I see sometimes it gets me, it takes me a while to get those. Um, but, and I said, geez, wasn't I just joking about that Tweety Bird? And so I said, Jesus this is just like an interview, you know, talking to an ADHD friend. And then uh, Caddy Canary said, uh, how cold. And then finally, could be, says, this is the best podcast ever. So gentle, so lame. Uh, this and no screen time policy can get you right to sleep. Thank you for mentioning that because that is a smart move. Uh, I'm always, I say, come on, Scooter, don't get it, don't. And I say, well, just let me check one more thing. You know, I could do, uh, I could do, be one more, bo- I could bore one more person here before. I, and they say, no screens in bed, Scoots. But thank you, and thank you all for the reviews. They really help. Uh, what else? I want to thank Chris Posty Posterson from Sounds Like an Earful. He does our music, and he's got a podcast, Sounds Like an Earful. I want to thank Scotty and Jennifer, who do our artwork. Uh, we have a Facebook group. If you want to join the Nods, that's sleepwithmepodcast.com slash nods, N-O-D-S. And that's where you can share stuff a little more privately about, you know, sleep issues or sleep stuff. And that's run by our lovely moderators, our volunteer moderators, Lida Lai, Julie C., Rachel L. G., Jennifer B., and Laura. All there running that. I appreciate you all. Thank you so much. And on to the show. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing? Trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what I'm going to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's running through your brain. Whatever's racing, who's got you tossing and turning... 
Whatever physically, mentally, or emotionally is keeping you from drifting off into dreamland, I'm gonna try to distract you from that. It's gonna be a safe place where you can, you know, lay those burdens aside. I'm gonna reach my voice and my hand across the deep dark night. And, uh, you know, attempt to take your mind off of stuff. I'm gonna use lulling, soothing tones, pointless meanders, senseless pauses, uh, mumbles, uh, I'll stumble. The story will, uh, you know, say, oh, Jesus, the story's, and, and hopefully at some point you'll say, oh, I'm, I'm falling asleep here. So the goals of the podcast, like I said, it's a safe place so you can just take some breaths, no pressure, no quizzes. I'm going to try to make you smile. I'm going to try to bring your attention in, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to hold on to it. You know, kind of, I guess, like waves coming in and out. Uh, you know, when the shore, I guess, uh, here's here's a metaphor for you. Shore doesn't try to hold on to the waves. They just come in and they go back out. So you just be like the shore. I've called it, uh, what did I call it? You don't have to do any active listening. You don't have to do any uh, passive listening. You just do reflective listening, just like the shoreline of a nice beach. Whether you prefer your beach ragged and jagged, uh, soft white sand or soft black sand. You say, well, I, I prefer myself a coarser sand because I like to give myself a little sand. Well, you could have a coarser sand beach. You know, you could have a, you know, what, what about a little milky sand? How about a little, and, and just let the waves of my sounds, the sound waves of my sounds come in and out. Your ears, you know, at first you'll say, okay. And, uh, you know, what I'm going to do is tell a story. I'm going to finish up this metaphor, and then I'm going to tell the tale of Lady Witchbeard, a little, our serial, ongoing serial story. And, you know, instead of thinking about whatever's going on with your body or whatever you were feeling today when you got home, even if it was a vague sense of unease or just something you couldn't put your finger on, or if it's something specific that you're either feeling upset about or bent out of shape about, or you just can't stop thinking about trying to figure out what you're going to do about this or that. You know, let's take a breath and just let the waves, you know, I try to use these lulling, soothing tones, let them be like, you know, we maybe we see you see you're more of a your voice is kind of like a, a, a not a not a bird of a paradise for sure, but you're not quite as bad as one of those you know clawing or clucking birds that I have a distaste for. You're in more, and I'd say you know what my favorite bird sound is uh, the morning dove. So maybe, and I say when I hear that morning dove, it takes me to different uh, geographical in psychic places from my past, my grandmother's house. And sometimes it just instills in me a sense I say, you know, I like that sound. I don't know why it makes me feel good. Sometimes it does. It just makes me feel safe. And maybe that's what my voice and my pointless meanders. And I know some people would say, Jesus, this guy, he really stresses me out. 
Well, I say, well, she's okay. It's fine. You know, give this podcast a couple of tries. You don't have to listen to it. This is just my attempt, and it's not for everybody. You know, that's why there isn't, you know, that's why thus far, my more, you know, the Morning Dove fan club, you know, the more, I guess I shouldn't have called it the mourners, the mourners, but, you know, why I'm the only member. But, but you see, I'm sure if I had figured out how to get it on the internet before, I said, well, I'll just be here alone with my morning dove, you know. I don't know what I did. I actually, I was so down, I said, forget the whole thing. I'll just leave the morning doves to their business. And when I happen to hear them, I'll enjoy it. And I don't even know if anything I just said in there made any sense. I tried. I tried to I tried to make it make sense. But I'm going to be here. I'm going to be talking. You say, I'll talk, start talking about something. And then I'll start talking about morning doves. And then I might start saying, I say, well, geez, you know, the morning dove. I say, what do you call that color of a morning dove? And how come they don't use it? Why do they call it call phone space gray? Why can't they call it morning dove? You know, and they say, well, Scooter, you know, pigeons are really, they ruined the uh, uh, marketing ability of morning doves. And I would say those pigeons. And they would say, well, we here is a society of morning, bird, morning dove lovers. And I would say, well, that's a strange, that's even stranger than the mourners, you know, because of the in, intonation. And they would say, and they would say, good God, there's something wrong with you. And I would say, okay, anyway, go ahead with your point, morning dove lover. And I would say, as a matter of fact, I love morning doves, but I guess I wouldn't name my society, the society of more, more. The Society of Morning Dove Appreciators doesn't fit. You're right. I say you're probably looking for a two-syllable word in appreciators. Too many syllables. Uh, you know, lovers, that's good. Two, two syllables, and it kind of gives a, you know, rumor. The Society of Morning Dove fans. Yeah, it's only in fans. That kind of ends it on a down note. I say, what do you, what do you think about the Morning Dove Love Society? And I say, that sounds like a 70s disco band I used to be in. I check it bow, bam, check it bam. Take it down to the morning dove. Take it down to the morning dove. Coo, coo, coo. Shout out, boo, boo, boo. Yeah. Uh, welcome to another, uh, welcome to the morning drive show on K-Morn. The morning dove, all morning doves. All the time, I'm your friend, big, big, big dove, big dovey here, giving you the dove lovey here from K-Morn. And then that meeting ended with me and the Morning Dove Society, it didn't go on from there. But I think their point was that, yeah, Apple would not name their phone, phone Morning Dove gray, gray, grayish because of pigeons. And I would say, well, pigeons gotten a bad rapper. I said, I, I, again, pigeons are, the first bird I got a problem with those damn Canadian geese with the hissing. I would say, and the pooping. I say, the pigeon is irritating. And I guess if you live in New York City, maybe they're most irritating there. But I mean, these, these Canadian geese, I'm sorry. I love Canadian, Canada. I love Canadians. I love Drake, but and I love is Bieber Canadian or is he American? I think he's Canadian. You know, Thunder Bay Canadian listeners. Oh, I love you, so, Toronto, Montreal, Manitoba, 
Winnipeg, Nova Scotia, is that in Canada? Uh, Vancouver, uh, Whistler, uh, the rest of that stuff up there. You got Montreal, so nice. They, you know, I'd like to go there and see some snowfall in Montreal. And maybe bring some, you know, maybe, maybe say, well, gee, would I get stopped at the border if I had a car full of morning doves? Probably they'd let me into Canada. They say, oh, I say, mon frère, me and my doves, we are going to perform as a snowbird festival. Ah, yes, 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 my friend. Oh, and they say, we speak French, you don't. And I would say, yes, I do a, uh, a French, you know, thingamajig here, my friend. Oh. And they would say, welcome to Canada. Please don't do that while you're here, American. But, you know, have a great day. And, but then when I tried to get back in America, they probably wouldn't let me. My, they'd say, where you, you have papers? Say, geez, just like in the movies, they'd say, papers, please. And I said, well, here's my license, sir. And they would say, what, what the hell are all these birds doing in here? Well, these are my pet morning doves. Uh, morning doves are not a pet, sir. Uh, these are my morning dove friends. I'm, I'm the head of the morning dove lovers society. Okay, sir, you, we're going to have to, you know, actually we can't allow you in. And this guy said, okay. Sorry, that's, that's, um, uh, you guys are going to be out of French, uh, uh, morning dove show. And also I have a morning, you know, morning dove disco band, just a name. And, you know, when Beats 2.5, you know, Beats 1 they have, when they come out with Beats 1.5 or Beats Pi 3.14, you know, I'm going to have a show on there. And, you know, you know, one of the shows will be, you know, K-Dove or K, K you know, whatever I'm going to call it, you know, K-Dove Love After Dark. Where the doves come to coo. So you're going to let me in the country still? Sir, we've called the Canadian authorities. Okay, well, I'm just going to go. I said, well, well, you guys look like you're having a hard day. Would you want to hear some uh, morning doves make some noises? And they say, well, thanks. Yeah, we can't let you in the country, but we'd love it. And I say, okay. I say, you guys got to hear it when they, when they all do it, when the windows are up and down. And that's kind of like this podcast. You say, okay, wait, he went from a beach metaphor to a bird metaphor. And maybe I, and I say, yeah, he might have been asleep for it. But I'll, I'll posit you this gamble. And yeah, maybe I just misused the word posit. I, I'm not sure if during all that uh, dove talk, and they say, first of all, Scooter, the morning, the morning dove is not in the dove family, just so you know. It's a carcassus carcacian. And I would say they should get Dockers on the horn. Morning Dove Gray, Dockers, you know, bird, bird poop proof. Anyway, uh, I, I posit that maybe you didn't think about all the stuff that was running through your brain while I was talking this bird, bird nonsense. And that's the goal of the podcast. And we're going to proceed right in from here into our uh, housekeeping and then into our serial story, Lady Witchbeard. I do this three nights a week, three different styles. We got our serial story on Thursday. Sunday night, we do a little Breaking Bad Metastasis language learning sleep show. And Tuesday nights is a potpourri, trending Twitter Tuesdays or different things. All to take your mind off stuff, all to give you some lulling, soothing tones, some dulls. Put you on the, you know, my posse of doves and I, 
We pack the wings of pointlessness and we'll carry you away. And that's what I want to do. I want to escort you across the threshold of sleep. And if I can, I want to, you know, be there for you, your boyfriend. Uh, believe it or not, this story coming up, lady, which I probably spent, I spent seven days outlining it and re-outlining re it and saying, well, this doesn't work. Because the more work I put in, believe it or not, the more uh, lulling and, and dulling and, and I guess technically boring the stories can be. But also with a twinge of story, you know, there is, it's plot, plot-like. Plot, plot, plot. I wouldn't say it's plotty. It's kind of plotting. I'd say more, you say, I forget how people use Kalata Hopper, but if I said, if I had to use the word plot, I would say you're more of a plot hopper than a, you know, than a plot. And I would say, it's fine, yeah, if, if, but if you can't sleep, you bet, you're better off being with a plot hopper anyway. Uh, so that's it. I'm glad you're here. If your first couple times here, yeah, this is definitely, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're uh, we're a little bit different. I'm a little bit different. I'm a little bit uh, abnormal. That's fine with me. And I'll be here. I'll be doing my best. I'll be doing my damnedest, you know, to keep these birds calm so they don't distract me from the podcast, but then to keep the birds in your brain calm. And, and like like I always say, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you found this podcast. I hope it works for you because I really hope I help you fall asleep. And, and thanks so much for Stopping by and, and trying it out, all right? All right, so we're back with another episode of Lady Witchbeard. And when we last left off, uh, what was he going on was uh, Germ, Phage. I, I kind of disguised my name as Phagey because I realized, well, I guess I didn't realize that uh, my actions would have, you know, my attempts at heroism would have consequences because they attempted to hide the last stone for the pyramid they were building that would uh, technically centralize all magic in the, the planet Earth and use it as a super weapon to destroy the as I think the Aztec gods or as a deterrent. And I accidentally hit that stone uh, because I didn't want Cortez to get it. And then I went back to, then I left Cortez with a fake stone, went back to meet Montezuma. I guess I kind of forgot, I forgot to write it down on my hand, or maybe the rain washed it away, or my sweat. Uh, the whole reason I had ran into Cortez was to kidnap him, oh no, I can't say kidnap, was to escort him to the Aztec gods and turn him over as kind of like a, we call it thing, like a tribute. So they would leave everyone alone because they, they didn't like Cortez one bit. And but Lady Witchbeard had double-crossed me because her main concern was saving magic at all costs. I, I said, okay, maybe she, she, I guess she figures Cortez is more uh, likely to help her do that than me. And most of the time I was a goat, so it wasn't 100% my fault. It was my fault I turned into a goat. But it was my, you know, first time being a goat. So, you know, that, that puts a dent in your heroic, you know, you say, geez, well, geez, you used to have, you know, be able to throw a 20-sided die. Now that you're a goat, you got to throw that pyramid die. And I would say, I, I can't even get that thing to roll right when I throw it. And as a matter of fact, when I first started, I never understood the whole crayon thing. And, and then once I did it, I couldn't, and then I didn't understand that you're supposed to wipe the crayon off. 
I mean, it took me till I was like, you know, in, in, in I, I couldn't figure that out till recently. And then I took a tutorial, you know, uh, numbered dice with, you know, cranning your numbered die. So, yeah, I had a lot of issues with those diamond shape, however many sides that is. What is that? Four-sided die. See that? I, you know, I've got some elementary math skills. But I didn't have that many goat skills. I learned as I was going. When I got back, Montezuma said, where's Cortez? I said, oops. And then he said, well, the gods are going to be mad. Then the gods launched an attack at the place where I hid the last stone for the pyramid, uh, ostensibly blowing up the, the deterrent to keep the gods at bay. And we didn't have Cortez. So Montezuma was like, they're going to strike right now. And I said, oh, I'll go. I'll figure it out. You know, my fault. Let me try to make it right. And then would you believe it, since I wasn't hindered by being a goat, I managed to get up there and I did a little trick move on the gods because they were preparing for war. These are war gods. Apparently, the last battle they had with humankind was uh, Atlantis. And I guess this has come up on the podcast before that people from Atlantic, Atlantis, the rumor, at least in the podcast circles I run, which is just imaginary people in my brain, is that Atlanteans were pretty uppity and, you know, thought pretty highly of themselves. And in this case, you know, so the gods took, you know, did, you know, took, took that continent out and they'd planned to do the same thing. But I did a little trick on them. You'd have to listen to the last episode, but, but you know, I, I fooled them. And then they say, I said, well, you guys can't go and mess with the humans. But then there was still like the two big war god and goddess left, I think. But then I had my buddy pretend he was another god. He was a god, but a different god. And then I smoted him. I think this is what happened. And then I told the gods to leave us. I don't think they fell for that, though. And then they said, listen, we're still going to. They said, go fix this with it. And I said, and then I think they just kicked me out. I mean, I said, oh, boy, this is going to be t- This is a tough quest now or mission. Uh, so more or less, they sent me back to Earth to because to, to, I said, well, I don't know if I'm so I guess they don't want to be taken out by this pyramid. I don't know. They sent me back to fix my mistakes. And he said, well, that could take, you know, four or five lifetimes. So you, you know, you would, would just deal with reincarnation, but you know, I don't want to forget anything. That's my whole problem with this afterlife stuff or we say, which is what I want to forget. You know, I don't want to be reincarnated. I want a hundred percent, you know, total recall. And then the cat said, we're talking about right now, get to work. And so then they sent me off and that's where we leave off, sent by the gods, return to earth. To fix stuff. And I said, you say, yeah, I, I know. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do either, but let's start the episode first. So it's time for another sad tale of Lady Witchbeard. Lady Witchbeard. That, that, was, that was Mr. Antonio Banderas. Holy crap, that was sweet, I think. Could you just do one more take, though? Just not as good, but... Well, my friend, I thought this was... A lot. No, it's not alive. I mean, just come out, because you keep making milk like a fool, playing with me. I just want to do the thing on the microphone and be done. I can't believe this was a turn. Okay, okay, calm down, man. 
I'm just, you know, I love you. Oh, my friend. The tales of Lady Witchbeard. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I think, Antonio, uh, did you bring your own cup? Because I said, you know, I, you took that cup last time. I told you not to come. You, I forgot to drive back to Los Angeles. Like, you can't give me a water. Well, I don't, I don't have unlimited cups. I'm not, I'm not a Hollywood actor. You, you didn't bring your own cup? Okay. Anyway, Tales of Lady Witchbeard and Antonio Banderas, thank you. Don't make that face at me, please. All right, so the guys, they cast me out of their uh, turf. So I was I landed not that far from the uh, pyramid and where Montezuma's uh, uh, city, which I didn't really get to see a lot of. But I was feeling, I was, I was really worried, I guess, because I was walking and I said, okay. All right, I got to fix things. I'm, not, I'm still, okay, so... But they got rid of the, so they got, and they said, I guess they got to, they said, oh, I got to figure out some kind of strike a compromise, I guess, between Cortez and the, the Aztec gods. And, but Cortez is big on it. And I said, oh, man. And I said, plus Cortez, a sweet talk. Yeah, I said, he's going to talk his way out of it. And, you know, the more I thought about it, the worse I, f- I felt about my prospects. And then I said, well, and they said, I don't want, I don't want anybody to get, even Cortez. I said, these guys, and I said, well, maybe I could go, and I said, this isn't going to work. Because I'm not going to be able to get Cortez to agree to anything. And then the, what I'm going to end up doing is going back to those gods. And I said, I said, oh man. And I, honestly, I was like stuck. And I was walking and very, you know, kicking a stone, head down muttering to myself and I said man I really could use some help from like my wish lady witchbeard and and I, I, I heard some laughing and, and it kind of sounded like uh similar to football soccer cheers you know uh like guys singing but it was I think it was in Spanish I don't know if it was in Spanish or something but I said what are those guys singing about and then the next thing, you know, around the corner, and there they are, some drunk conquistadors. And they said, and I, you know, I don't know how many people are like me, uh, avoiders and introverts, and like where you stop short, you see somebody say, oh, was you? oh my cell phone rang, excuse me. But I didn't have a cell phone, and then I said, well, Jesus, not a, it's not a city situation where I could tuck in somewhere. And then they said, it's the jar. Blah, blah. And they gathered around me. And they they were, they said, did you hear the good news, Germ? And I said, well, and then they, they were kind of, you know, they were pestering me. They were getting up in my face. And I said, what's the good news, guys? And they said, Cortez has saved the day. And I said, hooray. I said, what, what did he do? And he, he said, he got, he's got the pyramid. You know, these guys were just, stop the gods. You know, say, you know, I think the TLDR thing is, uh, 
they were like, you know, he's going to get get rid of these heathen gods or, you know, we dispelled it. I don't know, something. And I said, well, geez, he's, I said, well, I think they were in depression that gods didn't exist, which is understandable, totally understandable. As, but they were, you know, they were a little bit, and, and they say, and I said, geez, and I said, you got that stone there, huh? And they said he had a giant carrier. And they said, I said, what? Is that some sort? And they said, giant. And I said, a giant carried the rock for Cortez. And I said, they said, a rhyming giant. And they said, rattle riots or something. And I said, did you say Jason? I said, what? And then they were saying there's going to be a huge wedding. And they were talking about Cortez. And I said, Cortez is, and I said, wait a second, two brides? They said two brides. And they said, he's marrying lady. And he said, it's a huge celebration. Even you're invited, Jerm. Come on, come on. I said, I don't even know what they're doing. And they said the sunset is, I don't know, I think they were having a wedding at sunset. Or maybe they said the stone cat, I don't know, I was irritated. But then they they kind of like, they said, well, let's teach us a little bit. And they were doing that. And I said, oh, man, I said, these guys are on my case. They're going to be a little bit, but, you know. And they said, you should be one of Cortez's bride. And I said, no, 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 guys, don't do this. I said, I don't want to be involved in this insulting me. And they said, excuse me, excuse me. And then then they started, and then all of a sudden a voice came, a a shundering uh, giant's voice. I said, and he said, "Uh, uh, Scooter, I mean, uh. Uh, Phage, I'm here. It's your friend DeAndre. I said, DeAndre, you sound so different. I, I know, I do. I am your giant friend, Scooter, and I'm here to you. Be gone, you conquistadors. Leave my friend alone. Oh, thank you, DeAndre. You know, DeAndre, Scooter, you look so down, buddy. Fage, you look so down, buddy. Yeah, DeAndre, actually, I need some help. Scooter, come on. I mean, Fage, come on. Let's go up to the... You've got to see the giant celebration in preparation. Let's go sit here and then we start to walk. And this was DeAndre, the... the uh, I think he was originally a hill giant, or a, but he was working in this cave. Uh, that like a threshold guardian type guy, protecting the cave that went to the where the magical pieces of the pyramid were. were uh, what do you call that? Uh, you know, rock quarried, quarried. Uh, but him and I, so I become friends. So we sat and we looked up at the pyramid. And they were just setting the stone in place, and it had all sorts of really nice, beautiful, like so many beautiful flowers of every color. It was breathtaking. This giant pyramid in the late afternoon sun, you know, unweathered by time, and then covered with flowers of white and red and blues. Uh, the wind carried the, the sounds of celebration and music, of children laughing, in, in, in a sense of, uh, 
of like your tropical juices, you know, being made into some tasty stuff and, and, and grilling and, and, and fresh foods. And I said, Oh man. And he, he DeAndre saw, he said, Scorpio, Fagey, Fage, uh, what's wrong, buddy? And I said, Well, DeAndre, uh, DeAndre, DeAndre, right? Just, what's wrong, buddy? And he said, well, Dondre, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of screwed here. And he said, he said, so am I. So my, my, uh, the gods blew up my, my home, my assignment. So that's why I helped Cortez move that stone. The one you hit is probably blown up there. And I said, I know that's part of why I messed up. And he said, well, tell me more. He, he, he says, Feiji, tell me more. And I said, okay, DeAndre. I said, well, I said, that stone was supposed to go on the top of the pyramid, but, he, but the other one is. But I said, uh, I said, did you meet a lady? He said, oh, Lady Witchbeard, she's so nice. Oh, she's so pretty. Oh, germ. They say you sound a little bit like a, a different again, uh, DeAndre, but, but anyway. Yeah, Lady and Witchbeard came because we were going to try to stop Cortez. And he said, oh, Cortez is the best, buddy. He's so nice. He's so... And they said, I know, I know he's the best. Especially if you don't have any jealousy and you're like, you, you're a giant. What would you be? Oh, I'm so jealous of him. He's so handsome and he has a beautiful marina... He can do a backflip. Did you know that, uh, Germ? He could do a backflip. And he sang and whistled while he did it. And I said, yeah, he can do a back... I, I said, he's that kind of guy that can do that kind of stuff. I know. And I said, but he's a conquistador. Uh, and I said, I'm sure you you giants... I said, why, why were, were you guys ever chased out of your land by other giants? Well, mostly we do the chasing, you know, giants. I don't know, do you guys ever have any history with dwarves or... I'm sure elves are... Oh, no, we don't like elves, scripture term. We don't like elves one bit. Not us, uh... Okay, well, you you see, Cortez is a conquistador. And he's charming, he's handsome, he's smart. Uh, He's got a devilish wit... Uh, but he's got a devilish wit, you know what I mean? Oh, you, yeah, you got it. He, he tells those jokes. One night we were, okay, no, no, I don't need to hear any Cortez good stuff. But tell me what's got you so upset, buddy. And he said, well, well, uh, the thing is, uh, Cortez believes in this one God and the people here, I'm pretty sure that they each have their own belief systems depending on where they live around here. Oh, I, I, I totally, I understand what you're saying. And I said, I'm sure you, you giants have your own belief. I'm sure you giants have your own. Well, we believe in strong leadership like this Cortez. That was, that's my, what I believe in now. Germ, if germ. Did I read that? Yeah, okay. Well, uh, so my fear, Lady Witchburn and I came here. Well, I, I was under the impression we came here to sap Cortez from, uh, I don't know. Well, what's got you the most down? What, what's your problem? What can I help you with right now? 
Well, the thing is, the, the gods, uh, the, 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 some of the gods, uh, from one of the belief systems, they think they, they formulate through some sort of uh, belief energy is the best metaphor I can come up with, you understand, so far. Oh, I kind of like the magic. Yeah, just just a bit like the magic. And... uh they, they're going to try to stop Cortez. And, and originally Montezuma thought the, the pyramid could uh, uh, deter them from, from getting anybody else damaged in the way. Uh, but then Lady Witchbeard and I, we were trying to protect magic. So we said, well, we'll just bring Cortez, you know, just so, you know, if you finish the pyramid, wait, then the magic would be centralized. I said that could be dangerous, Lady Witchbeard and I agreed. The pyramid shouldn't be completed. Well, looks like you did that. Phage, germ, good job. Yeah, by accident. And so we were going to bring court. So we didn't want him to finish the pyramid. Job done. So we were going to bring court. But, but, but we were going to bring Cortez to the gods, uh, Montezuma's gods. Uh, and then they would just leave everybody down here alone because they kind of been bullying the people. And they, I don't understand. I think they thought there'd be so they, I think they wanted to avoid a God based war or Earth based God war between belief systems, you know, where people fight over the belief systems. Oh, dear, you, you people would do such a thing? Well, yeah, yeah, we, yeah we're humans, you know. We're, 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 you know, we're only human. We're bound to make a share of mistakes. We're only human. Plus, giants, we're like prize fighter. We walk in the fight. We got to fight, fight all alone. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, so we were going to bring them Cortez uh, because we were afraid Cortez would get a hold of the pyramid. You know, I said, geez, I, I wasn't too comfortable with giving Cortez up to anybody because I said, well... I don't know if that's unethical or immoral, but I wasn't comfortable with it. You know, oh, school, oh, yes, my Fiji. Uh, so I didn't want to just give, uh, yeah, I just couldn't do that. And then so I told this, so the guy sent me back to fix everything. I figured I would try to work out a truce between Cortez and the gods, but I don't think that's going to work, you know, because... Uh, you, you, you know what I mean? Oh, 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 I understand, Germ. The phage. What? So, you were worried about Cortez having all the magic in the pyramid, right? But now the rock that would complete the pyramid is gone forever, right? Right. So, what, what do you think will happen to the magic? I don't, I don't know. Ideally, it'll slowly drain from the pyramid. Uh, or so, I don't know. I'd have to talk to Lady Witchbeard about that, but I'm sure, uh, I know it had to be completed to be used as like a, like a, a you know, a God-based weapon system. You know, or whatever the God's main concern was that it wasn't topped with that last magical stone. I, I see you, you just protected the stones. Oh, I think you're right. I think you're right from what I overheard. Uh, you know, we visited a quarry and things. Uh, without, you know, the keystone. Uh, yeah, it's worthless. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And we can sense the power in it now, but you're probably right, Germ. 
So that would solve the whole magic thing, right? And the whole war with the gods thing, right? Huh, well, yeah, you're right about that. And, uh, but Cortez is still going to go try to get everybody to convert. And he'll still want to battle with the gods. Yeah, but he won't be, he'll, he'll think he has this powerful thing to deter them. Well, isn't that the kind of thing that the gods love? A man overstepping his bounds and then they know? Yeah, so they could toy with him. They could, oh, German, they could, I better tell, no, no. DeAndre, you gotta swear to me, you can't tell anybody about this. The fate of this universe rests on us keeping this a secret, I think. Because uh, I think you're onto something, you're right. I said, geez, if we could get a hold of the gods, if we could run it by. Oh, so I could get a hold of one of the gods. One second, germ. And then DeAndre just collapsed. And then he whistled, and the next thing you know, like, uh, I don't think it was, it was like some sort of, I don't know, some sort of uh, uh, lioness bird came, beautiful, oh, so beautiful. And it was this goddess of war, and she landed, and she she said, oh, what's up, Tiandre? And he said, oh, hello there, my lady. And she said, why aren't you, you know, and then they just did some chit-chat, it wasn't anything, uh, and then she, he said, uh, she said, Feiji, how are you? Feiji, oh, Feiji. And DeAndre laughed at that. And she said, w- w- you, you, you called for us? And I said, yeah, as a matter of fact, I did. I said, good news, great news. And I said, what would you prefer if I just give you Cortez? You know, I know that's what you guys asked for. And I said, let me think about it. And then you take him up to heaven on your turf, and then he's kind of defeated, or it takes a little while for him to realize he's dealing with a bunch of gods and he's only human. I said, does that sound pretty fun to you? And she she said, we we, we dislike this, uh, uh, where you could have him, you know, you could, you know, they would have him up there, and eventually his will, you know, even though he's a pretty tough guy, it'd finally get to him. And she, she seemed, okay, well, that'd be pretty fun. And I said, well, let me pitch you on some other secrets here. I said, you, you know, you can, I can trust you to keep your word because I'm going to give you exactly what you really want. And she said, you, you know, you have my word. And I said, yeah. and he says, Scooter, I see, I, I'm your witness. And I said, we got a giant here that's witness to this. And I, I said, the, uh, I said, what if, I said, don't you love it when the futility, don't you, don't you gods talk about the futility of man all the time? Doesn't that stuff crack you up? I said, like a hero who, who becomes a goat, uh, you know, and she, she was like, she was like, you, you, you were killing us, you know, with your idiocy. And I said, well, that's a little harsh. I said, it was just a goat. It wasn't, and, and she said, anyway, she said, you did say goat of many colors. So you, you did choose. To turn into a goat, just so you know. And I said, well, what was I going to do? A boat, a float of many colors? And I said, uh, and she said, you would have floated it. And I said, no, no, you, a different kind of float that you, you guys don't know about here. A parade float wouldn't have done me any good. But I said, what if I could tell you that, uh, I got it set up so Cortez, the pyramid's not going to work, but Cortez is going to think it does. And then I'll spend all this time wondering why he's not, and I said, you guys can act like, you're afraid of them, and then, you know, do some natural... I said, I don't want really any regular people getting hurt. 
I said, but you could mess up. And I said, you could give them fake converts. And I said, I said, but, but I said, what if I could keep that pyramid from working forever? And I said, she said, DeAndre, is that possible? He said, very, he said, he's the only one that could do it. And I said, and then Cortez will have no power over you. And I said, all you got to do is just leave these people out of it. I said, don't you take him. Just I said, just man, you know, f- f- futility of man situation. And I said, you know, I, I hate to say this, but it would be great if you know you could emasculate him. And I said, not you know, just metaphorically, and you know, maybe heartbreak. You know, maybe he, he gets, he is, you know. They said, you ever read any uh, Chaucer? He's big on cuckolds. I said, you know, and I said, no, no, I don't even want to wish that on poor uh, Cortez. They said, yeah, yeah, just, just mess with them. And she said, he, and she said, he, and she started going off. This is, I said, this is the kind of stuff the gods love. Good thing I met, almost failed out of school by minoring in classics. I said, I knew this would come in. You see, I'm saving a whole universe here. And she said, you have yourself a deal. And I said, okay. And then that was it. And I said, I said, oh, I don't have to sign it. And she said, no, no, no. And we, and then she was she was gone, and then DeAndre kind of pat, patted me on the back, and uh, and DeAndre said, hey, "Come on!" And we went up uh, to this hidden part. He just like picked me up, and, and I didn't realize he, I don't know giant power stuff. And he put me on this part of the pyramid, like a middle section, and we overlooked uh, this unbelievably giant plaza. Uh, in between the, the village that Montezuma ran. And they were preparing for a celebration, but there in the middle of it was Cortez. And he was with, like, the party planning type people. And he was planning the wedding, and he just seemed, he seemed to, like, uh, well, I said, so ripe, you know, for this. I said, you know, it gets, you know, Back to me asthma or whatever it is, you know. And I said, I left my, you know, bag of Greek, you know, Greek uh, jokes, but, you know, tragedy jokes. I, I never had one. Uh, one day I'll craft some Greek tragedy and comedy jokes, you know, and I'll, you know, I'll be like a, a new Aeschylus. You know, Rowan Scooter went into his new Aeschylus mode. Or that's what he called it. We, you know, we called it something different, but we always thought it was cute how he called them Pliny instead of Pliny. But anyway, uh, but Cortez was there and, uh, he said, well, he's getting what he wants. You know, people were looking at him with adoration. He was kissing babies. The conquistadors and the people of my, even Montezuma seemed like, uh, uh, Cortez had him, like, he was treating him as an equal, but also, you know, he, I said, man, that guy, I said, he is getting what he wants, and in some sense, and then I remembered the last thing that God has said before, she said, well, at least this Cortez will be, you know, uh, what did she say? Man, I think that God has said, uh, you know, this, at least he's a worthy opponent or something, and I looked down, I said, well, and I think for Cortez, there's nothing he wanted more than to fight some gods, you know, even though he wouldn't know it. And I said, so he is kind of getting what he wants, but at least the gods will be there to check his power. And then, I, then, I, then DeAndre pointed across the plaza on this other huge building, a huge stone building, and on top of it was Lady Witchbeard and Marina. 
And they seem to be going through some sort of spell casting type lesson. But Lady Witchbeard, Marina's face was so concentrated. And Lady Witchbeard had, it was in total teacher, you know, tutor teacher mode. You know, holding her hands and saying, no, 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 do it again. And but Lady, they both seem to be enjoying it so much. Like Marina was absorbing it, and and I don't even know how much time passed as I watched it. So it was like it was in slow motion, but just like something you'd see in like a, a kung fu movie. Even though they're similar in age, you know, Lady Witchbeard. I guess I don't know how old Lady would never ask. I guess maybe Lady Witchbeard's older. Than Marina, but still. And then at some point, Cortez whistled, and and Marina looked down, and she kind of bobbled what she was doing, and they locked eyes. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of feet apart. And he smiled, and of course his teeth almost glimmered. And I think even my, I said, Jesus, did my heart just skip a beat? And then Marina smiled, and then my heart, and and other parts of me said, Ooh, yeah. And then I knew she was smiling at him, and it was like this, uh, I don't know, it was this intimate moment, a share of happiness. And, you know, so like an inside joke, like, love you, babe. No, love you more, mate. I don't know, but I said, wow. And DeAndre looked at me, cause he said, and I said, well, Marina's getting what she wants. And then he said, it looks like Lady Witchbeard is, too. And I said, well, maybe she knows, man. I said, well, magic's going to be safe, I think. And the next thing you know, this bird comes in. And I said, well, there's something weird about it, that bird. And it landed. And it had something clutched in its hands. And I said, is this a bird from the original Clash of Titans? But it wasn't. It was, uh, I think it was, it was a toucan, which I said, wasn't I looking for toucans? And I said, your name's Sam, and it had the toucan beak. It was a beautiful bird, but collection his claws was a DVD case. And I picked up the case, and it just said Interstellar. Uh, no special edition. I think maybe it was a blue. I don't have a Blu-ray player, but I think it may have been a Blu-ray. I don't even know. But I said it. Well, and, and and DeAndre said, "What's this?" And I said, "Well, my world's all's well in the world I came from." And DeAndre said, "You're not from this world." And I said, "No." And I opened the DVD case, and it said there was a note in there from Lady Witchbeard, and I won't tell you what it said, but it basically said goodbye. And then I looked across again to see where Lady Witchbeard and Marina were, and they were gone. And they also said, don't try to see me, you know, you'll never see me again. So it was a, but it was a, and then DeAndre said, what does this mean? And I said, I guess it means I'm kind of getting what I want, uh, because my world is safe. And And I said, and DeAndre said, well, how will you get back? And I said, well... I said, there's instructions in there on how to get back. It was a map to a, a cauldron that I was, you know, supposed to dive into. I mean, I told Andre, uh, DeAndre that, but... And then DeAndre, he said, germ, well, how do you don't seem like the the adventurer? How'd you get yourself into this in the first place? And I said, I'll start it with this song and Lady Witchbeard, DeAndre. It's a long, long story. And he said, well, tell me about this song. 
And they said it was the song I played for Lady Witchbeard, and she seemed entranced. And it was about Cortez, I'm not Cortez down there. And he said, well, and I said, well, I'm not a good singer, but I said, it goes, he came dancing across the water with his galleons and guns, uh, looking for the new world and the palace in the sun. And then there was a, I mean, DeAndre said, okay, on the shore lay Montezuma with his coca leaves and pearls. In his halls, he often wandered with his secrets to the world's. And I reflected really quick with the Andre. I said, Jesus, this is like a, he said, it's as old song. He said, no. But I said, these things have happened now. They've taken place. Like Cortez came across the water and took out our ship, grounding me and Lady Witchbeard here. And I said, and he was looking for this place, this, this palace in the sun. And I said, in Montezuma, he, he has this stuff down there where he can see. And I said, I don't know, the secrets of the world down there. And I said, that probably isn't good that Cortez would have access to that. But he doesn't. I said, well, maybe it won't work right without all the magic. And then DeAndre said, well, Lady Witchbeard will be here. And I said, you're right. And he said, more of the song, please. And his subjects gathered around him like the leaves around a tree. In their cloaks of many colors, for the angry gods to see. And the women all were beautiful. And the men stood straight. And the men stood straight and strong. They offered life and sacrifice, so the others could go on. And we sat there with silence for a while. And I said, "That's how these people have been living." DeAndre in, in, in battle with these gods. Uh, some was just giving uh, giving their lives so that the other people, and he said, I know, Germ. And then we looked at some of the people, and they were so beautiful, and and, and, and not just of, of physical attributes. And DeAndre said, go. And I said, hate was just a legend. War was never known. The people worked together, and they lifted many stones. They carried them to the flatlands, and then DeAndre started pointing at himself. And they died along the way. But they built up with their bare hands what we still can't do today. And I touched myself. And then I said, hey, is just a legend war was never known. And then I looked at the people again in this giant pyramid, and then DeAndre said, is that it? I said, no, there's, I said, and I know she's living there, and she loves me to this day. And then I started to cry a little bit, to be honest with you. And DeAndre knew why, you know. And he said, it's hard to say goodbye, isn't it? He goes, but you need to go, don't you? And he goes, Jeremiah, I know you don't realize this, but maybe you did what you're supposed to do. And maybe this song was guiding you all along. And I said, yeah. And he goes, and Lady Witchbeard loves you, Germ. And he goes, maybe Marina loves you as a friend. And he goes, and I'm sure Lady Witchbeard loves you in some way. And then I said, please don't say it just not the way I wanted. And he said, well... We don't always, he goes, you know, look at all the good you did. 
And I said, mostly unintentionally. And he said, Jeremy, you've done your best. That's all you could do. And he said, can you finish this song? And I said, it goes, and I know she's living there. And she loves me to this day. I still can't remember when or how I lost my way. And DeAndre says, see, it's okay that you got lost, Jeremy. You did. And I said, you're right, DeAndre. And he said, you know, there's a camp of people waiting down there uh, to say goodbye to you. You know, he, he goes, he goes, they didn't want to come join the celebration until they were free to their obligation to germ a coward and thief. And he pointed, and I saw the encampment of my original people I was leading. Even the conquistadors were still there. So I said, well, let's go say goodbye to them, and and, and, and they'll be safe. The only person who needs to worry right now is Cortez, and he's going to get what he wants, I guess. And we walked over to the camp, and the people started cheering German thief and, and hugged me, and it, it really felt good. And he said, what shall we do, you know, coward? And I said, he said, your new leader's here. He said, there's a great celebration. And they said, we've heard, but we've been waiting for you. And I said, you know, I want you to go to this celebration. I want you to take care of each other. And you'll be wary of this guy. Maybe just return home. I said, you don't have to convert to any religions. You don't want to. I said, just figure out your... And they said, what? And I said, never mind. I said, and they said, is that a giant? And then they got distracted. But then they cheered. Uh, mostly because DeAndre was giving the kids rides. And that was fun. I, I said, it feels a little bit like hanging with Groot. I'd imagine... But then we say goodbye to each other. You know, it took a while, but that's boring. You know, goodbye. You know, a lot of coward and thief. You know, repeat millions, not millions, but, you know, a lot of goodbye, coward, you coward and thief. And then, uh, I'll I, 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 I be honest with you, I wanted to get one last look at Lady Witchbeard and Marina. Because I had fallen, I mean, let's be honest, I fell in love with both of them in some sense or... In, in enamoration or something with them. And you say, geez, is this a polyamory, poly crush? It's a poly crush. I don't know about polyamory because uh, poly, whatever, uh, where you're forlornery. Poly, instead of polyamory, it's poly forlornery. Uh, so DeAndre and I walk back towards the pyramid. And DeAndre was kind of humming the song and he, he was, he says, missing something, Germ. But I didn't realize he was talking about this song. I said, you're right, something is missing. And I, as I looked, I was looking for Lady Witchard who was missing. So then I kind of, but he was still kind of humming the song. And then I looked for Lady Witchard and I saw her. And I saw her watching Cortez in some way. And then I looked down, and Cortez was at the, the center of the plaza, and he was just dancing with Marina. And it was like they were gliding on water. And I said, he came, I said, that's how the song ends, Andre. Came dancing across the water. Cortez, Cortez. What a killer. And the words hung in the air. And DeAndre looks at me. 
and I looked at Lady Witchbeard, and she, I still couldn't read her. But I said, I said, there, I said, I said, I can't go anywhere. DeAndre, he said, what do you mean, germ? And I looked at Cortez, and I just saw something that eyes that was more, I said, this isn't about jealousy. A very bad man. This Cortez is, I believe, DeAndre. He's a killer. And, and he said, well, that killer smile. Look at he's a good killer buys. I said, he's, look at that face. He was, what do you call that? I said, I think they call that a conquistador. I said, his hair or his beard? And he said, both. And I said, yeah. He said, and he goes, what is that? I said, that's a pith helmet, I think. And that's a breastplate. Anyway, DeAndre, I'm not leaving. I said, there's no reason for Lady Witchbeard to stay here. Unless, unless she doesn't know, either she's planning something dangerous for her, or she doesn't know. And I said, I got to trust my gut, DeAndre. And he was just stuck on the lyrics and saying the sign. I said, DeAndre, I'm trying to have a moment here of uh, certitude. But I said, well, geez, maybe this is a wrong uh, time. So I said, well, I'm not going home. And I took the, and I said, geez, I, I, I said, this is wrong and right at the same time. And I threw the Interstellar DVD case, uh, which immediately I regretted because I said, well, geez, this is like when you leave, uh, you know, Back to the Future, if you, you know, left that Sports Illustrated or whatever, but then Toucan ate it when it was in the air. So I said, okay, that's good. But I just sat there and I watched Cortez glide with Marina. And I said to myself, you know, maybe, maybe there's just a thin line between, I know there's a thin line between love and hate and jealousy. And, and I said, well, something's wrong. This, he, I said, Neil Young wouldn't write a whole song about a guy that might be bad. And I said, he's a very bad man. I can't leave here. But then, and then, and then DeAndre, he, he was just singing, and I was watching Cortez dance. And then I just got, it was a warm afternoon, sun so warm. And I think we were, we were on the top of the pyramid, so we were on that rock that warmed up. And I started to drift off because it was so warm. We said, man, I feel like a seal, like on a warm rock or something. And my bones started to relax, and snoo, snooey stuff started to relax. And the smells on the air, the vibration of a happy crowd chattering and eating and, and, and talking in and, and all these different languages. And DeAndre's humming, mm-hmm, right and a giant can hit a basso and a nova or some sort of level. It was just, and I started to drift away. And then the seas of, and I said, man, oh boy. But I, I, I didn't dream of anything but the, the warm chattering noises and the, the heady scent of celebration. And I drifted into a deep, relaxing sleep, so warm and so relaxed, and I needed it. My muscles started to unwind.
And I, I, for, for the time, I felt so okay with DeAndre and the calmness of the crowd. And even the sounds of dancing and music calmed me. Good night. And then thank yous. I want to thank, uh, over on Twitter, I want to thank Anna, T- Tammy Guns again, Julie C., Zachariah W., Hunter G., Rachel B., Christina Bina, Carla. Also, we had a Darla on Facebook. That's in advance, you know. So I just said, she's Carla and a Darla. That's nice. Van Graveyard, Bennett G., Catfish Billy, H. Maxwell, Jenny Wee, uh, our old buddy Jake, Samantha, Alice, Happy Mom. Over on Facebook, Darla, who who's, uh, said, hey, check out this goat scooter. Uh, Miriam F., Laura, Michelle, Kathy, Lance, Cammy, our old buddy, Arod Sela. Arod Sela, right? I'm, I'm working on it. A lot better than the Razzi. I think that was the first time. I got a Yante finally, so uh, Arod Sela. I think that's correct. Uh, Christine, Alexandra, Bonnie for the emails. Another uh, anonymous email, uh, that person, we were talking about my voice and stuff, so if they could email me back, that'd be great. I want to thank Maggie for her comments. I want to thank Maggie for her comments on the uh, on the website. And then iTunes reviews, if you want to review the uh, podcast, sleepwithmepodcast.com slash iTunes. Uh, some kind of genius. That's pretty nice. That's from potential diamond buyer. So somebody's in the diamond market, folks. Uh, amongst the plotless stories, uh, Scooter Subtle, yeah, constant humor, shout outs, uh, envelops a sense of community and home for me as an insomniac. Thank you. That's very nice. You make me feel like a diamond in, in the rough. And then speaking of, speaking of rough, we got to. The bearded dude said, I'm like a muttering cheech on drugs. I said, geez, that's a, uh, uh, oxy, isn't that an oxymoron or a double positive or whatever? And they didn't like the podcast. We'll just say that. I don't know. That's two in a row. So should I have a warning at the beginning of the podcast? Like, uh, warning, this podcast could put you to sleep and it's run by a man who seemingly can't speak, you know, in complete sentences. So, you know, stick right, I don't know. But anyway, sorry, muttering Cheech, you know, probably stumbled on the podcast by accident too. And, you know, she's said, I'm not on drugs, believe it or not, this is my natural condition, which is maybe even scarier. And then scoop me to sleep. Wow, so we got to scoop me to sleep. Scoot's a meandering king. Uh, Scoots has a knack for snagging minds on the run and tricking them into following a meandering narrative. And that's what I do exactly. Yeah, so, and I do mutter, I mean, I do mutter, I mumble bear. You know, the character mumble bear was based on the real scooter. You know, the character mumble bear was based on the real scooter. When he would try to talk to his neighbors, not even on the podcast, he mumbled, speak up, son. That's amazing. What are you doing with that microphone there, son? I was making a podcast about stuff. What would you say, my son? So that's how that's how that's how Mumble Bear's based on me. 
I don't know if that has any points. Uh, but that's it. Uh, that's, that's all the thank yous this week. Thank you all for your support so much. It could not do that. We're getting up to three, 300 episodes here. And it couldn't do without you. Honestly, I've just, I've just been thinking a lot about how thankful I've learned to be thankful and gratitude. You guys have taught me that. It's like symbi- this podcast is like symbi- a symbiotic city. They say, "What you symbi- That's a state of, you know, it's not a, it's not a place. It can't be a place." Okay, well, take your freaking Webster and hit the road because I'm calling this podcast symbi, you know, sim 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 town. It's too much like barter town. But you know, I you you guys sleep and I feed and you're sleeping. No, that maybe I shouldn't. That sounds like more, but that's true. So, thank you all for the support. Even those of you, like I said, I don't care if you, if you're out there and you're the silent majority, and you just if you you never reach out to me, that's fine. If you listen to this podcast, it's helping you sleep and you enjoy it. I, I can get a, I get a general sense of that. You know, you don't got to email me. I appreciate everyone that does, but I'm saying, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't let your brain bites get on your case. Cause she's like, geez, I don't, ju- I just don't do that kind of stuff. That's fine too. I'm cool. You're cool. We're, 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 we're more cool. You know, those of you that are outgoing and those of you that keep it to yourselves, I appreciate you all. Thank you so much. All right, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story tonight in the form of uh, language learning, uh, breaking bad, metastasis breakdown. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what I'm going to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's running through your brain, whatever's racing through your brain, whatever's got you tossing and turning, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional. I'm going to try to take, I'm going to try to take your mind off of that. I'm going to do my best to distract you. I'm going to use lulling, soothing tones. But mostly what I'm going to, but, but most importantly of all, what I'm going to do is reach my hand across the deep dark night via my voice, of course, and try to escort you into the land of sleep. And the way I hope to accomplish all that is by using lulling, soothing tones, some pointless meanders, a bit of droning. So tonight I'm going to talk about metastasis, which is the Colombian version of Breaking Bad. So I'll run through that. Now, I don't speak Spanish trying to learn while I do a boring, lulling, soothing podcast. So I'll say, well, she's I heard this word. I wonder what it meant. And then I noticed uh, Walter Blanco in uh, Metastasis in Colombia and Jose... Jose Miguel, and I'll say, which is he had, and no one wears a bow tie, but if I, if someone was, we get, we got like a breaking thing about a woman in a red cape on this, so, well, not breaking, so you don't need to stay awake for it, but you, you know, you could look forward to that if you're going to be awake. I don't know why, I don't want to just set up your hopes to it, but, but it's interesting, and I'll say, once you see a red cape, what's up, a red cape, and the See, who else has a red cape? Well, Superman has a red cape. Uh, and then I said, well, I don't know any other red cape. I said, well, there's got to be other people with red capes. 
And then I then I then after I watch Metastasis, I watch the corresponding episode of Breaking Bad. So then I'll talk about that next. And I'll say, well, this was funny, and then I noticed this was different, or this was the same. And I'll say, geez, and then you you get to rewatch this wonderful, wonderful TV show, Breaking Bad. Also, the Colombian version is great. And then what I'll do is I watch Metastasis a second time, and I'll look up the second time I watch it with the Spanish subtitles on, so because you know my uh, ear is not that good yet. I'm still I forgot somebody said what that word is, but my recognition I think it's something different than that. I mean, I'm not even close to understanding, but I'll say, oh, he's, oh, I think that, you know, that's my go-to word. Or parse, parcero, yave, those are some Colombian slang terms for friend and buddy and partner. Uh, socio. Uh, so then I'll say, geez, I looked up this one, and then, I, and then I'll do that. And then if anything else came up when I was watching an episode where I said, well, geez, look, let's look up an article about this, about hair gel. Th- that didn't come up, but I said, that, would, that could be something that would happen. I said, well, she's a hair gel. I ever wonder what, what it was made of? And, you know, and then I said, geez, what's the difference between a mousse and a gel and a spray? And then now you got like a paste and then you got a, I said, why don't they have a hair bomb? And then you have a hair tonic. And I said, you really, where do you, you could still pick up some hair tonic somewhere. And he said, Jesus, those new uh, super suave barbershops, they got tonic there. And then you, you say, Jesus, well, well, grease. And then you got a hair grease. And you got pomade, pomade. Uh, and, I say, so the, and they say, beard bomb. I've heard of beard bomb. I've never heard of head bomb. And then you say, well, geez, if you're bald, like Walter White and Walter Blanco, you right. Maybe you do, like, a little bomb on the dome. So I'll do that, and then I see I'm using these lulling, soothing tones. The whole idea is to draw in your attention. You know, try to be a little bit silly. I don't take myself seriously. I don't ask that you do. But what I say is, geez, you listen to me. I'll try to be, I'll try to engage you. You know, I'm here for you. I should try to help you fall asleep. I, I got the best intentions here. It, but as the story goes on, you might say, well, geez, this guy really, I mean, he just talked about the hair products. But you didn't, and is he going to read an article about hair products later? Oh, boy. And you say, well, geez, okay, I'm listening here. And then, he, then usually I'll try to throw in a, uh, a personal, sometimes I'll throw in, you know, you say, geez, okay, he's about to finish up, and then I'll throw in a, a personal reference. Like, uh, I, I remember when I played uh, Little League. I think it was Little League. Maybe it was a little soccer. Uh, you know, both of which, you know, usually I only did for one season before the bridges were burned. Or my self-esteem took some unintentional blow that uh, couldn't be recovered from. Uh, but unrelated to that was that it, one of the people that sponsored it was uh, Syracuse Beauty and Barber Supply. And that was one of my brother's friend's dads, I think. At some point he ran that. I don't know if at the time he did. But I said, that sounds good. Syracuse Beauty and Barber Supply. And I remember they were downtown before it was hip to be downtown. 
And they were in an old red brick building, SBBS, I think. That's what they'd call the team because that was a lot to put on, you know. So they'd say, SBBS plays the Tigers today. I was on SBBS. And you see, geez, we didn't get, I, I couldn't have used any supplies, but, and they had the, uh, I think it was the Nexus products was their line. I think that was their products, the Nexus. And I remember using some Nexus hair gel, but what the problem with hair gel is it doesn't transform, you know, corn silk like uh, fur into cool, you know, full-bodied head of hair that you'd want in high school. Uh, but, oh, boy, I tried layering that stuff in until one time a friend of mine, she said, uh, they, at first I thought she was picking at me or another girl. But in reality, they were actually trying to help me, but I couldn't. They said, you got to take it easy on the grease. you got to get cut the grease out. But I said, okay, more grease. To remember, Scooter, tomorrow, more grease. They, you know, say what you so. I don't know if at a point of SBBS. See, so, so even I got distracted there. But the key is, is you, know, you say to yourself, SBBS, Syracuse Beauty and Barber Supply. We're at the nexus of some nonsense right now. But mostly, I'm going to give you something that you could think about in the rest of your critical brain, your analyzing brain, your your, your fueled up body. You could listen to me. And you can kind of start to picture the beautiful red brick, one of those older red brick buildings from the turn of the century. Uh, Syracuse is a place called Clinton Square. It wasn't in Clinton Square. I think it was an armory square uh, named after an armory that became a science museum that may, that I don't know if it's still a science museum. And, uh... So that takes your mind, you see, well, geez, okay, the, uh, I don't have to think about the spreadsheets for tomorrow work or budgeting or or whatever, whatever you're feeling or, or whatever. But then you're like, okay, this guy's just, is he, he was, okay, well, he's got two hair, he's going on two hair tangents there. He seems a little touchy about his own hair. I'm new to the podcast, so I don't know. Did he say he has corn silk fur instead of hair? I did, and you're very observant. Nice job. Two points for you. But is he just, okay, what are the points for? Man, just, just credit. You say, geez, just give, you know, I'm going to give you credit right on the spot, so don't worry. So that's it. I just want to take your mind off stuff, distract you, but you say, geez, yeah, okay, I, clearly I don't got to give this guy 110% of my attention. But maybe tomorrow when, you know, you're at the, you see yourself SBBS, man. And then Hank that you work with, they'll say, I'm sorry, what? And you say, SBBS. Remember when they won the Little League Championship uh, with that real kid that, that cried a lot on the team at the end of their bench? Who knew he would, you know, be, he had lulling, soothing tones with his weeping, constant weeping, the coach would say. And the coach used to call him a son of an SBBS and confuse the boy. That's it. I want to take your mind off of stuff. And believe me, if you can't sleep, you say, geez, this isn't, you know, they say, okay, I can picture what this guy's talking about. It's kind of amusing. You know, not, not critical. You know, I don't have to do any critical thinking, no math. You know, any emotional wounds, they're just emotional scrapes. I'll just try to get into the scrape level. So that's here. I'll be your boyfriend. I'll be tight. Now, I got to tell you, this metastasis and this Breaking Bad is wonderful stuff. So if you're around for it, if you can't sleep, 
you know, who knows? We're going to be cracking, cracking deep here, go, going deep, you know. Not any scary stuff, believe me. I sanitize the hell out of this stuff. Uh, if, if Vince Gilligan ever gets a hold of me, if if you do, if, if two episodes in a row don't come out, either Gilligan or George R. R. Martin's got me. I think Weiss and Benioff I'll be okay with because I'm only, well, maybe they could have a hold of me too. Say, geez, who are you more afraid of, Gilligan or Martin? And I said, well, that could be a problem because right away my internal uh, jokester is going to be making fun of it. I say, okay, Gilligan. And then Vince, I can tell you Vince Gilligan probably won't like that. And then Martin, George R.R. R.R. That probably people say that to him all the time. R.R. George. Right away. I'll never make up a, a fiction about Sir Pounce again. R.R. I, I guess he probably is more... I mean, I wouldn't want to disappoint either one of them. I'm kidding, because they're my heroes. I mean, two, 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 four. Weiss, Benioff, Gilligan, and George R. Martin. I look up to them so much as just a cross look from them. I mean, knowing I'm letting them down, hopefully they would say, well, geez, you're so boring, though. How do you do it so that I don't do it, you know, when I'm making this great stuff? And I say, well, you know, don't worry, boys, I got it covered. You do the good stuff. And, and uh, you know, I'll, 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 you know, mix it up with some, the opposite of turpentine, you know. I'm, I'm the old molasses mouse, get a hold of it. Uh, so that's if you're new here, it, you know, you say, geez, I, just try it out. I can't tell you uh, that I can make real sense of what's happening here. I'm not an expert, you know, expert molasses mouse, yes. But the other stuff, uh, I'm just doing my best. But the main thing I want to tell you is I'm glad you're here. I really hope, I really deserve, really yearn to help you fall asleep. Uh, so thanks for stopping by. All right, housekeeping. We're on the web, www.sleepwithmepodcast.com. That's where our oldest episodes are. Most episodes are in the iTunes or whatever podcast podcatcher you use. And make sure you're subscribed if you, if you, uh, then the podcast comes to you by, you know, straight, uh, automagic. Uh, you can comment on the website. You can email me. You got any comments, concerns, ideas, feedback, sleepwithmepodcast.com. You can give me on Twitter at Dearest Scooter or on Facebook. And that's where I post, uh, sleep related articles and bloopers somewhat in, uh, irregular, irra- irregularly. That is the best place to get old. We have a Facebook group. Go to sleepingbypodcast.com slash N-O-D-S. And I want to thank our moderators over there, Laura, Jennifer B., uh, Lie to Lie, Julie C., and Rachel L. to the G. And then I want to thank Chris Posty Posterson from Sounds Like an Earful that does our music, and Scotty and Jennifer who do our artwork. All right, let's keep going. All right, so here we are talking episode 16, I believe, of Metastasis, and we'll do the red pen and the, I guess we'll do one run through, you know, keep you guys on your toes. But it starts out with Walt coughing and Junior watching him. Uh, S.O.S. Calmo, Bueno Porto, Menos No Tan, Viejas, Mitad, More... Morma Mad Hospital. I don't know what that means. But I think it was the family who was gathered at the hospital. I don't know what more. It looks like M-O-R-M-A. 
Mormamad Hospital. I honestly have no idea what that says or what it means, but the families gather at the hospital. Henry's got a great diamond shirt on. Maria's doing a lot of talking. Semana bala metad viejas. She seems to know everything about everything that's going on. Algunos opinas. Maybe that's her. She's offering her opinas, uh, opinions. Uh, at some point, Junior makes one wise comment, and everyone says, hmm, okay. And then Walt's still coughing. He says uh, he's going to go to the bathroom. He says, pardone, pardone me. Uh, uh, yo y al baño dicen que uno no se debe aguntar las ganas. Also, at some point, someone says, seguro, seguro, seguro. Uh, then let's see what this is. Oh, oh, and then Henry, right after Walt goes to the bathroom, Henry does this like WTF hand thing, and I think he's doing it to Maria about Walt Jr. Because Maria's saying really depressing stuff, but I liked Henry's acting. I just wasn't sure what it was about. And Walt's in the bathroom. He's he's got a he's got a old tickle in his throat, and you see other things like vestir salio, decir nada, no hay problema. Something like I don't have a problem, and then uh, Walt's in his treatment. He's, he is, doesn't have a lot of body hair. Again, I was like, is that related to the cancer or the actor? And then Walt talks to the tech afterwards. Who says he says, "What's up?" The tech says, "I can't answer your questions, man." And then Walt sees a picture from his scans and interprets it himself. And he says, "Huh? Oh no!" I see. He says, "Huh? That's something." And then we have the opening. And then we have Walton saw Lavar Lavar La Plata as facilismo. He's a rica, and they're talking about his wife and money, and how much time you got. And Walt's like only a couple months, and he says, "Walt's like I'm gonna cook cook like a madman." And he said, "Lo siento, lo siento mucho. Yeah, more work, more money. Thirty million, thirty million pesos." But, you know, when, because at first he's like, okay, let's figure this out. Saul says, uh, Saul Bueno. And he says, how much money do you have? That's not a lot. And he's like, you're screwed, man. Mas exactamente. But then Saul kind of pumps him up. There's some nice music. Five minutes in, I put, there's a Nine Inch Nails Baroque Melody. Actually, I put Baroque Misty. Or maybe I put, well, I can't read my writing. Baroque Misty, but I think it was Baroque, uh, it was good, five minutes in. Oh, yeah, Oboe, I think, was in there. And it was kind of like the Nine Inch Nails or Trent Reznor doing uh, Breaking Bad music. And I put plus, uh, oh, Ministry, maybe that's what I wrote, Ministry. Then I put plus H-O-N-E, Oh, home in bed with Cielo. Walt's home in bed with Cielo. They're talking. I put, what? What are they talking about? Brad, bad news? Double question mark. Because uh, I really didn't know. Then I put short, oh, short time. Amor, por favor, te lo suplico. And then Walt's talking a lot. He starts, uh, man, my writing is terrible. Starts doing stuff. I don't know what that means. Oh, to make her laugh. Starts doing stuff to make her laugh. He's doing some silly stuff. 
ayuda. I think that means to listen to me, maybe? I don't know. And he kisses her hand, he's acting, he's doing material. And then the lights go out. E yo say K S Doro. But neither one of them falls asleep in the lights. So anyone that's been in a relationship can relate to that where the lights go out. You say, Good night, good night. Going right to sleep over here. Oh so am I. And then the boom of the tension settles in the room. But that's what your boyfriend's here for, you know, detentrify it. Uh, but even old hands, escapaz de llevar al cura de pueblo, verla. Then we have uh, Jose and Yana in bed together, Jana. Uh, they're kissing softly. Uh, toca. Hey, what is that word? It's either one box or one sixty x. I don't know. Or hoy, oh hoy, tengo ganas de hacer algo. Uh, it's a light love, soft light. Oh, soft kisses, soft light love. K, okay. laughing, kissing, salgamos. And then I put total love action, and they get some cute talk going. It's a very nice scene, and, and I know it's going to come up, so I, just, I said, Jesus, is it Jane or Jana? Who, 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 who's Scooter going to crush on? And I would say, I don't, I don't know, the sultriness of Jane or the soft kissability of Yana. I don't know. I can't decide. And the good thing is I don't have to because they're both on the show. Uh, oh, boy. But then she goes down to the kitchen, and then the phone rings, and it's Walt. And he's talking right in the voicemail. What kind of guy, spy, I mean, is this guy? Oh, at some point they're talking to El Mambo, es el Museo de Arte, Moderno de Bogota, so the Mambo Modern Art Museum. Uh, Salgamo says that by Yar. But Jose grabs the phone and Walt's telling him uh, his plan uh, Walt's phone, I don't know what the hell phone he was on, but it had a huge chain on it. It seemed to be some public cell phone, which I don't, I'm not familiar with, but I said, because it had a huge, I said, what the hell chain is that? Anote un poquito de arte, no te va a matar. Plane claro me imagino sus, sus planes. I, I can imagine your plans. Uh, Walt gives Jose orders. Jose tells him off. Walt uh, burns. So Walt just kind of gets really mad. He says, uh, Comer Cheetos, hacer de paja y fumar marijuana. So you need Cheetos, make paja. I don't know if that's make love and then smoke weed. Just sounds pretty good to me. I mean, then hanging out with Walt who just gives you attitude all the time. And then he says something, I don't know if he said he was out of methylamine or what, but he says something about the methylamine. Yana's listening in, or Jana, Yana. And then Walt either is dropped off or he drops the phone or drops the call. Oh, no, right. Oh. I know quiero que te vayas. And then we're with Walt and Cielo at the airport saying goodbye. Now, in the red pen run for I noted here, but I, I had paused it, so I was wrong. But I'll tell you, when I paused it, this is what I saw, and I took the notes because I thought this was critical information, but it ended up it was only because it was frozen. I said, airport, 1156, that's the uh, time stamp. Car in front, there's a woman with a purple piece of coral reef 
I don't know if it's a sculpture. And then I pressed play and I said, oh, no, it's just a flower. It looked like she was holding this purple coral reef. And I said, well, that's strange. Is she coming or going? Did she fly in with that coral reef? Is that legal? I said, that's a nice purple coral reef she's got there. But it just ended up it was a flower overlaid of her, but because it was frozen and I'm not, I'm a buffoon. I'm a, what am I, a mierda, a babodas? Is that what I am? Is that buffoon or what's nonsense? But anyway, uh, so that it wasn't coral reef, but you know, duly noted, it was uh, just a purple flower. Okay, next, uh, Sanales uh, Pessima, something about well being pessimistic, uh, but there's a very loving goodbye. Then Walt goes into the airport. Now, this is when we start to get this woman that I was talking about in the preview here. There's a woman in a red hat and a red cape. And I don't know if they were short on extras today or the continuity person called in sick. But she appears in this episode about 4,000 times. And you say, geez, if you're going to. So this is her first appearance at 1316. Uh, as Walt goes into the airport, then he comes back out. A lady in a red cape and a red hat. Uh it comes out behind him, uh, and then she walks out, and then I put, holy shit, uh, te, tu los buscas, uh, because then at some point another woman in a red, red cape and red hat comes out. Then, after that, a woman in a similar red cape and or a similar cape and hat comes out, but it's black. Oiga, or ojala, no ojala. Then Jose rolls up in the bus after this red hat stuff. And Walt's very mad that he brought the bus. He's like, what are you thinking? And then he's like, is everything ready? He's like, CC and there's abominos. I also have more uh, red notes on this page. Uh, the woman in the red cape uh, also appears at 1259 outside of the airport when they first get there. So when Walt and Cielo first get there, She's off to the right side of the screen, like talking to somebody in the background. Uh, then at 13.14, uh, she exits with a guard, and then the next one exits with a red cape and red. So I think this might be a conspiracy theory. Uh, so, Or if anyone from Columbia listens, let me know, is this some sort of society? And do I need to worry about it? The red cape, red cape, cape and hat? Or is it a cloak? I don't know. But then we have an action music uh, montage with lots of driving, lots of cuts, Salida, road trip, Port Sabian. It's a cool drive. To, I think is it an old spot in the hills or a new spot. I'm not sure. Uh, no, f- oh, oh, a couple more notes on that. Let me see from Red Pen. Uh, the music on the drive, the action music, I remember. So there's an 80 band, 80s band called Duran Duran. And they got a couple of classic 80s hits. If you ever listen to 80s channels or 80s music, or you were in in the 80s, or, you know, some of you might have been only a twinkle in the eye in the 80s. Some of you were just a little kid in the 80s. And some of you, you know, may have been a grown adult in the 80s. But there was a, a band, Duran Duran, as people still cover their music. Uh, I think Hungry Like the Wolf might be one of their songs, but I'm not positive. But then they tried to make a comeback, I think, in the early 90s. 
uh, and they had two songs that were decent. I remember listening to them and saying, hey, these aren't half bad, you know. And that's what this music sounded like. So not the original Duran Duran. And now I think there's still a current incarnation because I've seen people at Duran Duran concerts on Facebook. Uh, but this was uh, this this uh, other good, they had two good songs. I remember I had a very weird video with beautiful women, like you know, underwater. And that's all I remember. But I said, Jesus, music sounds just like it. And, of course, Duran Duran, what I love them for is unrelated to all of that, uh, is to a Bond song. Uh, and I know Adele just killed it on Skyfall, and I think Sam Smith's working on the next uh, Bond movie song. But for me, the greatest, no, well, maybe, I don't know, Skyfall is pretty damn good that Adele did. And there's Diamonds Are Forever, some other good ones. But, uh, so, I don't I can't say it's the greatest, but Duran Duran had one at uh, View to a Kill. Actually, it is my favorite, because that's just going in my head. I bounce on a scene, Bobby. It's a good one. If you, uh, it, it, I think it even stands up, in, in, at least to me, because I love it uh, uh, by itself. And I don't think View of the Kill is viewed as one of the better Bond movies. It was one. Of, it might have been Roger Moore's last appearance as Bond. But it had Christopher Walken and Grace Jones. So it's like, geez, can you really go wrong with those two in a movie? And some people say, well, yeah, they they did. And I think, I don't know, uh, uh, but, but there's some good scenes with Christopher Walken. Uh, you know, just Christopher Walken on screen is good. And he's saying, Mr. Bond. I, don't, I can't do Christopher Walken, but. And then Grace Jones. Is that who it is? Grace Jones? I've, I've got a feeling I'm getting her name wrong. Uh, but she's it, it, off topic here. Um, but that's a view to a kill. Roger Moore, James Bond. Takes place in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley. Who knew James Bond would be such a visionary? And Christopher Walken uh, trying to shut the, you know, shut it down. He was trying to get a, a spoiler alert. He was trying to get a lockdown on uh, silicon chips, you know, microprocessors. What, you know, he was ahead of the game. Okay, so Duran Duran. Okay, so then they get there and Walt's all mad because Jose didn't bring any food except chips and water and soda. And then Jose, Jose's like, do you got a cell service? I got to call my girl. You know, I got to make a personal call. Gracias por preguntar. And Walt's like, no, you can't use my phone. And then he's like, put the keys away. And then Jose puts them on this table. He's like, not there. Uh, something on a workstation, on the workstation. Uh, and then he puts the keys. Si una reita embrita. Oh, si una reita means like I've got one bar. Embrita, I think, is that your girlfriend Ninguna. Uh, then Jose takes the keys. He sticks them in the ignition. Of course, it's like, oh, uh foreshadowing or something because the light's blinking. Uh, vale porque no se las mete en el culo y pen de, uh, de la más bien. I think Jose says that under his breath when Walt ticks him off. And then the cook begins uh, cooking of uh, meth, meth, meth. 
It's got that great uh, lover dad song. And they drink out of beakers. That was the first thing. It was socio, they say. And I said, what the hell? That's the most unwalled thing I've ever seen about drinking out of beakers. Even I, who could barely pass any science or math-related courses, knows you never, ever drink out of a... It's crazy. This is the worst idea ever, Walt. Uh, so you could say that science kind of paid, you know, like I think the gods of chemistry said, oh boy, what in the heck is this guy doing? And then they made, you know, that was, uh, was it not a, uh, not miasma, but the other thing when you tick the gods off, uh, whatever it's called, when you say, hey, gods, I'm a big shot. And they say, oh, you think so? We're going to put you through the ringer this episode, Walt. Don't ever drink out of a beaker or anything. Didn't we teach you that the first day of chemistry school? Uh, but they take turns uh, sleeping. There's good music, more cooking. There's ice. I said that's strange. I said they're gonna keep. How long are they keeping that cold for? At eighteen twelve, they're eating chips. Oh no, eighteen twelve is one of the iconic shots of them sitting in chairs, looking out at the environment. And it's shot behind the chairs. And this one, Jose smoking. Uh, what coughs during cooking? There's a cool scene with Jose and the fan. Then there's Jose and Walt going to pee side by side. That's another kind of iconic scene. Uh, Jose picks a wedgie during that, by the way. And then the cook is finished. Is it una kilo cien gramos? And then they start talking money and doing math. What does this say? Espresso counting. Oh, oh, here we go. They're counting their money before before they have it. The time enough for counting when the dealing's done. And they say mil, trescientos mil, and Jose says in total. He says no, no, cada uno each. Uh, un, uh, vamos carajo, acaba, acabo. And they flip out. Even Walt smiles. They do a high five. They're cheering. And then the fan dies. And then they get in. I can't read that. Martes, maybe? Animo, animo. Jose's talking a lot. And he's talking about uh, something, feast I don't know what that is. That's just, that's an English word, but I can't read it. Oh, food. He's talking about food, feast It looks like, it's F-O-O-D, but in my handwriting, it looks like fee space C-T. F-E-E space C-T. Man. I'll be in talking about food, a hotel, a bed. Walt says, let's do it. Then the bus won't start. And then they have an argument about the key. There's funny music. It's a great fight. Holy good. It's just so funny, those two yelling at each other. Then there's a cut. Then they're siphoning gas off La Supo Mierda. Uh, Jose Walsh coffins after he drinks some gas wax and Jose spills the gas. Bueno, yeah, yeah. Uh, then would I put gas on the grenader? Oh, gas on the generator. Jose spills gas on the generator. Then there's the scene where Cielo's snooping around the house. I couldn't figure this one out. Uh, and then Walt Jr. snooping. And Pusseria, oh, I think that's like a Papusseria, maybe they're talking about going to. Maybe not, though. 
And then they call, and I said, is he calling his grandmother? What's he doing? Uh, but I couldn't figure out that scene. Then the, the, we have the bus and the generator to jump the bus. Fijo, Las Buscas, negative to positive. And then he's like, are you ready? And then Jose can't start the generator pre-Dala. Pre and Walt's making fun of him. Then he starts it, and then it starts. Uh, it gets a little hot, a little too hot. And at some point, Jose throws all the water on it. Haserduro. And Walt just glares at him. Mierda idiota. Hace algo drago, algo rapido, imbecile. Se apago. And then we're back at the house, and Walt Jr. Snoop, and he finds this uh, diary or a phone book or something. And he makes a call. I said, what is this? What are they looking for? Are they calling Grandma? And then Walt tries to start the engine. Uh, I think the, uh, not the, uh, the generator engine or something. Jose's trying to get the signal with this ridiculous tinfoil antenna, which is hilarious. And he's like, can we please use your phone, Walt? And Walt's like, no, I'm going to get busted. And then they just argue, and they're like, we have no water, no help, come on. And then Walt relents. Este se yolo, no sirve para nada. And Jose calls tripa. He gives him some crazy-ass directions. Teniamos. Walt's yelling in the background. And then Jose's like, see, that was easy. Buscarle, hagale. Then it's nighttime, it's cold. Jose's talking while Walt just rolls his eyes. Damore. And then someone says no, and Jose seems to want to make one last call. Recoja. Uh, we'll make one last call in Casey to find out where uh, Tripa is. Tomar say forgot. Uh, uh, but some, and then he calls him. Some part of the directions are wrong, but then the phone dies. Uh, Faltaba, Qual Rio, and then Jose's freaked it, freaked. And then their uh, lantern goes out. Then some time passes. Then it's the morning. Walt's working on the generator. He explains like his professorial plan to Jose, who does not seem impressed, but he's willing to help. Dondo, servo que ya. And it's very good acting because it looks like they were turning something that didn't like. Uh, it looked like he had the, the physical part of the acting was really hard. Like that the thing they were trying to pretend to crank wasn't working with them or it wasn't giving them the resistance they needed, they had to fake it. Because uh, they said it looks really loose, and then they keep taking turns. Mentiroso, Wolf falls into a deep sleep. Jose's like, what's up? He's like, esta bien. Uh, then he's like, are we done? He's like, no, a little more. Then uh, Jose asks about the methylamine, and I didn't know what that meant. He says, should we keep cooking while we're waiting? And then they keep uh, turning this thing over and over and over again, winding it up, winding it up. And then it's time to connect the battery pack in the bus. Abu, uh, Aboyalita. And then it starts, but then the bus dies right away. And Jose really, I said, you're going to hurt the bus, man. He really gets mad at the bus. And then he almost starts crying, Camiando. Uh, calm the hell down, I think. Uh, que harse. 
Well, coughs, he goes outside, and he's not doing so hot with the coughing. And then they're back in the bus, they're laying around, and Jose tries to get well spirit up. He says, is that parse, like partner? Usted es como, como el MacGyver, Scrioto, Criollo, or something. Hey, dude, you're like MacGyver. Uh, Demelias, un robot. Hey, I think he talks about intelligent world is. Anodo, he's like, we can figure something out. Then Walt says, oh, wait, I did figure something out. And he goes to, he becomes like science action man. Uh, hombre de cobre, celdas, asis, asistar. And he's like, oh, we're going to make a homemade battery. Then he drops some, like, Bill Nye-level battery shit on Jose. Like, totally explains it to him. Es un buena senal. But Jose doesn't get it. He's like, well, okay. Camine. Then uh, they assemble and connect the battery. And they try to start it, but it's not enough. And then they start it, and then it starts, and they roll out of there. Uh, and then we're at the airport drop-off, and we're, you know, used to... Jose's little red car this time. It seems like they've bonded because they talk calmly. Uh, the music starts the grand finale. Jose leaves, Walt, uh, ro- waves him out. And it, right as Jose rolls out, the wait, ready in the red ca- ca- hat and cape is there. K. Damos. I mean, a red woman again. And she came back out twice, I think. So it's a, geez, I, I don't know. It's my, I said, what is going on with this? I mean, maybe it's like a Colombian airport uh, friendly person. I don't know. And then we're at the doctor's office, at Walt's doctor's office with everyone. And the doctor seems to give them good news, but it's mixed. He says 80% to, percent down, I think. Henry's got another sweet shirt on. Uh, ya casi no falta, mu- falta mucho. Also, friend, what is, what is making you cough? Oh, they said, what is, they figure out what's what's up there. And it's some normal stuff or something. Cause he's like, I've been coughing up stuff. And then he says, K, Cielo says, K? Uh, so, so, everyone's happy. Yo sabia, yo sabia, mancha fe. Comun uh, tosiendo tarlo viste. But Walt's not happy. He goes to the bathroom, he washes his face, and he just makes a super frowny face in the mirror. And that's the end of the episode. So uh, there's your metastasis run through. All right, hey everybody, we're talking season two, episode nine of Breaking Bad, uh, four days out. And it, it starts with a water spout, which just happens to rhyme. And then it's quiet. Uh, I put double explanation point waiting room. Uh, Marie's in purple. And Hank's there. It was so supportive. Marie's in control. And Walt's like, hey, hit the road. Uh, you know, we're going to get the results. And, you know, Hank's like, don't worry, buddy. And then Marie offers her opinions about uh, PET, CT, you know, versus a PET. And don't skimp. You want both. You want the double. 
And she's like, why didn't you come to my lab where I work, Kleinman? And Skylar's like, like, this is where Walt's doctor is. And Marie's like, the Yelp of uh, PTCT scanning places, you know, but she works for the competitor, of course, which is kind of like what sometimes how things like Yelp work. And I Yelp, Yelp warriors, attorneys, uh, but she's like, well, geez, we get it a lot faster at my place. You're going to have to wait a while, and they're not that hard to read. I mean, I could read it if you want, Walt. And then she helps doctors as, you know, doctors, you know, they think they're so smart. And then Walt says, well, she said, I think I'm going to use the bathroom here. And he's trying not to cough, uh, but he, he gets the restroom. He's coughing a lot. They say, put paw sucks. What does that mean? Oh, paw socks is Walt has paw paw socks on, and a little purple pillow I put purple pillow and paw socks, which are the socks you wear, and they've got little grippers on them, little paw socks they call them. I didn't know that. I probably did, but I didn't. You know, wasn't doing a podcast about my life because she said it'd be intolerably boring, not moderately boring. But usually, I can't remember what color they were. I don't think they were the usual tan. I think my mom's were tan. I'm just, you know, doing my real life. And I say, because hers were definitely tan. I don't know if they were paw socks. I'm surprised I didn't notice that. But they did have the grips on them. There's some sound effects. Then Walt checks in with the tech. Hey, can you tell me what's going on there? He's like, oh, no, wait for you got to wait for the doctor. And then there's this picture. I thought that was interesting choice. Of the Outer Banks, and Walt's looking at this painting or picture, a framed picture of the, or poster or print of the Outer Banks. And in it is a reflection of the results of a scan, which he looks at it via reflection. And he says, oh boy. And then it opens uh, with Walt and Saul talking money laundering. And it's just hilarious. I mean, it doesn't get any better than, like I said, Bob Odenkirk and Brian Cranston. Except for when, you know, Brian and Aaron Paul are arguing. But, you know, Saul's like, we could take care of the money laundering. Uh, But he's like, you should let your wife know. And Walt's like, she'll find out when I'm gone. And then he's like, well, how much time? He's like, weeks, maybe. And Saul's like, "Sorry, sorry to hear that. Because I was hoping we'd make some real money. Oh, well, he goes, let's let's do the math here. And he goes, how much? Well, it's like 16 Gs. And he's like, really? And Walt's like, yeah, we've had some, uh, you know, situations. And he's like, okay, if you launder it, you're only getting 75 cents a dollar, plus I take 17%, so that's around a little under 10 Gs. He goes, you can buy a secondhand car. And Walt's like, we're going to cook more, a lot more. And, and Sal says, well, that's my legal opinion, too. Make hay while the sun's shining. And then we have Walt and Skyler. She's like, let's do something this weekend. And Walt's like, well, I think I need to see Mom. Another, another mystery doled out here of Walt and his mom. And she's like, really? He's like, yeah, you know, I've been keeping secrets, and, and I've been keeping them from Mom, too. And she's like, you think it's going to be bad news? She's like, I need you to be positive, Walt. And he's like, well, positive and factual. Or He goes, I can do both, maybe. You got to be prepared, but what, Cub Scouts? 
And she's like, I'm just trying to be hopeful. And he's like, I need to know mom's going to take care of you guys if I'm not here. And I'm learning every penny of it. And then he does a little material on his mom yelling at the staff and about uh, stealing sugar, the, the workers. And Skyler's like, I think we're going to be have good news, and you should prepare for a good news, Walt. Which is, oh, you know, great. And uh, also my notes here says that uh, Walt's material was more deadpan than uh, Walter Blanco's. Uh, and, and much like Walter Blanco was way more animated, he was doing more voices when he was imitating his mom. And then we have another scene. We have yellow sheets. We've got some lovey-dovey action. We're talking art. We're talking Jane and Je- Jesse sitting in a a bed. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Uh, they're talking art. There's, I noticed that Jesse has a lot of milk crates with candles on them. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a upscale, downscale. You know, I got the candles. I got the crates. I got everything covered. Uh, Jane goes downstairs to eat. She's eating Crunchberry cereal. I said, is that a product placement or not? There's a lot of cereal on this show. And then I said to myself, uh, you know, just, I said, well, she's like, I go for some Crunchberry. I, I do like the crunch. The problem is with the, the Captain Crunch, it gets caught in my teeth. But that's more the Captain side of it than the Crunchberry side of it. Those are more, you know, fa- actually, I could, maybe I should go get some. It's probably like seven ninety nine at Seven Eleven, so probably I shouldn't. So there you go, uh, General Mills or Post. You know, you made your money. And then we have Walt call. Jesse's on the phone. I said, where's Walt calling from? Uh, it was very cavernous. Uh, was it the high? I said, where is that he's calling from? I mean, I, I guess I just said that two seconds ago. What I said was, huh, where is he calling from? And then we're at the airport. And uh, Skylar's dropping Walt off, but I like how he's like she he she he's like okay you want me she's like no 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 call because I don't want to have to accidentally talk to your mom I won't be calling you that was a nice coverage of a possible st- trouble spot with the story so that was cover you know for later. And then Jesse rolls up in the RV and Walt gives him the look and he says you brought a meth lab to the airport. And he's like, you, you said you were in a hurry. He's like, this is save us a trip here. And I'm pretty sure Walt said, did you bring the flux capacitors? But I'm not positive about that. I think it was reflux condensers. But I said, I said did, he, did he say, did you bring flux capacitors? And then we got good music while they're mo- going, uh, moving world maybe. And I, sh- I guess I should have figured it out while I was playing. I forgot. A road trip sequence. And then we got Walt as a, a critic because he says, okay, uh, how much you got? He goes, what do you got? Three? He goes, this is all you got? Three bags of Funyuns? Jesse's like, Funyuns are awesome. And Walt's like, ah. Jesse says, well, that's fine. That's more for me. He goes, you got no protein, nothing green. And then Jesse's phone, uh, it doesn't get any service, and he's like, uh, well, well, it's like, well, I have service. He's like, can I use your phone? He's like, no. And he's like, he goes, well, Jesse's like, I gotta talk to my girlfriend. It's personal. And he's like, I don't need Skylar calling a stripper by accident. He's like, she's not a stripper jerk. 
And then, well, complains about the, you got the water? He's like, uh, 10 gallons. Yeah, that's enough. Uh, Jesse throws his keys down. Well, goes, that's our workstation. And Jesse goes, workstation? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, to really, he says, why don't you put the keys where they won't get lost? Uh, considering this is our only, you know, keys and we're in the middle of nowhere. And when Jesse tells Walt where he can put the keys, then we have a cook, cook sequence, and then Jesse, of course, puts the keys in you know, ignition. Was a mistake. And while Walt's talking to Jesse, I noticed Jesse's mouth was open a bit, like Walt's calling him a moron, and his mouth was kind of open a little bit, like a moron. And then we have this super cook uh, sequence. Everything you got song is playing. It's a hot day. It's a cold night. They take turns sleeping. Uh, we have one of the iconic shots of them uh, with lawn chairs. It's sunset. Jesse's smoking while well, eating Funyuns, as a matter of fact, against the big sky. And then also the, the peeing sequence. And then they're like, okay, that's it. 42 pounds. Or, you know, 41 plus 8 ounces or something. What did I say? 19 bags. Something. I don't know. I can't read all my writing. Oh, I don't know, but he, uh, Wolf figures it out. He goes, yeah, it's $672,000 cash. And Jesse's like, really? And he, well, it says each. And he's like, each. He goes, 672000 And then he's like, hell yeah, high five, baby. They do a single high five. In Colombia, they did a double high five, I think, which would be a high 10, I guess. Does anybody ever call it a high 10? Do people even call it a high five anymore? Uh, then the generator dies. Walt still wants to keep cooking, but Jesse gives him this great argument. Oh, because Walt's whole way of getting Jesse to do this uh, marathon cook was to say the methylamine was going stale and this was the last weekend they could use it. So then Walt's like, we're going to empty this whole barrel. And he's like, come on, where's your ambition? And Jesse's like, we're ahead of a schedule. He goes, we got to get gas for the generator, propane. I got back, my back hurts. He goes, we'll take the night off. We got till Tuesday. He goes, we come back, we'll sizzle it up. And he goes, there's a Denny's, get a Grand Slam, a hot shower, a bed. Well, it's like separate rooms that could do this. And then they go, Jesse says, that's a given. And then they go to start the car. They jump, you know, they're so excited. And then it won't start. And Walt says, when I told you to put the keys in a safe place, where'd you put them? He goes, right in the ignition. And he goes, oh. He goes, it didn't buzz, the buzzer. Uh, he goes, Walt's like, what, the buzzer? It, it buzzes when you put the keys in, so you know that it's draining that. And it didn't buzz. And he's like, I didn't do anything. I'm not stupid. And, uh, you know, they go back and forth. And then Walt says, is it genetic? Or is it congenital? Did your mother, what did your, he goes, and Jesse's like, you were the one that made me move the keys. Uh, and Walt really, he says, Jeez, oh, did you want me to give you exact instructions of what to do with the keys? And they, it's just a great argument. And he goes, you and your workstation are back and forth. And then he's like, okay, we got to jump the battery. Oh, one more thing and one more note I put. I said, is Jesse the only person on earth who could deal with Walt's attitude? Like, he's such a perfect character, and he's such a per perfect personality. He's, like, the only person. I mean, he has the ability to, to be assertive with Walt, but also to kind of absorb some of it. Where I mean, I could not. Uh, holy moly. Me and Walt would probably last. Uh, well, we probably would have got him. Maybe, well... Who knows? I don't know. I can't. Fan fiction time, I guess. If I was in Walt's class, 
He would have probably just take, you know, he would have gone broke bad earlier with me. But then they take gas out of the, the the gas tank. They put it into the generator. Well, it has actually a gas face, which was good because he drank the gas by accident. Then he says, ready, pull. And then they argue about how tough Jesse is because uh, he can't get the generator started. Uh, and he, he said, come on, well, pull, really pull Jesse, just pull this. He goes, I'm warming it up. And then the uh, generator overheats, you know, and then Jesse dumps the water on it to stop it from overheating. And Walt says, well done. You know, that was our water. And then Jesse's got his own homemade cell phone antenna. And he's like, dude, I can't get a signal. We have to use your thing. The generator's ruined. And Walt's like, I understand you ruined it. And Jesse's like, that's not what happened. And and Walt's like, yes, it is. And then Jesse says, Walt says, well, you know, I, you also dumped all of our water. Uh, and he says, excuse me for thinking on my feet. He goes, oh, that was it. You were thinking. Now we know the problem. And Jesse's like, look, Mr. Realist, let's call somebody. They got to come get us. And he's he's like, he goes, come on, Mr. White. And he goes, okay, make it quick because the phone's batteries. And he calls Skinny Pete. He says, come get us. And he had another Chinese throwaway funny line. He says, you got a pen? And he goes, a pencil's fine, Pete. It doesn't matter. So he gives a... You know, these crazy directions. Then we have a big sky. Oh, the big sky sun sundown. That was around then, too. A nice big sky shot. And then we have a little uh, bedtime story. While well, Walt's wearing a polka-dotted uh, uh, cap and one of Jesse's graphic hoodies, he talks about some Discovery Channel guy who uh, who was out in the desert. And he says, let's check on Pete. Uh and then Pete's law, he goes, what, he goes, did you go, he goes, what river? He goes, oh, I went over the river. He goes, I don't know. And then the phone dies. And then Walt lies down to go to sleep. Then their lantern dies. Then Walt's cough and he wakes Jesse up. Then they go outside in the morning. Oh, no, Jesse's asleep and Walt's cough outside wakes him up. And he's like, what are you doing? Well, it's like, I'm going to trickle charge the battery. And he goes, just turn this thing, the commutator, it's a ge- what generates electricity. He goes, usually the engine, you know, does it, but it's total, so we'll just use that elbow grease. But theoretically, it should work. And then they, you know, he's like, okay. And then at some point, Jesse goes, okay, uh, methylamine doesn't spoil it, or does it? At some point, uh, I think before that, Wald uh, had passed out with a boogie, uh, boogie double? Buggy double? I don't know what that says. Buggy. Will passes out with a buggy double. Uh, Shepherd's hat. So he made a hat out of something. Bungee. Oh, double bungee. That's what it is. See, I can, sometimes I can, uh, double bungee shepherd hat. Like, kind of like he was in the school play or something. And that's when Jesse says, you know, my much methylamine doesn't spoil. And then there's more cranking. Then the it almost starts. 
And then at some point, Jesse's looking for Walt. He's like, Mr. White. And Walt's like sitting out on the grass alone. Then it's night, they're in cots side by side. Well, they're like, I had this coming. I deserve this. And it was like, Jesse, like, snap out of it, man. You did this for your family. And then Walt's like, well, all I managed to do was, you know, let them down. And the lies, and I can't even keep them straight. And Jesse's like, I can't take this. I'm going to walk back. Uh, he goes, I can't, oh, I can't find my shoe. And Walt's like, you need electrolytes, uh, potassium, sodium, calcium. And this is a hilarious sequence because he says, he goes, you can't walk back. And Jesse's like, quit crying and think of something scientific. You're, you're a scientist. Do it. He goes, you know, you figured out that bean stuff. You're smart. He goes, we got a lab, then Jesse gets going. He's like, we'll mix up some rocket fuel, send up a flare, or maybe a robot, a robot, or a homing device, or a new battery, or a doom buggy. You know, let's make a doom buggy out of this thing. And then Walt's like, wait, wait, did you say battery? He goes, you got any money? And Jesse's like, yeah, I got it. He goes, coins? Yeah, I got some. He goes, get them together in nuts and screws, galvanized stuff. The brake pads. He goes, what are we, are we going to build a robot? And we'll say, no, a battery. We're going to build a battery. Some way there's a shot of a, pl- a plane just going overhead, leaving a, uh, the trail, the whatever, the ice trail or whatever. I thought that was interesting. I mean, it must have been some, it must have, it was there for a reason. I couldn't figure out the reason, but I liked it. Maybe it's just atmospheric. And then Will starts dropping some Mr. Wizard-level shit on Jesse about batteries and, mer- you know, stuff, mercury, oxide, cathodes, and st- electrolytes, and anodes and stuff, flow current, and zinc, and sponges, potassium hydrochloride. And then he even gets, he says, what will we conduct our beautiful current with? Uh, what, 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 uh... What what element? And Jesse says a wire. And Walt says, well, it's copper. It's a wire. And then he goes, well, we got a six-cell battery here. Let's see how it goes. And then they they attach it to the, the and then the, Walt hits the gas a few times. And he tries twice to start it. And then the third time's a charm. It starts. They're back at the airport after that. I noticed Walt was wearing a brown sport coat that clashed with a maroon. Like both of them had checks or designs on them. They really clashed. And then we see that they've bonded because Jesse says, you know, he says, I know I can trust you. Whatever happens, your family's going to get the money. And they say, so I'll, I'll be hearing from you. And then they push in close to Walt uh, shot. And then there was the doctor talking about uh, small talk. Everyone's at the doctor's office. You know, when does that baby come in? And he goes, it'll, it'll come. And he's like, well, the doctor really good at building. He says, you're showing some remission. Well, let me tell you what remission is, you know. It doesn't mean you're cured. He goes, it technically only means it hasn't grown. But he goes, usually I like to say, you know, if it's 25 to 35% reduction, your your treatment's working. And he goes, "Uh, you, 80%, buddy, 80%. And everyone's like, that's very, very good news. And then Hank does a godfather, and he goes, are you kidding? He goes, just when I'm out, they pull me back in, which was brilliant. And Walt's coughing, he's like, yeah, you got to, he goes, you got some radiation. Uh, He goes, we got to do something about that cough. And Walt's like, yeah, it's been pretty bad. He's like, well, you got to be honest with me about this stuff. Keep me up to date here. And he goes, well, we'll, we'll take care of that. And he goes, no more secrets, Walt. 
And then everyone's celebrating. He goes, it's time to get out of here and have a party, everybody. And then we have Walt alone in the bathroom, and we have the water from the faucet that kind of matches up with the water flowing out of the uh, the spigot at the beginning, which is nice. And then Walt's splashing on his face, and uh, he he's, he's he's very upset uh, that he's cured, or that he you know, his Jekyll and Hyde ask you know this Walt. So that's Breaking Bad. All right, language of learning here. We're back uh, with the uh, way we used to do it uh, with the spreadsheet versus. So, you know, mistakes from last week will not be repeated. Most of that wasn't on uh, tape anyway, though. But we started with SOS Camo. This is calm. That is calm. Uh, bueno por los menos no uh, tan a re uh, mitad. Well, at least not uh, uh, not as old half. Semanas a week. Uh, algunos openas, uh, some openas. Uh, perdóname, y, y, bo, y al baño dicen que y no, no se debe aguantar la ganas. Uh, forgive me and say in bathroom should not stifle her desire. Should not stifle her desire. I love that. Uh, seguro, seguro, insurance, insurance. Uh, vestir, uh, wear. Salio, it came out. Uh, that's what I said, you know, it just came out of my mouth. Salio. Uh, decir nada no hay problema. Uh, say anything, no problem. Oh, say anything. I think we had that a couple weeks ago. Uh, Decir nada. Uh, say anything. Uh, Labar la plata es facimel. Washing money is easy. Mad stacks. Plata, mad stacks. Uh, Guap, as we used to say a couple of years ago. Uh, One year ago on the podcast, I'm addicted to the guap. Uh... He's a reach, uh, reach, oh, he's a, we still don't know what that means. Uh, uh, make you rich, maybe, because uh, Rika's rich. He's a Rika. Lo siento, lo siento mucho. So sorry, sorry. Uh, amor, por favor, te lo suplico. Uh, please, love, I beg you. Ayuda, uh, can you help me? Uh, yeah, amor, favor. Por favor, te lo suplico. Just say that. Love, please, I beg you, for ayuda, for some help. Uh, and then when the person says, you say, no, yo sé que es duro. I know it's hard to help me, you know, when I'm, I'm being so, you know, baboras. Uh, uh, Verla, go see her. She, she, maybe she could help you. Verla, go see her. Uh, es capaz de llevar uh, al cura del pueblo. He is able to cure people. Uh, listen, or something, maybe. Toca, don't touch, don't touch me, no toca. Uh, if you have any kids under the age of eight, uh, toca is a great, uh, they make great apps for, for kids. Uh, toca, T-O-C-A. Uh, I haven't tried Toca City, I've tried Toca Town. 
Uh, Toka Taylor's good. There's Toka Barber, Toka Barber 2, Toka Kitchen. Usually they're free for like a day or two. So I don't know if you, Toka City I hear is pretty good. might be worth the money. The rest of them, Toka Pet Doctor, that's a good one. Toka Doctor's good. Sponsored to you, this is sponsored by uh, Crunchberries, believe it or not. Not Toka, but, you know, uh, Toka, Touch, uh, Touch Games. Uh, Salgamo said, uh, let's go out. You know, let's go out. I can help you then, Ayuda. Uh, El Mambo, S. El Museo de Arte Moderno de, de Bogota. Mambo's the modern art museum of Bogota. I knew that. <laughs> Anote, make a note of it. I knew something. Anote. Un poquito de arte no te va a matar. A little bit of art won't kill you, honey buns. That's what Yana says to Jose Miguel. Uh, plane claro. Me imagino es planes. I imagine uh, the split planes are clear. Is clear planes? Uh, maybe. Uh, come here. Oh, oh, God. Close your ears. I almost say it didn't translate, but. Uh, Walt's talking about imagining Jesse's planes. It says, Comer chitos hacer, hacerse. La playa, paja, y fumar pot. Eat Cheetos, jerk something, and smoke pot. More marijuana, he says. Uh, oh, ven, venacer, anotar, beat note. Uh, I no quiero que te vayas. I, I don't, ah, I don't want you to go. Oh, she's no one's ever said that to me. Uh, tu los buscas? Do you seek him? I do. I seek the one that could make sense of my nonsense. Ohala? No, ohala. Hopefully, not, not hopefully. Hmm. Uh, Salida, it's time for my departure. It's not time for my departure yet. Uh, uh, so until it's time for my Salida, could you porte bien, behave well? Or Tabian children. Uh, it's not time for my salida yet. Uh, gracias preguntar. Did not translate. How about this one? Uh, si una rayita. If a hairline. That's like the start of something. If a hairline looks you at your cross, shave it or something. I don't know. If a hairline is obvious, you use one of those things. What is a barber? They have those things. Really, it's like scissors, but they have jagged teeth, and I think it's like a, like a, what do you call that, a shader or something, I don't know. So they would say, you know, si uno rayita, use that thing. Uh, if a hairline's too obvious, you know, you got ripped off. Uh, Hembrita Ninguna, uh, girl, I think Hembrita's girlfriend, but I spelled it wrong, no girlfriends. Uh, vale, por qué no? Se las mete en el, el, el culo y bandera, bandera más bien. Worth that cannot get into the ass of el culo. And rather, bandejo, bandelo. I used to think, you guys know, I thought that was bandejo, but it's bandejo, bandela, bandela. I think that means, I don't know, I think that means asshole, but I'm not positive which one. I know I've been called it. 
And I said, oh, is it? that was like when I, I told the story once when I, when I was in grammar school, I thought asshole was asshole, O-L-D. Just kind of like as an adult, I thought bandejo was bandejo. It sounds like an easy mistake. Luckily, not like when I was in fifth grade and I wrote on someone's notebook, asshole, over and over again. Not to hurt that person because it just took, well, I guess, I guess I could have, it would have hurt them either way. They would have got busted for it or uh, they thought I was writing it about them, but I just wanted to write asshole out a lot. And then they made it hard to cover up when I said, who wrote this? Because in my handwriting, one's dead giveaway. Two, I was probably the only kid calling other kids assholes. And, you know, if I if I was in, like, a bed, what's that movie uh, where he goes back to kindergarten? Billy Madison in Espanol, I would be calling kids bandejo as the, you know, older man and, and children. And they'd be like, oh, it's bandejo. Oh, well, I didn't say it. it wasn't me. It was that other kid, the one, that kid over there. Anyway, socio, we know that means partner. Uh, one, cien gramos, 100 grams. Uh, mil trescientos millones en todo cada, uh, todo uno. A uh, thousand and three hundred million, uh, total each. Uh, cabo, we're finished, man. Uh, bominos, uh, carajo, uh, let's go. F-bomb. Uh, animo, animo, a uh, lo bien. I encourage you, encourage you, good. Uh, uh, la supo mierda. He knew the shit. Uh, bueno, yeah, yeah. Bueno now, already, let's go. Uh, pusaria, put. But it might have been papusaria. Fijo, fixed. Las bu- la buscas, uh, you look for. Okay, I'm back. I had to actually cut something out because it was so bad. Uh, it'll be in the bloopers for this episode. Holy cow. Uh, hacer duro, do hard. Uh, how got algo, trigo, algo, rapido, imbecile. Uh, do something quickly. Now bring me something, idiot. Uh, se apago, it turned off. Este seyoro no sirve por nada. Ah, uh, fuck. This is good for nothing. Uh, teníamos, we had, buscarle, seek, hagale, make, demore, delay, recoja, collect, tomarse, taking, fogata, word, wood, fire, faltaba, he's missing, qual rio, which river, dando, giving, acevo, yeah, seiro, nothing, uh, mentirioso, liar, Abuelita, grandma, granny. Uh, caminando, I'm gonna go walking. Okay, Arce, could to complain? You keep complaining. This one, this is definitely the title of the episode. Uh, parse, you know, pay partner. Uh, ustedes como, uh, como el MacGyver Creole. You're like, you're like the Creole MacGyver. That's what Google translated into, but it got MacGyver right. Uh, de Melas, de Melas, no. Anonde, oh, anode, anode. Alabre de Cobre, copper, uh, something, wire probably. Uh, Celdas, cells, assistar, I think that means help me. 
I just spelled it wrong. Es un buena señal. It's a good sign uh, when those things spark. Camine, walk with me. Uh, que damos, what were? Uh, ya casi no falta mucho. Almost, it won't be long. Pues a ver, we'll see. Suya, yours, yours, yours truly. Suya. Cito, it's been, Cito, uh, something, it's been fun. Uh, Mancha Fe, Stain Faith. I think that's a band, I, you know. I saw them live at the Lost Horizon. That was like the rock club in Syracuse that played, uh, most kinds of music. Syracuse didn't have a lot of, at least that I was allowed into or knew about, but they played metal, punk. I think there was a band, Stain Faith. I think they were called Mancha Fe. Stain faith. If, if, if I ever live a second life, you know, in the uh, Billy, Billy, Billy Madison starring Scooter, uh, I'll be, I'll, I'll start a band, Stain Faith, Mancha Fay. Uh, yo sabia y sabia, I knew and know. Uh, that's what Henry says. Uh, Comun, common. Uh, Trentarlo Viste, how do you treat dresses? Well, I don't, I just enjoy them, you know. Enjoy wearing them or enjoy looking at them? What was the question again? How do you treat dresses, Trentarlo Viste? Oh, I thought you said, how do I like the view? Can we move on to the next thing? But, uh, uh, Tosiendo, coughing, quit your coughing. Okay. All right, that's the end of our language learning. And you have yourself a wonderful night, all right? You know, just dream of, uh, you know, goofy man speaking in Spanish to you. Okay. Oh, uh, adios. Uh, uh. E, 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 o. A, e, o. Bye bye. All right. Now, as we end our show, I want to do some leisurely thank yous. Uh, kind of like a show I didn't really watch, but where they would wave a bit in Romper Room. So I want to say goodnight. I want to say it over on the email. I want to say goodnight, Kate. Goodnight, Audrey. Eleanor, goodnight. Rachel, goodnight, Patty. Sleep well. Uh, goodnight, Eric. Goodnight, Julie. Goodnight, Tara. Over on Facebooky Poo, I want to say goodnight, Amanda. Good night, Robert. Good night, Robin. Ashley, good night. Anne, sleep tight. Miriam, rest well. Laura, you know, hope your pillow's soft. Meg, you know, I hope you hope your your room is perfect temperature. Chevy, sleep so nice. Allison, good night. Uh, commenting on the website, thank you and good night to Miriam and Michael. A sweet good night to Leslie and Jen separately, but and then I want to say good night to our friends over on Twitter. Good night for Twitter friends. Good night, Carla. Good night, Jonathan. Good night, Jenny. Good night, Marnie and Fat Anarchy. Sword Sexty, good night. Ryan, good night. Samuel, good night, Houston. Good night, David B. Good night, Rebecca. Good night, Pam. Good night, Anna. Good night, uh, Babs. Good night, The Bug. Good night, Ingrid. Good night, Derek. Good night, Mary. Good night, uh, Taylor. Good night, 
Believer, good night, Ben. Good night, Eli. Good night. And our iTunes reviews from com slash iTunes. Good night to Lulu, 10,000 or 100,000, who says, but how and how. Uh, APT342 says, sleep with me, and they've updated the review so many times. That's so nice. They've been listening for a while, and they just, I guess this works since 11.4.14. Thank you, APT342, DMC, MCD, DMC says it really works. Good night. The king of croutons, the crouton king, fell in love the first night. Good night, crouton king. Good night to your 12-year-old son. I feel like a good night moon a little bit. Uh, Bog- Wagner MK, Wagner MK says it works like a charm. Good night. Mr. Fancy Man says it works and more of the best. Thank you, Fancy Man. Lux Delirious says it didn't work initially, but they stuck with it. Thank you. Uh, looks delirious. Uh, B Fork says it's strangely amazing. They don't know how it works. Well, neither do I. Good night. Andy Fetter gives us five Z's and says we're a calming voice and put them to sleep. Thank you, Andy Fetter. Oh, Andy works the night shift too. Uh, Weird Mom says we're a great, great tool. Good night, Weird Mom. So happy and out like a light. Sweet relief from Hunter. Thank you, Hunter. Good night. Ero 11, don't be a skeptic. Soothing and intriguing. Good night, Ero. Miss M311, a weird but awesome and busy mind. Can't catch any Z's, but now, good night. Ryan NC-17, no kids allowed to Ryan. It says we're a great podcast, and they stumbled on it. The dulcet tones and humorous randing, ramblings. Thank you, Ryan. Good night. I Love Apps 229. Good night. Uh, we really helped out I Love Apps. Good night. Wow, from Robeth. And recommending it to Robeth's friends. Just don't recommend it to Lady Macbeth. Thank you. Good night. Works as advertised for Hotlanta Mike. Good night. Funny high five says we're a grown-up school worm. And they've had trouble sleeping their whole adult time. But wandering humorous tangential storyline helps the brain shut down. Sometimes they laugh, but then they sleep. Give us a shot. Thank you. Good night. And then Button Willow SF says, I sleep so well now. Oh, Scooter's a saint, a sweetheart, and a... Oh, Scooter's a saint. Thank you, Button Willow. Good night, and good night to all our friends out there, even you. Little brain bottle, you go to...
to sleep too. Go to sleep. Rest well. Just breathe and sleep into your bed. Or slip into your bed. Or sink into your bed, okay? And if you need another show, go ahead and play another one. I'll be there right on the other side. Good night. Hey, you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. Uh, I'm going to do the rest. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's running through your brain, whatever's racing, whatever thoughts, feelings, or bodily sensations have got you up tossing and turning. I'm going to try to distract you from those things. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to reach my hand and my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to try to use lulling, soothing tones, pointless meanders, uh unresolved metaphors pregnant pauses and stuff like that a lot of silly stuff uh, to, to give you something to listen to but, but you don't have to grasp tightly around what I'm saying say so, well geez okay this is just a friendly person here uh, chitter chattering you know just like I think I've used this but like an old man at a bus stop and you say well geez he's clearly you know harmless and it was a little bit uh, off-kilter or something. Now, now I guess uh, usually I go into a long-winded metaphor here. Uh, believe it or not, but believe it or not, I realize that this is the opening for episode 300, which I recorded last night. And I'm recording the intro the day the night after just because of the way my schedule works. And so I think we deserve just a ten, you know, introduction of reflection because uh, the show's a regular, regular show. You know, not run of the mill. There's some odd stuff in there. Uh, I almost mix uh, mix Catherine Hepburn up with somebody else, but I didn't. In the episode coming up, not a spoiler because that would be if I did mix her up, but I didn't. I don't think. And, but, but uh, some of you might be new here. I want to say welcome. Uh, some of you might have started listening in the past six months to a year, and some of you might have been listening almost two years since the show started. And I want to thank all of you uh, for checking the show out. And, and you may have some questions, and, and I probably will make this, you know, I probably won't answer those questions. But I was thinking, huh, what questions, especially newer people might have, but even people that, uh, but I want to cover, uh, well, I really, again, I really appreciate all the support I've gotten since we started the show, all the encouragement, all the interaction, all the friendliness. Uh, for a person, you know, I'm, and I know this might sound strange to people that, uh, because I do this podcasting, I'd be so but I'm a really a hardcore introvert. And, uh, so this, uh, so, and, and again, I guess it's, uh, someone like the other day used paradox, it's paradoxical or enigmatic or whatever, uh, how I do this podcast or I enjoy, I enjoy performing and being silly and I, I don't get it at all, but maybe I don't need to understand, you know, all that stuff. 
But you might say, geez, some of you might be like, well, why did you start the podcast? How did you start the podcast? And I'll just give you that brief story is that uh, I have this idea of the podcast for a while. I said, geez, I've, ever since the podcast, towards the beginning, if anybody was following me on podcast day, I, I love podcasts. I've been listening for a long time. I can't be 100% positive that I listened on an MD player or whatever the hell those things were. But I'm pretty sure I did download podcasts. So before even, but, but, but not important because I, I'm never an early adopter. I'm a second round adopter because I'm cheap or pragmatic or both. And I don't think that's a term, second second round adopter. But uh, so I say, and I've always loved telling stories. And, and one of the genesis of the podcast, which you've heard, is that I couldn't sleep. I had a lot of trouble sleeping as a kid. Another part of the podcast is that I shared a room. I come from my oldest of six kids. I shared a room with my brother. Sometimes we both have trouble sleeping and we would play this game, though he claims he doesn't remember this. Uh, so maybe I was the only, maybe I was just stupid, but I would make up boring stories, pointless stories. And we, I thought we were supposed to take turns. So maybe I got ripped off on this deal. But I'd say, yeah, oh, did I tell you about the candy machine today? Uh, standing there, and I said, well, geez, how many red gumballs are in there? One, two, and then they said they said something over the speaker about the store, and then I went back to the red gumballs, and it, it just kind of boring stories like that, or maybe they'd be silly, and they say, geez, well, then I heard a, a squeakety-squawk, you know, exactly like the podcast, and not, not much improvement. And in some sense, improving over the imagination of a child is, is tough anyway. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking myself. And then as I got older, I didn't have, uh, every once in a while, I'd say, hey, give me a couple words. I'll make up a story for you. You know, if we'd be sitting out at a picnic or the grass or something. This was every once in a while because it took a lot of courage or whatever it is to, to put myself out there like that. But I always love telling silly stories, just that one of the things I enjoy doing and my imagination, I don't know, it happens to be a place where people say, wait, what, that's going through your brain? Really? So I'd want to do this podcast, and I said, well, she said, that could be something I could do a podcast about. And then my brain bots, my internal critics, whatever you want to call it, said, that's a dumb, you know, and I said, yeah, that is a dumb idea. You're right, guys. I'll just forget about that. And, you know, I don't know how many people have done this, but then you you say, well, Jesus, oh, I know those other ideas you got, little kids in my brain. They're bad ideas. I need to be an adult now and doing adult stuff. And I think I took that attitude. I was stuck in that thing where I was like, I don't know what the hell is I'm doing as an adult. And I don't know what the hell I want to do. But I guess I should turn my back on all this kid stuff, and maybe one day I could be a writer or I could do something creative. But for now, and that started a road of, of uh, failed uh, careers, attempts. I, I had, a, uh, let's see, I was a PE teacher. That went pretty well, but that was a year volunteer program. Uh, then it was a temp for a while, a different temp place. It's pretty good. I was pretty good at being a temp, uh, but that's not, you know, obviously career-wise, that's not the best. Uh, then I took up a, someone on a business opportunity to start my own furniture business, and that went spectacularly horribly. It, while I was doing that, I, I worked at a, a smoothie 
and coffee shop to pay the bills. I should have known right away I shouldn't have got into business, uh, like sales, selling furniture and stuff, but I, I still stuck it out, I think, for either six or eight years or ten years. And I already knew right away that I wasn't, but, but I, you know, I'm stubborn, too. Uh, but that went bad. It ended in bankruptcy. And then I worked for, I, I was, and this is not making this up, I worked for my friend's business, Fuzzy Dude, uh, I think Incorporated was the name of their business. And they were a wholesaler of fuzzy dice that you'd hang in your car and iron-on patches and stickers. And I worked for them selling stuff and helping them at trade shows. And I'd say it wasn't that great at that either. But they were real nice and they kept me around. Then I went for Then I said, well, geez, I'm not good. You know, I almost put their business out of business too, I think, just because they were being nice to me, keeping me around as a job. Uh, Then I went and became an insect trapper uh, looking for... Uh, invasive fruit flies uh, for the state, well, for the county uh, county I live in, but it's part of a California program. That's a job that I love, but again, I don't have any science background. And uh, so I couldn't, it wasn't really a good choice as far as, it was a good job for someone like 10 years younger than me, or maybe five years. But anyway, I did that. And then I got into my current job where I work for a library system, helping out with some libraries. And all along the way, you know, I, I just never could find my way. And, and the whole time I had this, uh, you know, say, geez, I'd like to be more creative. I'd like to do creative stuff. But I had trouble following through on it. And then I sort of, after I, uh, uh, but then I was following through a little bit more on writing some stuff. And then I was writing some stuff with a couple other guys, and we got along pretty good, and we were writing some stuff together. But we, 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 we me and one other, we, I'm a tough person to work with, let's just say that. And so that didn't work out. But right when that fell apart, I said, oh, I at least had the wisdom because we, we, I had like at least learned how to set aside time and focus time to work on stuff outside of work. And at least say when that when me and these other guys were like, okay, we're not going to write any more together. It's not working. Uh, I said, well, geez, I could start that podcast. I have this time. Let's start this podcast to put people to sleep. And so I said, well, let's try it and see how it goes. That was a little under two two years ago, coming up on two years. And I can't, and I'm sure I'll talk more about this on the show, but that's, I guess, what led to the podcast. And I think it's funny that it led to the podcast because so much of what I think gets in the way for me falling asleep, but a lot of you that I hear from, it might not be the same thing, but it might be relatable, it might be feelings, it, it might be pain. Or it might be painful thoughts or critical thoughts or mean thoughts you have about yourself or just something pick, pick, picking away at you. And, and I had to get over that stuff to start the podcast, which is weird. I don't know. I don't know. A lot of stuff is counterintuitive or hard to explain. But then I just kept following through on the podcast. They said, oh, geez, let's do see if we can do it once a week. And I said, well, if people are listening to this, and they said, we should do it twice a week. And I said, well, we should do it three times a week. And then eventually found this rhythm with three shows a week that that was uh, sustainable. 
And I'm trying to figure out, you know, with the, the, to, to how to keep it sustainable because, you know, I've been pushing really hard. But, but that's a whole other conversation. It's going well, figuring all that out. And again, it, it's about overcoming, I guess, my, I guess maybe self-destructive is too harsh a word. But you probably know what I mean. The same thing that says, hey, I, you, I'm going to keep you up all night worrying. Or just like, you'll never figure out how to get to sleep tonight. Whatever those voices are, you'll never figure This podcast, I mean, I honestly, I, I've done this for two years. I have so many of you that are so supportive, but there's still a, a very powerful voice in my part of me that says, this is going to end horribly for you. And it says, you know, almost every day, it says, hey, 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 Scooter, sit down here. This podcast thing is going to be a disaster, man. You're screwed. What the hell are you doing? And I have to, you know, say, okay, well, I'm just going to do it again today. And then I guess you'll be here tomorrow. So we'll talk about this again tomorrow. Or, for, you know, whatever. We all you have to distract myself, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's what I do here. I have no idea. But I don't know. I, I, I think it's a useful, lulling, soothing tone. So hopefully this intro Still have to put. Otherwise, I got I got some grade A boring stuff coming right up here because I know because I recorded it yesterday. Uh, so that's it. I mean, I'm, I hope they give you a little bit of insight. And if you're new, this podcast is is different. It's out there, but I, I, and it's like I am here trying my best, and I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm not a sleep expert. I'm not a scientist or a doctor. In some sense, uh, you know, I'm someone that's kind of had a lot of missteps, had a lot of failures and screw-ups. Oh, boy, the screw-ups. But that's the, the substance, the cosmic stuff that makes up this podcast. I don't know. And not in some guru way, but, yeah, I'm taking my failures and I'm recycling them and making a failure pie that we can all enjoy. And not to degrade, I guess sometimes I get a little harsh about that kind of stuff, but I don't know. I'm fumbling my way through the dark, I guess is what I'm saying. And I guess the intention of this is to say, hey, if you're fumbling or you're a little bit worried that you can't fall asleep, you know, maybe me fumbling my way through these stories, fumbling through the dark with, with, with a... A lighthearted, fun attitude, and that's what I have to do to get into the story place or whatever. Story swamp, that's what I call it. I was just talking about this last week to somebody who said, well, this is where I come up with my ideas. Story swamp, go in there, there's some muck in there. I say, well, geez, what's that? A little, uh, was that a little swamp juice? I'll take it back for the uh, podcast, it's, you know. So I, I take you, uh, but to get into the story swamp, I, ha- I can't be all bent out of shape about being a, a perfect or the best podcaster ever or super impressive or super funny or anything. So I just got to do my best and try to stay calm and not let that freaking asshole in my brain uh, pound the shit out of me about, it, you know, what a fool I am or whatever it is, whatever it is for you. I'm sorry, I don't mean to get things stirred up here. I just get a little fired up there. But whatever it is for you, the main thing coming up here is I just want you to distract you. And you say, well, Jesus, this isn't bad. You know, kind of like a fan that is mildly, you say, well, geez, fan noise is too boring. And, you know, Ira Glass or Roman Mars or, you know, any any of those guys, those are two interests. Scooter's right in the sweet spot between a fan and Roman Mars, that scooter right there. Not as boring as a fan, but I can go to sleep, you know. 
And that's what I'm shooting for. And so, I don't know, that's a mal- that's an earful. But I'm glad you're here. The main message I want to get across is, is that I hope I really want to help you fall asleep. And thanks for coming by. All right, so we're back. It's time for another trending Twitter Tuesday here. And it's actually Tuesday, believe it or not. I think it's the 29th. It's almost 8 p.m. And I'm going to try something different. I got a different Twitter app here to see if I can get a list off of it. Analytics. No, that's not it. Okay, yeah, we can do a trending list here. Oh, boy. So I'm going to take a picture of this list right now. Do I know how to take a screenshot with this phone? Okay, so we have a screenshot. I think we have 10 trends there, and it's just a list, which is like what I like. I said, you said, just want a list. Uh, and I was retelling, uh, well, I was catching you guys up on what had happened to me recently, uh, which was weird. Uh, you know, abnormal, well, maybe just more abnormal. Uh, and then you'd say, well, geez, what is it when it's abnormal for an abnormal person? You know, because I guess I was already being abnormal. Me and my dog were listening to knocks that were flown in from Krone, uh, Germany. Well, maybe not. Maybe they came by ship from Krone. And we were just listening to the knocks, and there was a knock at my door. My piano teacher from the past was there, flew on a piano, uh, met up with Drake and Dave, Super Dave Osborne. Eventually, we just separated from them. Ran into uh, Mumble Bear. Is it, is it, uh, Mumble Bear. Uh, that Mumble Bear. Well, I think the three of them, I'm not sure if it was like my Tin Man, my Lion, and my Scarecrow, or if it was a Lollipop Guild. I still can't get an answer on that. And, and then I guess if uh, uh, Judy Garland, would, she would probably say, well, I'm not just, and she did it when we were private, and I shouldn't be sharing this. Her, this was this is totally off of the story. But she did, you know, I said, she said, I don't know what it is. I don't think it's a talent, but I don't necessarily think it's 100% of a problem. But people like to cry. I make people cry. I make people cry. But they also feel comfortable enough to cry with me, on, usually on me. And I'd say only 80% of the time is it for my behavior. Maybe not, maybe, maybe, maybe 84. So the other 16% of the time, it's, I'm just there. But uh, this time it was Judy, Judy, Judy Garland was crying and my piano teacher because I say every time, this was like, you know, last week I kind of, you know, believe it or not, I, I uh, what do they call those Reader's Digest things where you squeeze out a, a, a bridge? You know, I give an abridged version or bridged, a bridge version. Oh, unabridged. So I guess I abridged, but, she, you know, every time she started talking about something, I said, like in The Wizard of Oz. And then finally she said, can I talk to you in private? Because she was queen I think, I don't know, I guess I get, I mean, I'm confused, but anyway, and then she started, she's like, I'm more than the Wizard of Oz, and unfortunately, I said, well, she's not to me, I mean, just being honest, I didn't say that then, I thought, and I'm pretty sure she's, you know, ethereal enough, she could read my mind, she cried more, and I can see in the earthy world how that would wear on you, but now that she's in some sort of 
afterlife. And I don't, I didn't want to tell her this. I'm like, is this some sort of limbo situation or is this what I'm looking at? I mean, at one point I even made, I said, is Beetlejuice around here? Where do I find Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, nothing. His mom was in mumble was in here. He was in Beetlejuice. And I said, I, I understood you. But anyway, uh, way off track, way too early. So we, uh, so Judy Garland, I was flown to see Judy Garland. I thought it was to apologize. It turned out she had a quest for me. She said, I need it. There's a, a Thado, some sort of uh, 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 evil character, a villain, I guess, in this story. And then, but always then I say, well, am I the villain in this story? Hurting the feelings of uh, piano teachers and beloved actresses. And then people would say, no, you're just the asshole. That's different than the villain. And I would say, the villainous asshole. And they would say, isn't that that piece of erotic fiction you wrote, wrote that was rejected as erotic and as fiction? And I would say, you're right. And I would say, that person, and they said, well, actually, it was a committee. That committee was a bunch of uh, villainous assholes. Pardon me for the swearing. I don't know what, what came over me. I'm just acting like a villainous asshole. Oh, boy. Cracking myself up here on the podcast. But so uh, Judy sent me, Miss Garland sent me on a quest to, to find her. I guess apparently this Thado loves Halloween. Loves masquerade balls. And somehow I think bet his kingdom on uh, the fact that if he, you know, anyone could best him. I think it was kind of like, you ever see Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? I guess it was exactly like that. And I think about it, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. The movie, you want to talk about a powerful Alec Baldwin performance for eight minutes or something. He's on the screen for eight to 14 minutes. Uh, holy God, holy moly. But uh, he he's uh, the manager. He comes into the sales office and, uh, you know, stellar cast actors there. But, I mean, Alec Baldwin just uh, stood out to me. But you had Jack Lemmon, Ed Harris. I love Ed Harris. I love Jack Lemmon. And then you had Al Pacino. And then I think you had uh, Alan Arkin was the fourth person. I'm sorry. I don't know who the fourth person was. I want to say it's Alan Arkin, but I'm not positive about that. Uh, but some powerhouses. And man, now I'm going to have to apologize if that wasn't Alan Arkin. I'm pretty sure it was, though. You had a Harris. Was the everyman. Uh, Jack Lemon was the, you know, the down and out older guy. Uh, Pacino was a slick guy. And then, uh, hmm, man, I don't know. I apologize. Uh, but anyway, where was I? Uh, okay, so this, just like in Glengarry Glen Ross, Glengarry Glen Ross, the plot was, uh, there's a sales contest. Uh, first place, I think you get a car or a watch or something. Uh, second place is you, you, uh, you might get some good leads or you, and then third place is you're fired. And there was four guys, so obviously fourth place. And I think that's how this Halloween costume worked was that, uh, you know, first place Sato always gets. 
Second place, you're okay. Third place is you're out of the universe. So Judy Garland said, we have to beat Thado. And, and I said, well, this is actually great timing, Miss Garland. This is when we were, after she stopped crying when we were alone. I said, because I like to have themed out. And she said, I know. And I said, oh, well, this is going to be great because this is going to get us right through Halloween, I think. So she sent me on a quest to, to furnish her and I guess some of the other kingdoms, the leaders of these other kingdoms who happen to be actresses I've insulted in the past. Uh, uh, Halloween proper. See, not, I don't. I don't have to do any of the making. I guess I'm the idea man. And again, I think maybe there was some telephone translation where, where she heard my skill set was. Or I guess she was looking for somebody that thinks outside. Of it. She said, "Geez, you think outside of the sphere? You're not even in a box or a sphere. You think outside of the norm?" And I said, "Yeah, well, okay." So that was the story. Uh, that's the deal. Um, and uh, so as we pick up the action, those of you hanging on every breath, what's going to happen next? Here we go. All right, so sensibly, we started off, uh, or we start off tonight with uh, myself, uh, Drake, uh, Super Dave Osborne, who, again, turns out as a character, Again, embarrass myself, and I. But but uh, that's not uh, essential story right now. And Mumblebear, who, as far as I know, uh, is not a you know. As far if he, if is a mumbling bear, uh, part human, part imaginary. Uh, all mumbles as a mumble bear. Uh, but some giant eagles had arrived to uh, fly us off into, uh, I think, to Joan Crawford. And I said, oh, boy. I, I, unfortunately, my memory is terrible. So I said, uh, I said, we're going to, I said, we, like me, I get to pick. And I just said, okay, let's go to, because uh, I said, Julie Andrews should probably be easy. And then I'll be honest, it took me forever to think of Joan And I said, did I say, I said, did I say Kathleen Hepburn? Do I have to apologize to her too? Oh boy. And I said, but I know it's Joan Crawford as our first stop, boys. And I said, please don't let her be. And I because I had seen that movie. But I said, but I said, okay, well, obviously, if you were listening to this story, these stories so far, I say, well, Scooter seems like a terrible person. How could you fall asleep to him? And people say, at least my boyfriend, he puts me to sleep. I don't, you know. So maybe Joan Crawford is the victim of a similar circumstance. Plus, this is a different circumstance altogether. Because I don't know what world we're in. Some world, cloud, cloud-based world, but afterlife, I don't know, because I'm still alive. Clearly, I'm here. I don't think you can record a podcast if you're um, a spirit, uh, but it, well, probably not. You probably can. Well, you probably probably be interesting. I don't think if, if a spirit's going to take their time. Well, maybe not, because if they were, uh, if you're eternity, you could talk forever. You know, you could just be like, "Yep, yeah, I'm mean, just as a scooter, scooter spirit, spirit." You know. Loading up the pie. I guess your battery life would be an issue, probably. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. 
Um, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But anyway, I got off track there thinking about. Maybe, maybe, oh, jeez, maybe I'm in, maybe this is it. I'm just doing this podcast, but I got, I got stuff going on in between. So I'm pretty sure I'm not a spirit is the thing. Yeah, but we, we, uh, we, we got on these eagles. Now, a couple of things about the eagles. They landed and there was only two of them. And I, so I waited because I said, you know, I want my own, clearly I want, if I'm going to ride an eagle without a piano, I want my own eagle. And then I looked around, and, and then Mumblebear got on the ego with Dave, Super Dave Osborne. And then I said, I said, well, great, I'm riding with Drake here. And, I, and then I said, okay, come on, Scooter. Uh, be, you know, we're on a positive mission of Halloween. Ma- masquerade your negative feelings for Drake. And I said, well, actually, I don't have negative feelings for Drake. I just don't know him. And I think that was that old cheerleading brain came in and said, hey, buddy, uh, I'll pull it together here, and uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, and then Drake actually so gentlemanly said, you know, gave, gave me the uh, the front spot, which I said, wow, that must have taken a lot. And then we got on, and I said, who would feud with you, Drake? And I said, yeah, I mean, maybe I should get to know Drake a little bit better. Now we learn this the hard way. If you're floating with four eagles carrying a grand piano, plenty and plenty of conversations can be had. On one eagle, not the best for conversation, not the best to get to know Drake. Uh, because it was like I was mumble bear. Because I would say, so Drake, you know, tell me more about, is, is it, you know, I know this is probably, I said, you're Canadian, right? And I think he must have heard mumble bear. is in radian. Because he said radium. He said, "What are you, a chemistry professor?" And I said, and then, he, and then I said, "Wait a second, that whole radium stuff was in Buffalo." And then I, it, there was a couple more mix-ups like that. And I think I said something about uh, which I love maple syrup and maple candy, but I don't know what he thought I said about maple syrup. But he 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 said, "Do you need me to throw you off this eagle? Do, are we going to? This is going to be a maple feud." And maybe he was just giving me a hard time because I said, geez, and I said, would that stop a feud, a little maple syrup candy? But I think he said, I think then even then he heard, like, put your put maple syrup in your fan, or put maple syrup, I don't know, something about fanny. But luckily, the poofy wings of an eagle, a giant eagle with the moon in the sky, can even calm a feuding drake, you know, and then... And whatever, uh, you know, set back his, his 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 furious love of Canada, and you know, and you know, and I said, "Geez, Paul Schaefer'd be so proud of you." And we just happened to be in a lull, and he heard that so clearly. And the moon carried. I think the moon. I think it make moonified my tones, and he, that was it. Me, me and Drake, his eyes. I think he really looks up to Paul Schaefer, as do I. You know, for me, his comedy and his his love of Dave. For Drake, I think that he's Canadian. And I said, I don't know if Drake's from Thunder Bay. I know that's where Paul's from, Thunder Bay, Ontario. Uh, but anyway, not important. So we fly on these eagles. It was a whole, like, hours of that. And then we're sleeping. 
and Drake drooled on my back. Now, I don't know if there's any hardcore Drake fans out there, uh, but he made me give him the shirt anyway. He said, you know, I need that shirt because I drooled on it. And I said, you're a little drooling aren't you? And he said, you bet. He goes, hey, you, you, and I said, okay, I don't need to feud with you about any of this. Maybe that didn't happen. That might have been in my imagination. I mean, the drooling part happened. But maybe I just lost my shirt. Some I don't know. But So we flew across the sky. And he said, Drake, do you know where we're going, by the way? You know, now, now that we're not feuding. And he said, yeah, we're going uh, deep into the hollows of uh, Afenza Abre. And I said, Afenza Abre, eh? And he said, he, he, he chuckled. And I said, okay, now, I'm, now I got him. Schaefer, Schaefer operate him. And I said, have you ever ventured out here? And he goes, no, normally I'm in the, the human world. And I said, oh, did you uh, offend Judy Garland too? And he said, no, Crawford. And, and he said, I'm really nervous. That's why I'm so feudy. And I said, I said, what, did you make up a song about her? He goes, unreleased track, you know, deleted everywhere. But he goes, you can't, you know, can't stop leaks to the afterlife or wherever the heck we are. And I said, so, but you're my sidekick in this. He said, are you the Tin Man? And he, he, Drake's pretty funny. He said, I'm the walrus. And I said, scoop, 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 scooby-doo. And I said, this is good, Drake. We're thinking costumes. And he said, wait till we meet Crawford and, you know, see if I make it. And I said, okay. And so we, we landed on this island uh, uh, with these towering, towering towers, and they were all bell towers. And I said, that's strange. About 25 bell towers of varying heights, looking like uh, whichever the ones that, like not stalactites or stalagmites, whichever one grows up from the ground, uh, towering up. And, and, and but, but uh, well, I can't say they were man-made. But some of them were uh, equal, like they weren't, I guess they were nothing like stalactites. I just couldn't think anything else. They're bell towers. So probably, I said 20, 30 bell towers. And as we circled the island, the bell towers all started to ring. And it was, it was, uh, like my insides felt like, uh, you know, jello jigglers. You know, when you shake the jello jigglers, like a bowl of them. Uh, that's how I felt like even my cheeks and then my teeth started aching. And we, we I think we were, uh, and uh, I think the Eagle even said this is the safe zone right out here. And we were circling and circling. And I said, that's, is that some sort of uh, bell based defense system? It'd be. And the eagle said, yeah, yeah, it is. He goes, you aren't a total idiot. And Drake said, it was obvious. He goes, he goes, it was obvious. And I said, okay, okay, no credit from Drake. Giant Eagle, though, gave me credit, Drake. So uh, you can't feud with facts. And then Drake said, can't feud with facts. But it was beautiful, despite the vibrations. I love me. I love bell towers. Now, just random bell ringing, defensive. So I said they circled, and then there was silence, and then the two eagles cawed like some sort of caw code. I don't know, eagles caw. 
but you know, a raptor type situation. I don't want to do it on the podcast, but it was like a in some sort of you know Morris code, but you know, obviously not Morris. More is it Morris or Morse? Morse code, right? Morse. But they sent us the Eagle Base Morse code, and then we flew. And I got to tell you, if you if I saw flying on a freaking piano, it was great. These eagles, I felt like uh, who the hell's the guy in Top Gun? Uh, uh, goose, not Goose. Look, Drake was my goose. I think I did say that to him. I think I don't think it, it was so loud. I don't know. I can tell if he was. In, he must have said, "Oh, maybe he, I said he thought I said hold on to my caboose." Because he really needed to in that situation. So that was actually a miscommunication. That was good. Oh, Maverick thought of it too late. But we were flying through the bell towers. Oh, man. And I said, this is great because it's getting my adrenaline up to deal with Crawford. And I said, she's going to be hard to talk to without calling her Crawford because that's such a a zinger. Like, yeah, And I know someone who's, I know a Crawford, a Jay Crawford. But he's more of an acquaintance, like, he's good friends with some of my friends, but I don't know him well enough to, well, I guess I probably have called him Crawford before. But I said, especially Crawford. And I, but I, I guess this was a situation where I was supposed to be helping. But so we circled and we f- flew through the towers. And I said, was she in the, for whom the bell tolls? And then no one answered, you know, there was no answer between Oh, no, wait, Mumble Bear said his name. You know, was it a... And he said, was that about Thomas Merton or Thomas Moore or Thomas Aquinas or uh, Thomas that, you know, didn't believe in the wounds or what, the, t- the wound toucher? And Mumble Bear, Mumble Bear was saying, uh, and I said, Mumble Bear, you weren't mumbling. That was just irritation. And then we landed in this square, and again, it was like kind of like uh, like a stormy, where you're like, geez, what time? I can't tell what time of day it is. And I don't want to be, I say, Jesus, exactly where I'd expect to run into, you know, Joan Crawford, no offense. And I said, maybe, I said, okay. And then we got off the Eagles, I said, thanks, guys. And they said, well, you know, somebody else is coming back for you. And I said, okay. I said, see ya. Uh, but so I, I said, hey guys, gather around. Uh, Drake, Mumble Bear, uh, Super Dave. I said, listen, I'm going to need you guys help here. I, I'm a little bit worried about uh, Joan Crawford. Drake's freaked out. And Drake's, I'm not freaked out. I said, don't worry, Drake. I, I'll take the heat. I said, I, I, said I could even go as. Uh, uh, Drake is Drake is Scooter, and I said you could just be my sidekick. He said, "Really? You, you you'd cover up for me?" And I say, "Oh yeah." And then he took off this necklace that said Drake, and he gave it to me. And I said, "Well, uh, you wear a necklace that says okay." And he said, "I'm saving it for someone special." And I said, "That's so cute, Drake." And then I put it on, and I said, "Well, you found someone special." And you should, that joke killed with Super Dave Osborne and maybe Mumble Bear said, but somebody, I mean, but Super Dave, that cracked him up and they wore it on the side of my shirt. But then I realized the irony. But anyway, I said, well, whatever, I mean, you know, I'm, 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 I'm Drake now. 
Drake is scooter. I'm about to break it. And and I said, well, me, I said, I don't even know what she knows. And then Drake said, who am I? I said, Steno Garcia, my, my master at arms, my grandmaster at arms, full of charms. And Drake said, I, I'm the wordsmith. And I said, not anymore. Who's got the Drake necklace now, buddy? And I said, oh, so does this come with all your money and stuff and fame? And he said, no. And he goes, as a matter of fact, he goes, I'll need that back later. And I said, that's fine. I said, you know, ain't, ain't, ain't not that thing if I, if I don't anymore have Drake's bling. Do-wop, do-wop, do-wop. But I said, Steno, Super Dave, Mumble Bear, let's go. And then I said, oh, she's where? Because we're in this giant plaza, as I said. And they said, hello? And I echoed, oh, my goodness. If you haven't been in a strange world and yelled out really loud, do it. Like if you if you, uh, if you you ever get the chance to go into it or you're lucid dreaming, yell out for echo. Because it was echoing off the bell towers. It was coming back to me with a little, hello, hello. But then also I saw something in the sky, like this black mass, and I thought it was the helicarrier from Avenger, you know, that, uh, and I said, what in the name of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is that? And then Mumble Bear, cause I don't know if bears have better eyesight or just better um, insight, but he said, and I said, what? He says, you know, and I said, I'm sorry, what? He said, I said, and I said, Momo Bear, even with you, you, he said, are you shaking out from that eagle ride to Dave Osborne to hold you too tight? And then I wanted to sing, hold me closely, Super Dave Osborne. Your show was on about 20 years. Anyway, I shouldn't have started singing that, but I did. Uh, but what was my point? My point Oh, it was, it was these ravens, because they realized it once they could see it, because they could not freaking understand Mumble Bear. And I said, run! And I, and, and I let those guys get a head start. Uh, I don't know why, I guess because I was transfixed, not out of heroism. And then I, but then I caught up behind them, because I, I said, geez, I figured, well, I guess I know, I said, Drake's famous, Super Dave's, I said, so I caught up to them. And they said, Drake, what do we do? And that was confusing for me because they were talking to me. And I guess they were already in the mo- Crawford mode. And I, they said, what's the plan? I said, uh, ooh, I said I'm going to have to think one on this. I said, Trace Tiro C. And they said, what? And I said, I, I, I said, Trace Tiro C. And they said, what does that mean? I said, three times yes, I think. And I said, you three run three different ways and call the ravens over to you and see what they do. And I'm going to keep running straight. And, and I said, I think they'll ch- I think they're smart. You know, they're evil ravens, so they'll probably chase me. And they said, well, what will that do? And I said, just, just do it. So we separated three, four ways, I guess, technically. But they spread out into this Tiros formation, which is, they said, what is that? I said, a triangle. You know, and I said, you know, and they said a parallelogram. I said, no, a triangle. And I said, don't give me any friggin' uh, one of those tri- uneven ones. They said, I want a, par- you know, try, you know, right at, but whatever. It wasn't time for that argument. I think that was another feud, me and Drake's triangular. 
But they did it, and it did confuse the ravens, and it actually worked so good. Because I think the ravens were flying in a circle above us. I didn't realize this at a time. They were in like a drone formation. But then as they started to call the ravens, and the, guy, the guys were good, man, and Drake was actually singing. Or maybe he you know, was saying, here, here. That the uh, ravens, like some of them would hear, and it was echoing like off of the echoes. And so the Ravens were individually, they lost their group think and they were responding to whatever, uh, over here or come here hit their ears. And they started just running into each other in the sky and dropping from the sky and just smashing into each other. And it was, it was, a, it was a riot. Like they were drawing. And then when, you know, if one would take another one out and then they were, you know, it was like the evil spells broken after, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. And then it gets a little some more echoes. And then we just reconvened, you know, the guys just walked back to me. And then we saw like at the top of these steps, uh, was this giant glass, uh, um, like arboretum looking, building. what do you call those things? Uh, a San Francisco conservatory looking building, you know, white metal, uh, where you'd keep flowers warm. And I said, well, geez, that looks be lovely and out of place. It was just a little tinted of the dark gray sky, but it was still like white, ethereal white. And so we went up the stairs to that and, uh, Actually, Super Dave said, nice plan. And uh, what do you, he said, what do you call it? Three Amigos? And I said, it, it, we'll, we'll call it that from now on. I, I, said, uh, I said, I forgot. Trace Trigos 3, I think I called it or something. But it, don't worry about it. And we got to the, uh, the, the door of the conservatory. And, of course, it had a, one of those speakers that you speak into. And something else said, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I mean, we're, we're here to see you. We're, we're, I said, uh, we're here, uh, we're here for, uh, BGC 14. And they said, the voice said, what? I said, I'm here with BGC 14. And I said, they said, what? And he said, the big grand costuming 14. And they said, it's 2015. And I said, well, we're a year late then. We've got to get on this costuming. And I said, as a matter of fact, we're, I'm here on orders of uh, Miss Garland, so you better let us in. And I, my name's Drake, and I, I have an apology to make. Uh, so the time I do not want to take, see him wordsmith, clearly I'm Drake. And I have this necklace, and they buzzed us in. And then we went into this, uh, what, do you, what do you call it, a conservatory? And it was a pool house, and it was like in, in, unnatural sunlight. It was so lovely in there. It was warm. It was humid with the right humidity. It was like all of a sudden my pores just opened up and took a breath. They said, wow, this is nice. And it was huge. And I said, whoa, Crawford's got a hell of a good thing going. And there was like a, like a old fashioned Olympic pool. Well, I guess not Olympic because it was, uh, I think it was rounded. And like, boom, somebody showed up with drinks for the guys and they said, come with us. 
And they said, Mr. Drake. And they said, actually, I'm a two-person. They said, I'm a two-man. Two, there's more than two people up here, but I'm, I'm, I'm a Scooter and Drake. And they said, well, we just need one. And I said, well, can you, as Drake, I said, can you send my apologies via Scooter to, and they said, what? And they said, okay, hold on. I got to do something. I said, I'm going to do my one DLD session. And they said, what? I said, one DLDN session. And I said, and I, I said, well, I just take off my Drake necklace, put it here on my uh, uh, chair where the guys were sitting. And I said, Super Dave, uh, come with me. And he said, me? I said, yeah, yeah, I need your help. Costume Crawford. And he said, right away. And I said, uh, I said, Steno, Mumble Bear, I'll see you guys in a little bit. And then we were led to, like, through, oh, it was like orchids. It was like, you know, sexual flowers, you know, non-sexual flowers, just pleasant flowers, everything. And we get, we went up these stairs, this platform that was, like, kind of overlooking the pool, but a little bit detached. And then who's up there in, like, a one-piece bathing suit, white, white sunglasses, a giant smile on her face. Uh, but a woman I could only presume was Joan Crawford because I said, Jesus, well, that's not. And I said, I guess I remember Faye Dunaway. No, I said, I, I probably have seen. And I said, okay, could you get that stuff out of your mind? And I said, Super Dave, do something. I said, and he, and he tickled my armpit and I giggled <laughs> like that. And then he giggled, which made me laugh because he's got a great laugh. And then I, I, uh, I went over and I plucked a flower, and I know that's a risky move. And and and, and I and I said, uh, I said, uh, Miss Crawford, uh, my apologies. I'd like to present with you this rose. Uh, I guess broken a bit like a Derek rose, but always beautiful and full of potential and loveliness, and also red like a bull's uniform. Uh, and she, she looked at me like she was confused. And I said, I don't know. I, I just love Derek Rose. And I said, this Bambino over here, my little Bambino, and Super Dave's taller than me. So that's kind of a, still trying to carry the humor. Uh, this is Mr. Super Dave Osborne. And he's my assistant costumer here. That's why I call him my little Bambino. And I said, Miss Crawford, I apologize on behalf of the Drake version of myself. You know, that song I wrote about you was, you know, really based on, you know, and she says another life. I understand that, you know, she goes, you don't have to apologize. And she said, we're in this world of stay in the present. She goes, because we need to deal with Zeta and I need to help Miss Garland. And I said, uh, I said, wow, really? And I said, you got a lovely setup here, by the way. I said, what do you call this place? And she said, Semboeza. And I said, Sambuesa, is that a made up? That's a mode that's beautiful, Sambuesa. I said, Enar, I said, that is a lovely word, Sambuesa. And I said, this sounds like a dance. And I started dancing with her. And again, part of my mind said, What are you doing dancing with Joan Crawford? And then I, another part of my brain kind of detached itself and tried to look out of the side of my eyes to see. If the, you know, her fate, but I said everything, you know, she had sunglasses, she had a wrap around her head. 
But her hair was still, you know, she, she again, you know, and, and then I, and then I said, you know, we're doing a little sambesa, and then uh, we were doing a little sambesa, and then I passed her off to Super Dave, and then her staff was like cheering and clapping, and they said, you know, the old, there's the old ways of uh, costuming superstar, lovely superstars, and then Dave would hand her off to me, and I said, and then there's my way. And she said, well, do you bring, and I said, no, no, uh, I said, all your costumes are going to be dealt with by Miss Garland. I said, I'm the, you know, the idea man. And I said, we had to think of a great costume for you. And I said, and then we're, and I said, the costume dance is our chance to costume Joan. Oh, Joan, baby, do the costume dance. Uh, do the costume dance. Oh, Joan Crawford. Do the costume dance. Watch you do the costume dance. And then I was kind of watching her dance. Uh, watch you, watch you do the costume dance. And I said, Joni. And I said, no, that's not going to win it. And I said, uh, and she said, who? And I said, Louis from, uh, I said, from Happy Days. And then she said, what's, and I said, uh, I shouldn't be saying Happy Days to Joan Crawford. Oh, Joni, baby. I do the dance, the costume dance. Uh, you do the costume dance. Super Dave and Joan Crawford. I do, and I said, okay, Super Dave assistant, no. Watch you do the dance, dance. And then we're just dancing. And, and the next thing you know, and they said, geez, we are in a magic. Because then a band busts out, like, uh, and they were doing kind of a salsa, like, I don't know, mambo. Like, they had congas, they had maracas. They had castanets. I think they had a, a, a classical guitar. And then I said, you know, it would be nice to do a little steel drum in this. And that didn't. Joan Crawford was like, no. And I said, Lyle Crocodile, Joan Crawford, we need to get her a costume. Uh, and I said, Joan likes a pool party, he's a pool party. And I said, lifeguard, no, a lifeguard, no, and no. And I said, beach boys, no, we need a costume for Joan, we need a costume for Joan. Uh, I said, hey, Dave, what's the lady, if I say, I said, the lady with a tropical fruit in her hair without insulting her, I'm just wondering because it's in a song. And then he moved away from me, and I said, okay. So I said, Bird, I said, I don't know why I thought the movie Birdcage. And I was thinking of other movies with my, and I was starting to think of Cuba. And I said, Joan, Joanie, baby. I said, boom. And I said, boom, Fidel Castro, Joan. And she stared at me for a while. And then she stared at Super Dave Osborne, and everything froze. And she said, she said, explain it to me. And I said, who the hell would dress Joan Crawford as Fidel Castro? I said, this is going to be so spot on that uh, Thado is going to say, is that, no, there's something off about that Fidel. That's Fidel Castro almost. Okay, I'm detecting something feminine in Fidel's. Is that fucking Joan Crawford? Dressed as Fidel, exactly looking like, holy shit, second place or first place. And I said, Joan, I said, we uh, uh, Fidel Castro. Ooh, thank you, costume dance. We got a costume for Joan. She's going to be Fidel Castro.
Oh, and then she was, she was still staring, and her staff, and the band, and Super Dave. And then I went over and I tucked some of her hair under her wrap. And I said, now, you know, crazy idea. We could shave your head and, and use your own hair as your beard. I don't know how stuff works in the afterlife. And then she she, she, she put her arm around me. And she, and she clapped her hands. And then someone came with a cigar and she put it in her mouth. And she said, brilliant. And I said, well, I wouldn't say brilliant. I'd say abnormal. That's an abnormal costume. I said, it's going to kill. And I said, you know, you could be one of Charlie's angels, in my opinion, at least in the afterlife version of you. And then you'd be dressed as Joan, I mean, Fidel Castro. And she said, she said, I hope there's some people I know at this party. And I said, I said, well, we just got to beat this Theto. And I said, he's never going to see this coming. And she's like, you're right about that. And she said, well, what, she, she goes, she goes, what else? She goes, well, I feel like it needs a little bit more. And I said, I know. And I said, I've got a little something for you. And I said, it stinks of, it's a little gimmicky, Joan. And a little bit hilarious. And I said, look at this guy here. Look at this statuesque beauty here, my little super Dave. And I go, you think about Fidel. And for some reason, I think about JFK. And then when I think about JFK, I think about, and she said, Marilyn Monroe. And I said, you're going to show up with Marilyn Monroe Osborne on your arm. And Super Dave, at first he, he tried to resist, but he started cracking up. He's like, that's so stupid. It's, it's stupid. He goes, it's so stupid, it's abnormal. And I said, he, I think he even said that. And then the band started playing. Well, ooh, costume, do the costume dance. Uh, watch us do the costume dance. And so that was it. I said, my work here is done. I said, I'm going to go down to the pool and swim. I said, Joan, I am the biggest swimmer in the world. I'm like, I love water. They said, you mind if we stay over a night and swim and stuff? And she said, go down there and have some fun. You know, I'm going to shave Marilyn. And, uh, you know, then, then maybe we'll meet you for dinner and stuff. But then I felt, I went down to the pool. And Drake and Mumblebear, they were in the hot tub just talking. I think they were smithing some words, like doing some sort of mumble. I said, I don't know, is that hardcore mumblecore they're doing? But I couldn't hear because of the jets, and I was swimming. And then it was so warm in there that I got into one of these uh, these chairs. And because it wasn't sun, I didn't have to worry about getting sunburn. But it was just like being in a warm, humid sun. But there was like a smell of cedar wood. And there was even like a scent, because I guess maybe the glass is so thin, there was like the bells were ringing or something. Uh, and it was just so pleasant. And I just, I sunk into the chair. I drifted off in this wonderful deep sleep. My muscles were relaxed. And it, it was just great. And then I fell deep asleep. And I fell deep asleep only to await our next quest next week for another costuming. On uh, trending Tuesdays, costume days. Good night. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you 
to sleep, we do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And as you may say in your you know, second year, freshman year uh, collegiate uh, Shakespeare and Chaucer class, what perchance is the rest? And I would say a double word bonus score if I was the professor, but I definitely wouldn't be. And I talked about how great a Shakespeare professor, but that was way over my head, way, way over my head with my... But anyway, what what point perchance are you... Well, let's, 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 let's get to the perchance. What am I going to do on this show? Well, I'm going to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's been running through your brain racing through your brain, shooting or going through your body, uh, turbulating your emotions, you may be even doing any kind of tabulations, physical, emotional, or says, what is the other one, physical or mental tabulations. Any tabulating going on, you know, uh, former Vice President Gore, you're welcome, you know, welcome to, to, to have me lull you to sleep too. Uh, Whatever is going through your brain that as soon as you lie down, stirs its, uh, rears its head, uh, raises its voice, jockeys for your attention, I'm going to try to distract you from that. And what I'm going to do is, uh, tonight, I'm going to, you know, do, usually I like to go into one or two pointless metaphors, unresolved metaphors, you know, metaphor attempts. You know, as Michael Jordan once said, you know, he only made, you know, 60% of his shots or 50, you know, so even though I can only complete like 20% of my metaphors, there is no metaphor business. So really, I can't even fail uh, by, you know, they say, you know, say, I just, well, I guess I just did fail because I said I tried to make a metaphor about metaphors. You know, maybe, but so that, okay, so I just proved my own. I, I guess I just proved the point I was disproving. But here, here's the, here's the bone. Here's the, uh, here's the positive rub on that positive spin, as they say, is, uh, I'm still going to try to distract you. I'm going to try to be as good hearted and good natured as is possible for me. That's to take your mind off stuff. So I'm going to go through this intro, take a couple, you know, turns, some bends. You know, ease you into this or ease you into your bed deeper, ease you into sleep, help you unwind. But mostly, all you got to do is, you know, kind of listen to me, kind of listen to say, Jesus, my pillow making a pleasant noise or is that just that guy's voice? And, you know, go ahead and do, if you need to make any cat-like moves where you're like, okay, let me, you know, let me puff up this, you know, I need to smooth out this section of the bed here. And you know, do a little poofing over here and find a cool spot. And then my, this this part of my uh, front part of my foot needs that warm spot. You know, any of that stuff you want to do. And you say, well, geez, I'm moving around. I don't know if I'll be able to hear this guy. Don't don't worry about it. You know, at best, uh, you know, I'll spoil it for you. I may say sometimes in the intro, I say, ash, gosh, bagash. Or I say no philosophizing at bedtime. Those would be. Now, now, now go ahead and make your moves. I'll still be talking for the next 15 minutes. But if you miss anything, you'll be able, you'll either be able to fill it in or you'll be drifting off to sleep. You'll say, geez, I was on the threshold of sleep anyway. You see, this guy's got a, at some point, his stories become a bit like one of those Dolly paintings. 
and now, you know, with the yeah, melty stuff. And they say, well, Jesus, is that Dolly or is that the other? They say, well, Jesus, whatever, one of those paintings with the melty stuff. They say, I don't know if I get it or not, but I don't mind it. They say, Jesus, this is, this is art history. I can pass it. Just, you know, you know, this is my kind of passable art history. Now, that's a metaphor. It maybe. This podcast is like a, a passable art history. That, that, could, that could be a simile. So I'm going to try to take your mind off something, you see, because cause the thing is with my brain and some people, their body does this, some people, their feelings do it, some people, their brain just do it. And then some people just don't get it. And that's fine. If you're either like, this is irritating to me and you could be talking to me, it's fine. Or you see, geez, I sleep great. I just wanted to hear what this was. It sounds, you know, not not bad, but I don't, you know. There's some people that sleep just fine. Maybe I could be, you know, you say, well, Jesus, it's, it's better than the, you know, noises outside. Or maybe you live, you know, near like the, you know, joyous, you know, the, the one place on the block where there's joy coming out of that house all the time and it gets you a little, you know, you say, I, you know what? I can't stand all that joy coming from the Henderson's house because they got that damn Harry there. And they're all so happy because they're from the third rock or whatever. So I just rather listen to this guy because it's not, you know, it keeps me right in the middle. You know, I don't need it because I don't need all that joy and I don't need that joy envy either. And you don't got to worry about wild emotional swings in this podcast. Be mild, uh, you know, emo emoting. I'll do some mild. I'll say, whoa, that's that's a mild emoting I do here. And all this is, is, as I said, when I try to get to sleep, actually, even when I conduct my day-to-day -day affairs, uh, and maybe this is why I do this podcast, I constantly have multiple narratives going at all times in my brain. And, and, I, and I was just wondering today, I'm like, why do I keep buying into these narratives? And, and, and I'm in the middle of, uh, you know, trying to find, uh, trying to find help for this podcast and trying to figure out how to, uh, pay someone and find a fighter, figure out what would you, what am I going to do? What's my future going to be? You know, what am I going to do? You know, trying to do all this adult stuff. It's really scary for me. I'll be honest with you. And just like it is for most adults, a lot of us, you, and you say, you might not get scared. You might get something else. You might get irritated. You might have some kind of somatic, you know, your body might just get, you know, but it could be anything. But for me, that would be one thing if I just had those normal adult problems. I say, yeah, I'm scared. That's perfectly. It's a scary thing, you know, having things going decent here and having these wonderful people listen to the podcast. Uh, but in, in addition to the normal human fear, I have like multiple narratives. One of which we've talked about is my nana, who says, "Oh boy, oh oh dear, oh dear, you're screwed. Oh my, why did you even start with this podcast thing?" This is going to end so badly. I wish you would have just, you, you, why didn't you just uh, talk to yourself? I thought you had an imaginary friend. Why did you have to go out and do this podcasting? Now these people are, they're doing things with the tw tweeting and the contacting. And, you know, you show people are listening and it's, it's helping them. Why would you help anyone? This is the worst idea. Oh my goodness! If you why didn't you listen to me? Oh, I'm so worried now because it's gonna go. I know. 
you, you, you little Andy, you wanted, oh, you said, well, I could help some people. I like silly stories and I like, you know, these people, they, it puts them to sleep, Nana. Oh, it's, I think it's worth, oh, I wish it would just, I wish you, I wish you would have never seen those things. And I hate to be the one to tell you that it's all going to go wrong. And I, I, I wish I didn't have to tell you the truth, little Andy, but it, so that's like a voice in my head during the day and at night. And that's just one of them. And, and, I, and, and most of the time, and, and that's like more, uh, uh, somewhat, that was only a voice I discovered in the podcast. That's not one of the ones I'm regularly like dealing with. The worst ones are in my own voice where it just sounds like the truth. Well, you're screwed here. You see, geez, people are listening to your podcast. Oh, man, you are fucked. Oh, God. Wait, so you, you, people want to help you with the podcast or you're going to ask people for advice? Oh, oh boy. Oh dear. Hey, 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 uh, hey, Andrew, I got bad news for you. This is going to go bad. Oh, so it could be in, 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 a, in my Nana's voice, in my voice. And I don't say any of this to stir you up because the weird thing is I say, geez, what I guess saying is I start to buy into those stories. I think one reason is I'm so used to listening to them. One is they're so, you know, they got my number. They know how to hook me, you know. And I know for me, one of the times, a lot of times the narration's going on and I'm kind of tuned out to it. You know, I'm doing my day-to-day stuff. So even though the story's going on in the background and I might be, you know, coping with it or distracting myself from it or just managing to get through my day or reacting to it, there's enough other stuff going on that I'm not really that aware of it. But as soon as it gets quiet, but as soon as it gets quiet, it's like not only is that voice there, but it sounds so, it doesn't sound so much reasonable, but it does. They say, well, geez, yeah, you're right. I don't really know anything. Oh, boy. And, and then you say, well, geez, I'm going to, okay, hey, uh, voices, or, you know, let's just use my Nana because that's like an easier one to deal with because it's not as real or as say, Hey, Nana, I got to go to, oh. You're going to go to bed now and just forget about this whole thing. Oh, boy. Yeah, you just go to bed. Don't worry about the impending doom that's waiting for you tomorrow. Probably if your phone vibrates tonight while you're trying to rest, it's probably some very bad news. But you just go ahead and go to bed like nothing's the matter. Just go to right to right to sleep. Oh, that's that's wonderful for you. Uh, and I think that voice, it really is trying to protect us. All those things, or, you know, whatever. I don't know. I have no degrees in anything related to this. I'm just a, you know, what do you call it? You know, a person that puts myself through this rigmarole. And as, 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 as devious and, and frightening as my Nana is, I'm frightening. I'm just trying to help you. That's all I'm trying to. Exactly. She she's just trying to help. She just doesn't know any better or really know how. Uh but but the thing is, is I don't even think those voices realize that it's like you're they just think it's like quiet so they have a big opportunity to give you a pitch. It's like almost like you're on that show uh Shark Week or whatever. And it's like, oh, he, he's quiet. I might as well go in with my pitch of this new and doomsday predicting an, an engine I've developed, you know, called, you know, tomorrow's going to be a disaster.com. We're going to, you know, so, uh, yes, I, I apologize. I hope I don't stir anybody up, but this is my stuff, you know. And, and so you line up as these stories start, they start jockeying for attention. 
you really, you, you don't want to go fundamentalist on these things and try to just, even if you try, you say, well, I'm just going to banish you from my attention. You say, be, oh, good luck with that. Good luck getting this voice out of your head. Uh, and so then you try different things and you say, geez, now I'm never going to get, and then the voice says, that's right. You're never going to get to sleep. You, you big, you know, they go, go off on you again. Well, I'm here to offer, I guess it's not an alternative path, but a, a little strange thing I cooked up, I guess that's all I could say, which is that, uh, instead of tuning into their stories and, and believe me, they're tailor made just for you, just to hook your attention. Just to push your buttons. And I think, as I said, there's these mistakenly good natured things that, that are whatever part of evolution or part of your development. And they're trying to get your attention to take care of you the best way they can. But, but it's really not well suited for bedtime. Where I have a story and a narrative and it won't exactly hook you. They say, well, geez, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when, when when my dog follows that fly around the room, not like when a cat follows a fly, you know, that's interesting to watch. But the dog kind of follows the fly around. You say, well, you see, there's a fly. But what was that? Did, did someone sneeze? I said, oh. and they say, oh, there's a fly here. I said, oh, watch that fly. Okay, did you, did you hear another dog bark down the street? Was that that girl dog? Because I was wondering, oh, there's a fly. So that's kind of like this podcast. You give me a little bit of your attention. Your attention might turn away. Just bring it back to the podcast. I'll be telling a story about a, 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 trying to solve a problem with conquistador and a, a pirate, a witch pirate woman and another wonderful woman. And then a man, man boy who's doing his best to try to fix everything. Maybe. And all you gotta do is lie back and, and let it distract you. And I, and I, again, I, um, yeah, that's, I don't know. I think I said, geez, let's try to get this uh, brief, uh, a brief intro tonight and it kind of dragged on and on. But I do my best. I use lulling, soothing tones, pointless meanders. I try to be, I try to really find the kindest, open hardest part of me that I really struggle with during the rest of my day to day. But somehow imagining you there, up and I tossing and turning for whatever reason. It, it, my heart aches for you because because I've been there, and I see Jesus. If 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 I, if if these silly little stories uh, can either put you to sleep, or if I can reach my hand and my voice across the deep dark night and be there for you for the next forty five minutes, and say Jesus, maybe make you smile, maybe maybe say, what did she say? Oh, that that was uh, interesting. How uh, that guy he calls himself uh, the phage, the phage, you know. You know, that reminds me, of, okay, well, yeah, I feel a little bit more relaxed. I, I felt like uh, somebody was there to tell me a story. You know, this is stuff that goes back to the old days when we were, uh, you know, we had campfires and stuff. And you say, hey, well, let me tell you a little story here. I mean, maybe they didn't do that. Maybe I'm making that part up. I'm not a, but that's all. I'm going to do my best uh, to be here for you. I'm here three nights a week. And, and uh, you know, I hope I can be here for you. And I really hope, uh, I really desire, I yearn uh, to help you fall asleep. So thanks for stopping by and giving this a shot, okay? All right, so we last left off last week with the uh, Tales of Lady Witchbeard. 
What happened was uh, Phage, uh, Germ, had uh, gone and met with the gods. He said, hey, go fix this mess you made with this Cortez. We don't want to have to mess with the Earth, but we don't like this Cortez. We don't want him messing with us with this powerful pyramid. And if you want to try to protect everybody, you know, go and do something, you know, make it right. And I said, okay. Uh, And then I left. And then after I left, I said, oh, man, I'm not very good at fixing stuff. And I'm the kind of person that can get talked in anything, especially by a salesman type like Cortez. So how am I going to talk him into working working something with the, uh, the Aztec gods or the different gods of these people's belief systems? And I was kind of feeling down. And then I got picked on by a couple drunk conquistadors. But then I ran into my old, old buddy, DeAndre, a.k.a. Bob. Oh, Scooter, I'm ready to record. Okay, but DeAndre, the giant. And he was this, you know, actual giant, like a stone, a hill giant or something. something. And he just lended me a friendly ear. He said, well, tell me what's going on. I said, well, and she said, you know, I'm kind of trying to make this work stuff out. I don't like Cortez. He said, well, maybe you're jealous. And he said, I want to protect everybody, but he's got this beef with the gods and he's going to, he wants to activate the pyramid to blast the old gods. Uh, he's power hungry. And then DeAndre said, and they said, well, the thing was the, the, the pyramid's not going to work because I cha- I did a switcher with the stones and then the stone got blown up when the gods threw that big thunderbolt at earth. So he's, he's, he can't use the pyramid to get, and they said, oh, wait a second. That's exactly what the gods wanted. And they said, this is really going to work out for the gods because they could just mess with uh, Cortez and let him think he's, let him think he's the alpha, let him think he's in control, let him, and, and you know, just string him along, you know, Sisyphus style or some, you know, Sisyphean or whatever, you know, choose your futility, you know, which, who's, who's your favorite futile figure? Scooter, that's why I listen to your podcast. Oh, thank, thanks so much. Uh, you, you could be the poster boy for futility. That would be sweet. It's she's gonna be a poster boy. That's all I got. You know, who cares? I mean, a lot of people be like, oh, phew. they say, hey, me and Sisyphus giving each other a high five, and the other guys, the guy with the water, the stone guy. Or was this, which one was Sisyphus? I don't even know. Was he the one with the stone? I think so. But there's the dude with the water. A couple other dudes. I don't know. It's, 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 who's your favorite? I guess I am. Narcissistic Sisyphus. Narcissistic Sisyphus. Uh, Sisyphean. Narcissistic Sisyphean, I guess. That's what, that's what the last therapist said when he threw me out of his office, too. Except he didn't use Sisyphean. He used another word. Started with S and ended with, you know, another word that ended with H-O-L-E. The first word, he, he, that was narcissistic. Uh, so, but I said, uh, so I was like, oh, wait, the gods are getting what they wanted. And then me and DeAndre watched, and it seemed like uh, Cortez was getting what he wanted, because I think he was marrying Marina. I'm not sure he was marrying Lady Witchbeard or not. I'm still not clear on that. And then Marino, she was, she just seemed to truly love Cortez or non Cortez. And I don't think, again, I always talk about this, but I don't think the history books talk about his devastating, good, unfortunately, good looks, 
you know, he's, he, so I said, and he's, I guess he's got a bigger bit of a, I'd say an evil boy thing and not a bad boy thing, but you know, he's got that conquistador vibe going. So Marino loves him and he's also very capable, witty, you know, but I don't like him. Well, I kind of like him, but in a, you know, one of those weird ways, like I wish I was him, but then I would you already don't like yourself, so what would the difference be? You'd just be, then you wouldn't like yourself, but you'd be great. Uh, but Marina was getting what she wanted because she wanted Cortez safe and she wanted to be with him, I think. And then Lady Witchbeard was on this quest or mission to save magic at all costs, protect magic. And it seemed like magic was going to be fine. Lady Witchbeard was there. Uh, she was training, uh, she was training. Yeah, she was training Marina, Marina, so she was kind of like getting like this uh, mentor vibe going, and they seemed to like each other. So I said, "Lady, everybody's kind of getting there what they wanted," and then the method for me to return home to like in real time because I had crossed over in this other world. You know, this wasn't a time travel situation; it was a trans uh, dimension. You know, I don't know one of those things. Uh, just like in the moment in Interstellar, I don't know if anybody saw, but I'm sure many other, you know, where universes bend and almost touch type stuff. So this is like maybe a parallel universe, maybe not. I don't know. And I wanted to get back. I had a chance to return to my world. So, uh, you know, I didn't want to miss out on that. And so everybody seemed to, and that's all I wanted, you know, not to be delayed and return and have my, so... Everybody seemed what they were getting, what they wanted, but my gut was like, hey, I don't know about this. Like, can we really trust Cortez? So right when I was supposed to leave, I didn't leave uh, because I didn't trust Cortez. And I think I saw something. I said, well, yeah, this guy, he, he, he's a conquistador. What was I thinking? You don't give a conquistador what you want, what they want. And I was also worried about, you know, all the people that like Cortez, uh, I mean, I guess I should have studied more in history. Whatever he supposedly did to the people, the conquistador stuff, stealing the gold, you know, disturbing their their, their way of life that they had a right to, I guess I would say, is the simplest terms. So I said, well, geez, I got to take a stand. And then I said, well, geez, is this motivated by jealousy or envy or the really bad one? What's that? Is that envy? Is there something worse than envy? But some, I said, but I said, well, let me stay and figure that out, and maybe, maybe save the day somehow. So that's where we last left off, I guess. And uh, this, uh, the next, the on, on, on our one second, Antonio Banderas, Banderas is oh here he is. You brought you brought your own cup, huh? And this, it's it. And this, you had that. Did, did you bring your own Brita filter? Because uh, you know how much those things cost? Oh, boy. Okay, here he is. The Tales of Lady Witchbeard. Her, he, uh, her. The Tales of Lady Witchbeard. Her, he, her. You're, 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 my friend, bring my own Brita filter. I, 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 uh, I'm only drink too, I, I, you know, last week I was dehydrated. I said, I had to stop at Bishop Ranch and 
Okay, well, I'm not again. I, uh, thank you, Antonio. N- next week I'll give you some water if you have a Brita filter. Let's bring my own pitcher. Well, there's this 7 Eleven around the corner, you know. Oh, thank you. You're the best, though, man. Do you, have you been listening to this? Your parts? Oh, yes, I sound so damn good. The tales of Lady Witchbeard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, my friend, it's worth it. Uh, it's good. All right, tales of Lady Witchbeard. All right, so when you pick up DeAndre and I are just sitting there. And okay, so I guess you kind of caught me in a, in a dull moment, believe it or not. Because uh, we were actually just sitting there eating, like uh, eating some stuff, drinking. And we had kind of reconnected with uh, Bach and all those, uh, those people. Uh, but I said, let's keep it on the down low. And I didn't. And then DeAndre, Feiji, Feiji, what's what's your plan, Feiji? Yeah, well, I'm working on a plan right now, DeAndre. A plan I work, a plan. So, so I guess I'm not. I guess I don't have to worry about being with DeAndre the giant, right, DeAndre? Yeah, we don't. We don't have to rhyme, Feiji, Feiji. Uh, but here's what I'm thinking, DeAndre. I'm thinking that uh, Lady Witchbeard, Cortez, and Marina think I'm gone. So we have the element of surprise, you know, limited by, you know, my my, you know, that I could could mess up. Let's just get, you know, let's just get everything out on the uh, this thing that we're using as a table here, the, the ground, Feiji. I like how you're calling me Fage, you know, DeAndre. Thank you for that. When I talked to you privately and I said, I, I remember the way I said I prefer the Fage uh, to Fagey or Germ. Though now I kind of miss Lady Witchbeard so much, I miss her calling me the Germ. Fage. Fagey. Anyway, what's your plan? Well, we have the element of surprise. Let me tell you, I know you haven't been to my world. I've never been, I couldn't even imagine what it would be like, Feiji, the wonders of your world. Yeah, that's a little sick there, Bob. Sorry. But, uh, uh, in my world, once upon a time, we had a movie based on a TV show called The A-Team. And that was a genre of uh, shows I don't know what the genre was called. It was just A-team-like shows. You had Hunter, and you had the guys with the helicopter. I forget what that was called. And then you had um, Remington Steel one. I think that was called Remington Steel. Pierce Brosnan was on that. Tell me more about this A-team, Feige. Well, yes, yeah, like I was saying, uh, DeAndre, uh, they were a team. Uh, I, I can't, you know, I'm not good at remembering stuff, but they were like a crack team. Something else happened. Similar to what happened to Rambo, but to them as a team. And then they were forced to travel the globe. Much like, uh, like, like the doctor. Uh, much like tons of stuff, but the A team had this special thing. Where, I think I already talked about it, where they would have a plan. Now, Hunter, I believe. Who was played by Fred Dreyer? 
And this all happened in the eighties when a lot of people weren't, but I was just a lad, but these were, you know, some kids studied at school. Some kids, you know, interacted with other humans. Uh, some kid, you know, some kids did other stuff. For me, I, I watch reruns or, yeah, I guess they were reruns. But, but so Hunter said, I love it when a plan comes together or BA. They had this guy, BA Baracus. And, and, and the thing about this is they always would do something. So I'm thinking we're going to do something like the A team. It'll be me, you, and all these wonderful people. These, all these wonderful uh, people that have been displaced. That hopefully we could return to their proper homes. But, uh, we'll come together with a plan. Now, if we had an 80s, uh, radio shack, that would be ideal. Oh, Fagey, what's a shady rack? Uh, Shady Rack Radio Shack in the 1980s. It was this place uh, of wonder for, for a short period of time. And then it became a place where you could only buy remote control cars. And then it became a place where you buy cell phones. And, and I don't know. I don't want to go down that road. But, but before it just sold remote control cars, it had these glory days. Where it sold electronics, it sold computing power beyond your wildest imaginations. Oh, Feiji. Don't ask what a computer is, Deandre. We don't have time to get distracted by that. But they sold electronics kits and, I believe, chemistry kits, which we could both use right now. Uh, because I wonder, when I was in my A-team mode and made a bond phase, which I combined together... You know, it was my Fred Fry. You know, I tried to mash all that up. And there was a brief time I had access to both the chemistry set and an electronics kit. Now, stay with me, DeAndre. I know this is, it doesn't make any sense to you. But I'm guessing there's a giant-sized brain in that uh, giant head of yours or stone, whatever you call your head. It's stone, stone, stead. Do they call your heads as steads? Uh, no, fate, it's just my head. Okay, well, when I did, I tried to make something inside of a, I guess it was a probably a jewelry box, and I said I put some, you know, chemistry stuff in there and some electric stuff in there. In the piece, this is, this is where I'm thinking, because we have that overheating stone up there that everyone thinks is, everyone thinks this pyramid's going to work by taking the magic and distributing the magic. They don't know. This stone is the wrinkle, uh, the overheating stone. But it, I used to take two 9-volt batteries, uh, which were just like that stone up there. But if it, and it, but it had an interlocking piece. And when you interlock two 9-volt batteries, they would start to heat up just like that stone. And I used that to create a bed of every chemical in the chemistry set, extra sulfur, and I think it even had charcoal, which I said, that's, you know, got to be do something. And then I think I put in a little bit of uh, uh, nail polish remover. I used to use that for everything when I was a kid. All the danger, that was the most dangerous thing I had access to. I think I soaked some cotton, uh, like the cotton thing that comes to, to comes to protect the jewelry. I soaked that in. And then I said, okay, and let me just see if I can tear any wires out of my perfectly good toys that I got so much fun from playing with, but I decided to strip some wires out of there. And I, you know, plugged some wires in. And then I said, well, this, this thing needs a fuse. 
too. Like, they, there's always a fuse on the A-team. Sometimes multiple fuses that you say. I said, geez, ideally I'd have one that could go like 30, 40 feet. So, oh, hey, gee, this is, I feel like I can understand the A-team now. This is exciting. Yeah, well, hold on to your stat, you know, be hold tight because, so then I designed a, uh, which is like a torch, you know, but it goes into the, the chemi- chemistry electricity. I knew this was going to, I said, this is going to be, I said, this is a firework. And they said, this will just be the first one. And then I'll, you know, then I can make millions or just become famous, you know, be on the cover of Scholastic Weekly or whatever, you know. You know, 4th of July celebration ran by this kid. Uh, Little I know, none of that. You know, best case scenario would have been, you know, on there as a warning. But I got all of it set up. I got it. I made a toilet paper, uh, uh, what do you call it, fuse. Brought everything outside, you know, far enough from the house in this field where there was plenty of clearance. And then I said to myself, uh, oh, go get some. So then I hit it, and I went and got some matches. Any kids don't play with matches ever. I never, never, ever, 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 even outside. It is, I got lucky here because of my own buffoonery. But you are not a buffoon like I am. And you can't count on your buffoonery to save the day. You know, except in the fictional stories, that's the only time it works. So don't, you know, don't, no two true life matches. But I had these matches. I lit the fuse. The fuse began to burn. It began to work its way towards the box. Also, in order to concentrate, you know, power of it, I taped like every piece of tape, duct tape, electrical tape around this thing. And the fuse burned. The fuse burned, Fiji. And it burned down lower. A lower, and then went in, and then nothing happened, and then nothing happened, and basically, spoiler, nothing ever, he said, geez, tried burning, you know, I think the tape may have been fire resistant, then the battery, I opened it up, the batteries had died, it also been, everything smelled like nail polish remover, and was covered in, you know, dried, you know, dried safe chemicals. I, I didn't realize they had a plan with these chemistry sets. Even then, you know, where you'd have to have actual chemistry knowledge to, you you know, to figure it out. Uh, so that's what I'm thinking, DeAndre. In this case, we got something way more powerful than a 9-volt battery. Okay, Feiji, let me see if I can gotcha. So you couldn't, you couldn't make that box go... Like, uh, do something wild, but you have a plan just like that, that, that one. Right, so here's what I'm thinking. We're going to do some stuff to the pyramid and get that stone, and we'll overload the stone. Oh, don't you have a... Uh, oh, Feiji, uh, oh, okay. And uh, we'll tr- somehow... I don't have the whole plan yet, but... It, Okay, well, tell me about the plan that you do have so far. Over Overload the stone. Okay, Feiji, how are we going to do that? Uh, well, let's see. I was thinking, um, you, you you know, you, 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 hey, let's go, Baco. Hey, Baco, come over here. 
And then Bach came over. Bach had just been listening to this whole time. And Bach knew about A-Team because he's a god. You know, he had access to DVR, you know, other people's logins probably. You know, they don't even need to ask you your password. They just know it because they don't know how much trans-dimensional. Is that in the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, you know? Uh, using a password in an alternative universe? I don't know. But anyway... And he, he said, listen, he said, Bach, you, you and uh, DeAndre, you, what do, what do, you, do you guys have a lot of gold or copper or, you know, lying around you could find to get these people? And he said, oh, yeah, we got tons. And he said, all right, Bach, I'm going to put you in charge of any flat gold. or is." And they said, oh, boy, is gold the conductor? And they both were like, conductor of what? And they said, like, magical power. I said, I think everything with gold costs more, all the plugs, so it's got to be, ideally it conducts. I said, tell you what, get some gold, get some, do you know what copper, you, you guys got copper, he's, he's in box, you know, he's dealt, he said, okay. And I said, make sure it's flat. I said, we're going to we're gonna cover the pyramid in gold and channel all the energy. Uh, and then it was, it was, yeah, so Fiji, how, excuse me, how are we going to get the gold onto the, uh, end of the pyramid to stay? Because they could see it sliding off because it's so slopey. That's a good question. Uh, when you something like glue, like some sticky, oh boy, what about, you know, what, what double bump, like something that'll add, it'll stick and do something. What about uh, that green goop, DeAndre? You think you can find? You think any of that green goop survived the uh, thunderbolts of the gods? Oh, Fitch, I'm I'm sure because it was bubbling. It was a natural, bu- bu- natural uh, green goop spring. So it's probably still there. It's just do a little d- in a giant. You could dig real fast, huh? Oh, I Fitch, I can. And then uh, here's what I'm thinking, DeAndre. You'll get some dust from there. Would you, could you, how good is your, um, uh, spatial relations? Oh, Feiji, I have the best spatial relations. Okay, we'll see if you can get to the, uh, see if you can find some of the dust from the magic rock. Get some of that and mix that in the green goop and then bring it back, uh, and bring some people, bring some, uh, uh bring some ceramic or clay jars. And, and you know you and you and back get on that, and then they they were sitting there, and they said, "Well, we'll put the goop on. We'll sprinkle mag, you know, magic dust goop combo, uh, gold or copper or whatever we get. Channel the energy into the stone, and 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 then what, Feiji? Well, then the stone will probably get hotter. Might even overload." Possibly we get Cortez up there. I'll figure it out. Don't worry. Don't worry. I remember I have, I could do a recharge of the coat of many colors. I feel you. Does that still work, Fiji? It probably, I mean, not right now, but I could, you could use this. We'll do something. And while we do that, I'm going to recon. Like I've been watching Cortez and I'll keep an eye on him because it's going to take, how long will it take you guys? A couple of days or something. Oh, we're on it. We're on it, Fiji. I'll be gathering goop, uh, gathering goop, but good, 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 goodness. My gosh, I've, I got to say, my gosh. Okay, uh, great guys. Okay, break. So we broke, 
And Bach gathered up his team, and they, I don't know where they went to get the gold. I, I said, geez, I hope they're not pillaging, you know, stealing any. I, I, I honestly, I did think that for a second, but I mostly was concerned about myself, you know, my plan. And then DeAndre went off uh, to, to, to go get the goop. Good, great, 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 great that he's getting the goop, the green goop. Glow, it was glowing green goop that he was going to get, which was great. And magic dust, ideally, because I'm like, man, you know, you get some magic dust. That should do something, hopefully. Magic's uh, rock dust. And then I used the power of surprise. And I said to myself, you know, those of you that are familiar with the 18 movie or TV, I said, don't be Murdoch, okay? Don't be Murdoch. And I said, maybe should I be more? I said, geez, I don't know if I could be Face. But I said, Face is a good one at pretending stuff. He's a, him and uh, the corporal or whoever the hell that guy was. Uh, the commander, I don't know what it, I want to call him, but it, and then B.A., so I said, don't, so I just hid and, and watched the camp. And, uh, and everything seemed to be at, at a, like the camp was still, uh, I said, I guess they didn't have the wedding yet, or maybe they did, I don't know. I mean, it, it didn't seem important, but the camp seemed to be a flurry of activity during the day, uh, but mostly just feeding and, and socializing. So maybe they were still in some relaxation state. But Marina was training with Lady Witchbeard. And Cortez was uh, training, you know, talking and pressing. Mostly he looked like a politician. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't really hear because I said, don't get to, you know, don't screw this up. Obviously, I've done made some mistakes. I've learned from them. Uh, but then I noticed, I said, well, geez, let's, they said, well, let's observe camp nonstop. It's also because I was on an anthill. So that kept me, I said, I can't get, you know. But so I was watching camp and I noticed the first night Cortez got up after the entire camp went to sleep, including uh, Lady Witchbeard. And he went into the the hall where uh, the Palace of the Sun, I think is what it's technically called. He snuck in there and he was in there a long time and then the next night came he did the same thing and then the next night came and then marina went in with him and then marina came out he didn't come out and they came out later and he looked tired and he looked concerned and then another night came he did it again and those guys hadn't gotten back but i said well that's good that means they're getting a lot of gold and stuff and i said well tonight i'm gonna go and hide in there before cortez gets in there and actually, when I was getting ready to do it, Bach came back, and they had a ton of gold. And I said, okay, we're going to, I said, get all this ready. We're going to put it, put it on the pyramid one night or something. You know, where you find out who's good at, you know, making pieces, to, you know, figure it out. And I said, I got it. And I said, all right, I'm going on recon. So then I went down to the palace, and I snuck in, and I said to myself, if I was Cortez, I'd want to know all the angles. This is a sharp guy. He's been in the hall. He must be, into, you know, talking to Montezuma, who kind of seemed like he just gave up leadership to Cortez, I think. I, I don't know. He just, I don't know. Uh, and I said, Cortez is probably going to be in here looking at the exhibits, trying to predict the future, interpret the future. 
So I got into it. I said, well, just let me get into the old sand uh, pit. So I climbed into the sand, and that was like sand art, you know, multiple layers of colored sand. Uh, what do you call that, though? It had, you know, the extra uh, fact that it could, uh, you know, that it was a predictor of the future. I don't know the vocabulary word right now, but I could dug in there. Now, if anyone's listening, I'm a professional sand crawler. So don't go crawling in any sand following my bad example. Because I burrowed down there, but I knew what I was doing. I had all the proper equipment. Like, I'm a, I'm a burrower, and I, you know, I've been around. You know, I know, I do know what I'm doing in this case. So don't ever burrow into sand. But I, I knew what I was doing. So I burrowed in there, and I got up close to the glass. And I, because I had kept my eyes closed, I said, well, she's going to have to keep my eyes closed. But I had taken a cup, and it was like a clay, uh, some sort of hard cup. It was a clay cup, I'm guessing. And he said, I'll try the old uh, eavesdrop move. I won't, be, won't even need to see, and then they'll barely see the outline of the cup. Maybe he'll think it's uh, something, but I had it down at a corner of the glass, and I had my ear up against it, and I said, and I remember all the times I tried to try that with a glass, like listening to people's conversations, and sometimes it would work. Whatever, then I heard noises coming, and I said, oh, boy, here we go. And Cortez walked the hall by himself, and he would stop at each exhibit because then I, I couldn't take it. You know, I said, I can't just listen. Once I heard him walk away from me, you know, I pressed my face up against the glass. I said, well, he probably won't be able to see me with all the sand and other things. And I said, well, you know, at this point, I'm in, in this uh, multicolored layers of sand and I don't know, but he didn't catch me. He walked and he would stop at each exhibit. He had his arms. Sometimes they were crossed. Sometimes they were at his side. He didn't have pockets. Sometimes he held them behind their back. And, and actually, believe it or not, there was one point where he was watching and staring at the one that was pitch dark. And he started playing breastplate drums on his little conquistador breastplate and he was a dude play. and I said he's damn he's even good at breastplate drums and this tale had started with me playing uh, Lady Witchbeard's breastbone you know not near her breasts uh, you know but, but playing her breastbone just as a test you know as a medical test but he was playing the drums uh, breast, breastplate drums breastplate drums Oh, he's, yeah, breastplate, that's what it's called, right? And then he would go to every, and then I heard other footsteps. A marina came, and then I said, oh, you know, I rolled over, I put my ear up. And I got into super quiet mode, and I started talking. And for a while, it was just like, uh, I was like Mumble Bear was a man. So I tried maneuvering and angling, and then they came to the dark exhibit, and they watched, and uh, Marina said she, they were even holding hands. And she said, I've always found this one as clear as day. So perplexing, she said to him. It's just total blackness. What, what could it possibly mean about the future? And Cortez said, and I said, damn, I hate, I hate this guy, because he said, uh, not total darkness, my dear. Watch carefully. And he said, see that one light there? 
that one light there. And then she said, I do see it so faintly. But she goes, now I can't see, you know, I can't not see it. She said, it's enchanting. And he said, it's dangerous. And she said, what is it? He said, a lure. He goes, it's a trick. He goes, deep in the sea, there's a legend of a fish, a fisher fish, that dangles a little light to capture other fish. And she said, who? I thought you said it. And he said, yes, yes. And Marina said, well, what do you think it, uh, what do you think it means for our future? And he said, he said, a little bait to catch someone, a little trick to catch what we need. And see, he goes, it's telling us the way, my dear. And then he kind of cut out, but I'm pretty sure he said, you know, because we'll, the pyramid is our lure, and we will lure her up there and then be done with her. And Marita said, Lady Witchbeard? And he said, of course, Lady Witchbeard. He goes, you've almost got the skills you need. He goes, we have all the power we need. We have the answers. I have the love of the people is increasing moment by moment. And she said, well, I kind of like Lady Witchbeard. And he said, you know, yeah, he says, this is what needs to be, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't know, because I think because I was grinding my teeth, I couldn't. But she said, fine, fine. And then she kind of stormed off. And then uh, Cortez turned to, to the, uh, I think it was the, I don't know if it was the antelope exhibit, some sort of wild game exhibit. And he went right up to the doe-eyed, you know, doe-eyed to, to lope, antelope or whatever. Could have been a wildebeest. I love wildebeests. But he said, he looked at the, because now he's looking again. And uh, he looked at the wildebeest or the doe-eyed antelope. And he said, you will be next, Marina. And he said, and then all the magic of the world will be mine to do with as I please. To treat these people. And then he crossed over. I said, I thought it said, do not, you know, touch the exhibit. But he crossed over the exhibit and he, he patted the little doe-eyed thing on the head that was just sitting. I said, is it moving? Like, it's still looking at him like he's a, you know, it's making doe-eyes at him. I know it's a, some sort of doe. But he said, you'll be the last piece of my plan. Because I know what's best for all these people. And he said, then again, I couldn't hear, but I think he was bad mouthing whoever it was, Ferdinand and uh, uh, Queen Penelope or somebody, you know, whoever it was, Isabella maybe, I don't know, my Spanish, Spanish uh, conquistador heir royalty from alternative universe. I mean, let's be honest, I barely even know what a conquistador is. But I do know what a conquistador is because I knew I was listening to him. And I said, I want to climb through this glass. And I said, well, she said, there's nothing I could. And I said, uh, Cortez. And then I, then I thought to myself, well, he's so overcamp. And then he strolled out of there. And then I started to climb out of the sand. And I said, I noticed, I said, oh, crap. First of all, I, I, I don't know, this is a little embarrassing. 
because I didn't disclose this, but at some point he started just wearing the coat of many colors, no shirt. So I kind of looked like a cross between like a the, the Daniel Caruso type character in a suit coat with no shirt on. And, uh, you know, some sort of strange character in like a, you know, with a strange coat on, like you'd see maybe in a Wes Anderson, but who's that guy with a rainbow coat? Well, that's rainbow coat guy. I mean, they'd have a better, you know, better material, but I noticed that sand had gotten, you know, between my coat and my body, you know, my whole body was covered in, the, in colors of sand. And I said, geez, I looked and my skin had turned rainbow, rainbow colors. And I said, this is just terrific. They said, they, were they, and I said, oh, yeah, this isn't, these are non-toxic dyes. So they're not probably color, you know, they're not color fast, they're not skin fast. Then I was sitting there and I said, geez, and then I said, this is kind of cool. Like, uh, I looked, I was, now I was fully, and I said, well, in some sense, I just had rainbow skin. I can't explain it any other way than that. And it was cool, you know, looking at the way the colors would fit. You know, I guess I got distracted with my own, in my rainbow coat. I didn't do so hot. It kind of just looked like a a brownish, purplish, blackish mess. Uh, but then I, I, I sat there. I heard a noise close by to me, and the sand started to shift. And, you know, since I'm a professional sandbird, I said, oh, boy, my sand cave in. And I rolled to my side, and right as I did, uh, I felt something squishy. And as I heard, rough. And I said, I know that rough. And then I rolled back, and then that person extricated themselves from the sand. And it was Lady Witchbeard, and she looked over at me, and she gave me this look like, uh, and then she burst out laughing because I was rain, you know, rainbow, rainbow. And I said, man, this is a, definitely, you know, I said, she said, I can't stay away from the uh, it's like the Revenge of the Crayola Boys or something. But once she stopped crying, laughing, once once Lady Witchbeard stopped laughing, she said, well, "Germ, what are you doing here?" And she said, "I knew you were in the sand, but I was trying to keep quiet." She said, "You're supposed to be gone." And I said, well, "I said, Lady Witchbeard, did you hear Cortez is going to get you?" She said, "Do you think I am a fool?" I've sailed the 11 sea, you know, she told, she went into her old day, you know, routine about how badass pirate she is. And I said, okay, okay. Uh, uh, she said, I'm well aware of who Cortez is. And I said, and he's going to do something Marina, I think. And she said, I know, Charm. And I said, does Marina know? And she said, no, that, that's it. She goes, I know now. I didn't know about that. But she goes, I had a plan to save magic and deal with Cortez, but you ruined it. And I said, well, how, how'd I ruin it? And she said, I can no longer execute the plan now. And I said, well, what was your plan? And basically, she told it to me, but it was, she said she was going to uh, get to the top of the pyramid over to, similar to my plan, but with a live pyramid, not a, you know, secondhand stone that I had replaced because she said, and then blow the pyramid up, redistributing magic everywhere, but also, you know, like bringing the charge to herself and Cortez and, and maybe even Marina. 
and I think leveling the area, but, but, you know, her priority was to save magic first, probably take out Cortez second. And then unfortunately, I guess she was hoping that, and I, I think we talked about it and she said, well, I was, you know, done some warning uh, to give a, but she said, I know you wouldn't have, you know, I don't want you near here because you've just come anyway and try to be a fool and get in the way. And I said, you can't hurt my feelings and chase me. She said, well, I don't want you to be hurt. I want you to go home. And I, I wanted to hug her. But when I went to hug her, she said, no, 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 I don't need the rainbow. Because she, I said, how come you're still green? But I know, you know, she had a long sleeve black shirt on, long belly black pants, and the, you know, the, what do you call that thing, bandana type thing. And I said, well, your plan wouldn't wouldn't work. And she said, why? I said, I've replaced, I've changed stones. The stone on the top of the pyramid does not work. It's not a magic stone. It's a, uh, you know, well, remember I was telling you about that refurbished font, like it's refurbished. It doesn't work right. And that took forever, you know, a safe year, but we went back and forth about that. She got real mad, and then I said, well, she's, what do you, you know, this, and then she, then she got mad she said, oh, the magic's locked in the pyramid. And I said, well, just still a little left. And she said, that was never enough for us. She goes, we're on the verge of redistributing the magic across the universes equally. You know, I think that's what she thought. And I said, what do you, did you do a study first? Because I don't know. And did you talk to any, you know, astrophysicists about this? That so it took forever. Uh, but finally I said, listen, I got a backup plan. It's, 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 it's similar to your plan. Uh, but, but, you know, just some, you know, improvising, you know, a team style. Remember when we watched the 18 marathon and she said, B.A. Baracus, she was, she really liked B.A. I never asked her how she felt about Mr. T, but she loved B.A. Baracus. And, 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 you know, of course, you know, she would be, you know, she would, she would try to be like, you know who you remind me of? Who's the guy with the, and she'd say, you know, Murdoch. And actually one year she bought me a Murdoch jacket for Christmas. And, and I said, thanks for nothing. But uh, I said, say, come on, let's go see my plan. And we went to the place where, you know, my, my people were gathered. And back and DeAndre were back and DeAndre said, I've got the goop. And then they were all surprised that Lady Witchbeard was there. I have extra layer of the plan now. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, uh, we're going to cover the pyramid in gold and copper and goop and magic dust. Overload that rock. We're going to get Cortez up there. You know, we're going to do some improvising. And they said, well, how are we going to? And I said, you, you, me, I'm not here. This is a wedding present from, you know, you guys. And an offering from the gods to cover the pyramid in gold one night. And I said, and they said, oh, yeah, we can do it one night. And DeAndre's on it. And I said, tomorrow when Cortez awakes, he'll have gold fever, I think, probably. You know, I've watched enough cartoons. The Conquistador Cartoon Hour. I, I, I think I pitched that to, uh, uh, maybe I didn't, but that, you know, you know, that might be good. Uh, but, uh, was my point? Uh, and I said, and then we'll get Cortez up there. 
And uh, Stone, will, I said, I'll think, uh, I said, we're, we're going to channel the pyramid's energy up there. Uh, but let's just, get, let's get phase one, you know, let's get phase one going. Elliot Witchbeard wasn't saying anything. I think she was thinking. I said, you better get back to camp, Lady Witchbeard, and go to bed. Uh, we got a long night ahead of us, you know, because it was like one in the morning, two in the morning. And, uh, you know, then, then everybody went to work. But it was a good place to stop because work is so boring, you know, putting stuff on a pyramid. Beautiful gold leaf or, you know, gold sheets. So we'll pick up next week where we left off. But thanks for stopping by. You know, shining like a gold and copper, green goose. What could be more uh, goopy and, and sticky than green goop? Magical bonds, you know, that's good. You, you always need that. If you're going to have a bond, you say, well, yeah, I could use a magical bond. Except, you know, if you, if it's like super glue, you say, well, you got the remover because I don't want that bonded to me. So bond to your pillow, light bond to your pillow in your bed, and sink in so deeply, so restfully. You know, a whole camp of conquistadors, indigenous displaced people by the conquistadors and me, of a giant uh, witch pirate. Uh, anybody, oh God, you know, demigod, God, everyone's curled in. And we can hear their breaths as they rest. And it's so peaceful to just do sit up here and observe it. From the shining golden copper pyramid, baby, type thing. They say, I wonder if it's going to get hot or it'll reflect the sun and get something. Well, this problem we'll have to solve next week. Good night.